This is Tom from Third Rail Design Lab. And Chris from Deeply Dapper. And it's time to... Come on. Oh, no. Come it's on. Uh, spy movie now? Sure. Like a six, like a 60s Kraken. Do we have a, a, a sexy 60s Kraken going on? I sure as hell hope so. Does he have a, a, a cable stash? He or she or both. Hey, listen, our ratings just went up. We got three more listeners because of that. Release the Kraken! wonderful live in person physically in the same place recordings i feel like we're on an episode of npr (laughs) (laughs) are you ready to share some recipes i believe i am tom of third rail design lab we're attempting to be a little bit i don't know we're trying to we're trying to regulate our enthusiasms because there are children trying to sleep and and why lovely wives trying to sleep but here we are. The quinoa is growing. The quinoa is growing. Here we are in my... We're, we're recording from my studio, which is also my bike shop, which is also my garage, but... Which is also a freeway byway of yes, some sort. Um, <laughs> so now you can see visually how the magic happens every time we're trying to record remotely, and you can hear the semis go by, and the semis are really just a Prius. Yeah, yeah, I really. Up. Yeah. And the smell of bicycle rubber is in the air. Oh, it's my favorite. That's my cologne, actually. <laughs> yeah, that explains a lot. And we get to you get to see all of my sweet, sweet toys that I stare at when we record. Yeah, they are pretty cool. Yeah. You got a better view than I do at my garage right now because it's just stacked to the brim with crap right now. I understand, but you have a dog. I do have a dog. Which is your favorite of those? I, well, I only got to play with the one, but so far I, I am prone to Boba Fett. Just because I really dig his, sorry about that, his sweet mask action going on, but I haven't looked very closely at the stormtrooper because he he had a surprise ambush at apparently. Yes, he did. Yeah, I love. Oh, he is cool looking. Yeah, sort of feudal Japanese longbowman. Yeah, stormtrooper. I just love all the riveting up this, and I love this detailing around the helmet. Mm -hmm, That's really cool. For those of you listening at home, just imagine another arrow. Just, just imagine what we're talking about. Don't um, break that one, too. I shan't break the arrow. And then, so I have a, two or three or four figures of a certain scale, and then I have this massive Cherno Alpha that stares over them. Yeah, he's definitely the, the, the showpiece of your 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 cabinet of curiosities here. Your cabinet of curiosities. It's, it's funny that you say that, because I'm planning... I just broke of, this one. Was that... Did I actually break that? No, it's a peg. Oh, okay. Um, I'm actually planning on building a, a cabinet... For these curiosities. Oh, so, good call. Yeah, twenty thirty-two or so. I'll be done. I just broke the the butt off of that toy. Okay, that's a. This is why we don't record touch, in person. That's a touchy coma. No, no, no touchy. Okay. <laughs> no so, touchy coma. <laughs> so we just we just wrapped up uh, San Francisco Comic Con. San Francisco Comic Con in quotation marks. <laughs> yes. One, one, one of the. Okay. Oops. One of the one of the shows. This is a smaller space. This is really to. small. I'm not used to not being able to spread out, man. It's like trying to like trying to record on this file cabinet. Inter- International space station. You know, Just stay perfectly still. I feel like I'm in a mini. Don't release any fluids. Everything will be fine. So, anyway, so this is one of the shows that we get to do together, and. In this instance, we've even managed to have the wherewithal to record afterwards. Yeah, shocking. We right? killed we killed movie plans twice in a row because we yeah. tore up. 
Yeah. But we wanted to do a post-mortem on the show while yeah. we were fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel fresh? Oh, is that? And, mm, <laughs> no. Well, I, I feel a little less than fresh, but... You've been hawking soaps all weekend. So I have. My, my, my throat is quite raw. It's, ru- it's rubbed off. This is full volume for me right now. <laughs> so, uh, the first thing I would say is that this was San Francisco, San Francisco Comic-Con in Oakland. Yes, it was. And this was controversial. annual San Francisco? Third, third, annual third annual of the relaunch of the, of the con. Oh. They were for. The dramatic reintroduction of San Francisco that they then left two months, two years after. Well, so what happened for those of you listening who aren't local to this, San Francisco <laughs> Comic Con was relaunched after several years of being dormant. There was a period for um, really almost a decade where there were no comic shows or cons in San Francisco because right. it was so prohibitively expensive to do so. And then the shows that were here moved out of the city, like Ape, Alternative Press Expo, that oh, was yeah, at one was, time yeah. a really good show and moved to San Jose and changed ownership and declined. And then also WonderCon. a really kind word for I'm what happened to Ape. Because it's documented. And then, uh, <laughs> and then WonderCon moved down to Anaheim. And, uh, and then San Francisco, when it relaunched, it was... We were pretty optimistic because the hope was that enough time had passed and they had the mechanism in place to make it um, both profitable but also um, something with growth potential. Yeah. And that did happen because the first year was at the Marriott. And then the second year they moved it to Moscone Center, which is a huge convention center. They got a very large space, multiple floors for the panels and everything. And um, you know that was pretty exciting. And yeah, that was the that was you know last year when I did a panel and I had my table and I had you know it was a local show for me so friends and family came out to visit and it was just really fun and I was yeah. looking forward to a repeat and then a few months later they announced on Facebook that they were declined their permit or their they were declined their their reservation their reservation or whatever. For, uh, for Moscone Center for 2018 yeah and that they were not. They, you know, they, <laughs> their invitation had been rescinded, and it was because ultimately <laughs> Moscone Center wanted to focus on trade shows, tech, tech, techie trade shows, right? Being where we are, which is uh, understandable to a certain extent from Moscone's standpoint, because those guys will pay obscene amounts of money and not give the union guys crap about the fact that it's tiny little ghibli ghiblies with their boxes of art that they're bringing in right, and stuff. Right. There's no questions. A big tech show will pay a huge sum for the rental. They'll pay all the associated fees for the staff. Right. They just don't care. It's right. Everyone makes money. No one cares. So they thought if they just focus on this, and I also think it's because we just did a ton of work on an expansion and modernization of the facility. So I think that they were in that mindset. I think the bean counters were like, we need to just be yeah. big shows only. So as a result, suddenly San Francisco Comic-Con was growing but had nowhere to be. Right. And then they announced that they were going to hold it at the uh, Oakland Convention Center, which in and of itself is perfectly fine. It is. Um, I think one of the concerns we had going in, and it was borne out in our experience, was that um, the show didn't know what it wanted to be. Right. I agree. They spent several months where the only marketing for the show was the promoters asking fans to send comments to Moscone Center that they want the show back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Instead of just committing to what it was. And so even then, by the time they just 
you know, just committed and let this be what it was. They were um, really schizophrenic, I guess, about how they wanted to represent themselves. Yeah. It was San Francisco Comic-Con in Oakland, in an area where territorially people get really been out of shape. Yeah. Californians are very territorial about yes. where they're from and where they're going and even just within cities a lot of the time, but particularly in the Bay Area. I feel like them not embracing Oakland offended Oakland, yep. and leaving San Francisco offended Sac- or San Francisco. And what's funny about it is because there was, it, it almost had this uh, cloak and dagger quality to it because they didn't explain in detail because there's business matters. This is a business, right? So they're not going to air all their dirty laundry. I mean, give them that much credit that they didn't tell everybody what was going on in great detail. But it right. Left, it left a lot of it to the imagination of people who were quick to judge and quick to condemn, which is mm-hmm. something I think has gotten worse instead of better in San Francisco. Yeah. With the crush of culture between all of the tech, the Google types, you know, the young millennial tech people versus the old crowd that were there, plus the people that are being pushed out economically. There's a lot of that, like, quick to judge, quick to blame in the culture right now. Yeah. And so when they announced that they were moving San Francisco Comic-Con to Oakland, half of the San Franciscans said, you know, oh, you know, oh, it's in Oakland now. So, you know, why do you, you know, yeah, why, why, why did I you, go to why, that? Yeah, they were, like, they were very attitude about the fact that it was moving. But what I thought was interesting is in reading the comments, half the people thought it was a voluntary move. Right. They thought that they were using the name. as a cachet thing even though they weren't in San Francisco like if we were in Fresno and claimed we were San Franciscans (laughs) and then the other half thought it was just offensive yeah like it was they didn't understand that they got pushed out right just you know didn't didn't have any sympathy for them because they didn't understand and then the and then the Bay Area people like you said before the East Bay people were offended that they they came in and said they were San Francisco Comic Con but as if they were ashamed to be in Oakland yeah and I have to get I have to say point you should embrace where it you are. It is a point, absolutely. I mean, they were unable to put any signage they didn't up put anywhere. Any signage up anywhere because they didn't want to advertise San Francisco Comic Con in Oakland. And yeah, I just feel like it was a. I mean, not a poor choice, just a poor handling of the choice. Because I don't think the move to Oakland was a terrible plan. No, not really. I just feel like they should have embraced it and changed the name. Yeah, I honestly think they spent too much time in denial that it was happening and mm-hmm. hoping that there was something. And for all we know, there were negotiations every month. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, all I mean, we, it's possible. I mean, we don't have the inside track on it. I'm right. only seeing what we, you know, what we on saw as vendors looking at, you know, how they appeared to be handling it. But, I, but thinking of the positives, though, Oakland Convention Center is a great venue for a con. It is. It's it's a good size for a smaller con. Correct. Correct. And I think I guess that, the panel rooms are a little small. Yes, but there's great parking, mm-hmm. great access for mass transit. Um, a lot of the customers, they were in that truck that went by. Yeah, a lot really. Of, a lot of our, you know, a lot of the customers from last year said that they came from East Bay and South County, but from the East Bay side, um, and so this was even easier than ever to get to. Whereas San Francisco, being, you know where the convention center is in the city it's really hard to get to yeah by car there's not enough parking it's packed with tourists and there's, there's just yeah. there's literally no thing is enough no such thing as enough parking in san francisco that's right. frankly well uh, quite literally that's true I, w- I will say that the the oakland one the actual convention center was 
fucking overpriced for parking. Yeah. Like thirty six dollars yeah. a day. Yeah. No matter how long you were there basically. Yeah. That's insane. To we me. got lucky. We drove around looking to see if we could find like some street parking or whatever and then and everything was like two hour parking. Well like right. San Francisco has like some areas are twenty four hour metered parking with right. limits and stuff. But we stumbled across an outdoor uh Parking like lot a private was, lot. Yeah, a private lot that was ten dollars a day and then five dollars on weekends. We were like, "Is this possible?" Yeah, and what what made it even better is the owners of the the property were like they were there. They were there, and so they were kind of keeping an eye on vehicles and they stuff. Were, yeah, they were out. They would come out and help people navigate in and out of these really tight parking. Yeah, spaces. they were tight. Yeah, <laughs> it was quite a thing. So anyway, so the show. So Friday yeah. through Sunday. Uh, we were placed... I mean, there's some pros and cons that we'll talk about it. But yeah. what we found when we got there was that we were placed... We had we had up to a booth. Last year, I was in a table in Irish Deli, which is like mm-hmm. a small little six-foot table. And then this year, even then with what I had at the time, it was, it was tight. crazy tight. Yeah. This year, we sprung for a whole booth and shared it, which is a 10 by 10 space. Right. Which you're paying a chunk of change for more space, and it's supposed to be a premium. And then we found that they finalized a layout that had a very small number of artist alley tables right. and a lot of booths. And those booths were distributed in such a way because there's that proportion. Right. There's booths to the center and booths to the outside. And yeah. we were booth. We were a booth to the outside. We were at the perimeter against the wall. Mm-hmm. And we immediately knew that we were up against flow flow issues yeah and it was going to be about how do we draw people in right if the if the show was jam-packed the whole time the overflow means that they're always going to be pooling it's like sand right it's just and we definitely saw that saturday right and so friday it was about setting it up giving it a try kind of setting (laughs) up in a conventional way we just set it up the conventional way right but you know the, the the banner behind with the prints and then you set your stuff up on the table facing towards the center i set mine up sort of facing outward and along the side. And, and towards just, the celebrities, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then we just gave it a shot. And Friday was... Dismal. It was crazy. It was terrible, yeah. It was really unsettling. I can't say it was my worst, because when I first started out and had nothing and had a fever... <laughs> yeah, that was true. bad. Yeah. But, but, but it was astonishing, given that I've had a constant growth over the course of the last two years. Right. Every show was better than the last. Every... I would bring more each time than the last one, and I would do better each time. Right. And here's the first day of my home show, and burr, burr, burr. I had two sales on Friday. Yeah. It's a half day, but I had two sales. Yeah, and I, I mean, I did okay, but I certainly didn't do what I would normally expect from a show of yeah. what this was supposed to be. I mean, Matt Smith is here. Yeah. That is a, a, a huge name for a show of this size. Especially for a show of this size that I did what I did on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then to be fair, it was the last day of the big Warriors number one good sports championship. Mm-hmm. So that was a thing that everybody was focused on. I imagine, yeah. And then also it's again the middle of the day in a town that doesn't have a lot of mid, you know, weekday activities. Right. But, I mean, to be honest. I've right. never really understood how Friday works at shows or how week-long shows work outside of cities like Las Vegas. But Well, and I think the, the thing <laughs> with the Friday shows is a lot of the time you're getting 
the people that traveled specifically for this show. So right. they took the time off. They're there out of their normal schedule. Right. And I don't feel like that's necessarily the case with Oakland. I feel like most people came were locals. Yeah, I agree. Or at least a good portion of it. And I think that's why we saw that weird discrepancy on Friday versus Saturday attendance, too. Yeah, yeah. we saw tumbleweeds on Friday. Yeah. There were, like, long periods where there was just open carpet. And we did talk to a few people that said they did pretty well on Friday. And they were in the center. And they were in the center row, like, primo location. They weren't in this weird, like, peripheral strip that we ended up in. And we looked around at the vendors that were around us, and they were all kind of sitting there sewing. You know, yeah. Like, just doing yeah. nothing. And that was, you know, in a negative way, it was reassuring. Because it meant yeah. that we were, it wasn't just us, but yeah, that's true. it was tough. So, we, so when we left on Friday night, the idea was, what are we going to do to change things up on Saturday to compensate for this? We, gotta, we said we would experiment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the risk was, I mean, there was no risk because how could you do worse, right? Yeah. No sales, I guess. Yeah, we talked to our buddy, Michael Calero, who's uh, a, a fellow con man. Seasoned. Yeah, and he hasn't been doing it much longer than I have, or he might even be doing a little less, but he went full bore, full time right away, and he does well at shows, and so we talked to him for a little bit, got some ideas from him for sort of some different booth layouts, and then we kind of went at it our own way. I appreciated it because he gave a perspective, first of all, he gave us perspective that I didn't consider, which was, you know, opening it up, putting the prints on the inside making it like a C-shape that people would come in and shop in. Right. And I've seen that in select other booths over the years, but I never considered it for us. Right, it was yeah. It was risky and uncomfortable because you're now putting your back against customers, but and there was nowhere for me, so I had to tuck myself in under a bed. Right. But, but the idea germinated. It was, how do you draw people in when you're fighting flow and visibility issues? Yeah. And that included putting up a second banner, building a frame... For that you know so right. there's more coverage visually um, I put up some very large banners that I never have had the chance to use before right my trade dress and some big creator owned pieces that are on there and then uh, also this what I appreciated was it put me in a mindset that's like well you just try things if it doesn't work yeah. try something else yeah I mean it was it was simply put we could not have done worse than we did the day before. Right. So why not try some weird yeah. experimental stuff? So we raced over there and in one hour rebuilt my half of the booth. Yeah. And, and you know, dusted ourselves off and said, okay, here we go. And then they opened the doors and people started trickling in. Floodgates. And it was a flood. The floodgates opened. And what I found was you were packed. Mm-hmm. And then people would go and stand at the perimeter and kind of squint at the stuff I had on the wall, but they wouldn't approach. And then I would say, come in, come in. And then maybe they would. And I got a couple of, people, couple of people to do that. And then they would buy stuff. But for the most part, people felt really uncomfortable with the idea they were supposed to step in. Because it wasn't like we designed it that way. Right. I was basically standing in the shop area selling out of the shop area. Which confuses it. And then also, people who have done this successfully, they draw you in with graphics on the ground. Right. Stupid lights and buzzy things. And they make it like it's an experience you're supposed to come into. Well, and I, I actually think looking at it, too, like most of those guys, they have a booth at the very back of the row. Right. And that's where they sit. And they sit kind of back there. So for you to talk to them, you have to go all the way in. Whereas you right. were kind of on the side halfway. I was on the side halfway. So there was still this, like, dead zone in the back of the booth. I was that, like a poster gnome. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Troll is what I prefer yeah. for you, but you know. So like two hours in or an hour and a half in, I looked at you and you were like, I don't know if this is helping or hurting. And I said, you know what? I'm thinking about changing it again. And you were like, well, I think if you're going to do it, you better do it soon. So I said, okay. So I immediately pulled, and I can't just like move the table. Like I right. have to take everything apart. Right, because so we're talking 400-plus different images, multiple yes. copies of each. Yes. So I took everything apart to move the desk, or to move the tables so that it would face outward again, but still retain the the new the second wall of graphics. Right, to have the best which I think was world. a good move. Yes. And of course, right when I have all my 400 and something prints on the floor and an empty bin and table halfway moved, <laughs> I suddenly started getting bombed. You did. Uh, the way I would love to be normally, right? Yeah. Like it was just, there were five or six or seven people competing at once at one time. Yeah. To ask me for things and ask me for this or that. And it was crazy. I was doing it on, I was doing it on the floor. It yeah, was, you really were. Was, yeah. <laughs> And it was it was really crazy. I felt like one of those guys who doesn't care and isn't prepared. Mm-hmm. But I was. But I was suddenly in a state of transition. <laughs> right. So right. once we set up at the, you know, kind of got this hybrid set up, that day just went nuts. It, went it well. never stopped. Yeah. It yeah. never stopped. There was never a lull until it was over. Mm-hmm. We had a few people that hung out and talked for a while. Yeah. We had some regulars, but it was just non-stop shoppers and art buyers and soap buyers and we did really well on friday yeah but it was once again we we kind of there were just so many people in there that they had to go somewhere so they came by us it wasn't that they came by us through just the natural flow of traffic we were still in a terrible spot right we just got lucky with how many people were there that could come by our spot Yes. And I think that's the big difference right there. And like both of us did great. I did I did about my average for a show that size and you had one of your better days there. I had possibly my best single day. Yeah. Uh I, you know, quite quite frankly if if I remember thinking that if Friday and then Sunday to follow right. or it be at the same rate it would be astronomically better than I'd ever had. <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe thinking about that jinxed it a little bit. But, you know, so what we ended up finding was we came back Saturday so tore up from talking yeah, and standing, oh just constantly moving that we couldn't, we were going to see a movie and record, mm-hmm. and we couldn't even, we could barely get through dinner. Yeah, like I like I found myself looking at my fries and I was just like, I'm, I'm eating these, but I don't know why I'm eating them because I can't taste anything at this point. All yeah. I am is just tired. Yeah, and <laughs> I, and I I know that part of that was just that we got up, got there early, and immediately got like super tired and sweaty, moving everything as quickly <coughs> as we could, totally. and then got slammed after that. But and, you know, it was it was a fun day. I think we did well. It was great, and I was really thankful for it because it made me feel that I was back on track. Yeah, and that meant that Friday was an anomaly. Right. So we came in on Sunday. With our high hat on, you know, yeah. like we're like, this is going to be amazing, and and they open the doors. I I did a bunch of prep work with all the extra like, <laughs> the print the print bags and everything else so that I wouldn't be sitting there fumbling trying right. to keep up with demand. And they opened the doors. They didn't even say make a sound. It was just like people just showed up. Yeah, and then it was loose. There wasn't that much. 
the, the flow wasn't there. Yeah, like the flow was there, but they weren't anywhere near us. They were down that middle aisle over by the artist alley. Right. And like there were a few people that came and tracked us down, but honestly, like for every five customers that came by that didn't come by the day before, there were probably four that did come by the day before and were just coming over to say hi and hang out a little bit. Yeah. And it's just, it was weird. Our sales, I did about the same on Friday as I did Sunday, both of which combined were still less than just Friday. Yeah. And that's that's not a normal percentage as far as things are concerned. I agree. It was a very, and you and I were proportionally the exact same. Yeah. Proportionally, our sales were the same Friday, Saturday, Sunday to each other. Yes. Uh, And it, we talked to some some of the uh, promoter um, staff about, and they came over and asked us how we were doing, and then we asked, "What? Where is everybody?" And they're like, "We don't know." Yeah. And you know, it was pointed out that you know now there's an A's game, right? The finals, so there's a lot of people that were still you know struggling and 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 studying. We saw that when we were out and about that people were graduating. There's right. a lot of stuff happening on this right. weekend. But even so, it was amazing that Saturday was like fire marshals and. You're right. Concerned about how many people are in the building, and then Sunday it was breezy, leisurely, and chill, which was really strange. Yeah, it really was odd, and it wasn't. I mean, I did okay, but overall the show was a good show for me, but it wasn't a great show, and I feel like it should have been at least borderline great. We talked to a lot of other artists that were in much better spots, and they said it was a great weekend for them. Yes, and I think that it. It had nothing to do with our booth and everything to do with where we were. And it's funny that Comic-Cons really do have that much of an influence based off of where you're at. Yeah, it was really eye-opening. Yeah. I, I do feel like there was it was a transition con. I think yeah, we struggled definitely. with layout and how to deal with the smaller space. I know talking to the promoters early on, they were really struggling with how to how to do a layout that would work yeah. a smaller venue, but having that many people wanting to be in it that were expecting to get a seat for right. the previous year. I think that timing-wise it was challenging. I they, think that the change of cities without mm-hmm. the name was challenging. Yeah, but yeah. so they had an uphill battle to begin with. Sure. And I think they did a good job overall. I just feel like where we were kind of screwed us a little bit. Agreed. But... But I, but I'm optimistic. I feel yeah. like they can grow into this now and figure out their identity. I do too. In the next year, I, I know for one thing, uh, I want to do it again. But yeah. I know for one thing is I intend to be in the center. Yeah. Because I like again. In, in the end, I think I, it may have been my best show. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't my best show, it was my second best show. So given that sales were very low on Friday and Sunday relative to Saturday. That shows just how powerful Saturday potential. was. Yeah. The potential was there. And the the crew was, like, the, the people attending were weird on Sunday, too. Lots of first-timers that had never been to a con before. Yes. And a lot of people that weren't really particularly geeky. People wearing Target geek shirts and yeah. geeky t-shirts that looked like they'd never been worn before. Yeah. And so I don't know if that was a Groupon thing or if it was a... Locals, well, we don't have anything better to do thing. And I think maybe for a lot of people that came 
to the original San Francisco Comic Con, they couldn't justify more than a day down in Oakland kind of thing. Yeah. So they all came for for Saturday when Matt Smith was here. Sure, that's absolutely right. And I haven't seen what the celebrity schedule was, but it could be that there was heavy celebrities on Saturday and light I on Sunday. I think Matt Smith was only there Saturday. And he was the big name. Like, he's yeah. he's honestly too big for a venue that size. Yeah. Like, that guy's a big name get, yeah, yeah, and yeah. for them to be at this tiny... Like, I don't think they got more than ten grand. Ten thousand people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I'd be shocked if there were more than that. Well, we got to see... For It was your first time at this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, although you still saw people that you knew from other shows. I did, Both yeah. guests, both like, uh, you know, customers and, of course, other vendors. Right. Most of the regular vendors know each other. So yeah. that was familiar to you. Yeah. And I saw a number of my, like, repeat customers that I've met at the previous year, which was really cool. And at Sacramento. And at Sacramento as well. And um, in that sense, it was good. Plus, made new friends. And, and mm-hmm. um, So there were a couple people I was going to mention. Um uh, there was uh, a cosplayer named Grace who was really great. Uh, yeah. I thought she was re- really fun to talk to and really cool. Um, there were uh, uh, two women, Kim and Liz, yeah. who came by um, a couple of times in different uh, costumes, which were really friendly and awesome. Just yeah, really, totally. Really kick ass women. Uh, and then I had a couple of uh, regulars, um, Tanya and Cynthia, who were customers of mine the previous year, came out and bought some more stuff. We talked about everything that's been going on, and they're just like you know, super cool. I just love having that. Oh yeah, totally. Return, yeah. return clients, but you know, also just kind of making those connections. Which yeah. Is really cool. And then I had a couple other friends from outside of the cons that 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 I knew from other venues that came out to support and and say hi and stuff. And you know, that's what really that along with some fun, random, super nerdy conversations with with super fans. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, like. I did not have very many repeat customers, but those that I did were mostly ones that I'd met at either Sinister Creature Con yeah. or, oops, sorry, um, or like Sacramento or something like that that had, like, like legitimately had a conversation with them, had a connection with them, and everybody at this show seemed to be having a good time. Yeah. Um, Lexi? Lexi? came by the booth and she's one of the staff members that was yep. on it and she actually like talked to us and asked us how things were yep. and I love seeing that kind of thing like that doesn't happen very often in shows that's right and so I mean it definitely had its positives it's just the money situation on Friday and Sunday due to our location hurt it for us it hurt it for us I just I can't help you pause I can't help but feel optimistic knowing that if we did so well on Saturday, mm-hmm. if on a you know another in another year, if Friday and Sunday because of changes in location and perhaps you know format, yeah, led Friday and Sunday to be closer in proportion to Saturday, it would be an amazing, be really weekend, great, yeah, you know. Um, and it, of course, it doesn't hurt that it's my home show. We save money because we we crash yeah, at my house. No we don't have the hotel costs, less travel costs. Um, there's less wild cards in terms of randomly finding food or, yeah. or entertainment because it's, you know, it's the local haunt. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I think all that stuff adds to making it feel like a good vibe. I agree. So, yeah. what do you think... Imagine, if you would, that they said, okay, we can do our sign-ups for the con tomorrow and mm-hmm. we're going to do it again. 
and we're thinking about how we would approach it uh, differently. That's what? a good question. I think realistically, both of us need a ten by ten next year. At this point, we're at that. Yeah, we're, we're, I would love it if there was a way that we could be adjacent enough to talk, but not right in each other's faces. But yeah. at the same time, have that room. Yeah. Um, also, I would love, love, love to be in the center and not on the edge. Agreed. Um, <laughs> Honestly, what would be ideal is if we were in the center, like across from each other, um, yes. like across from an aisle from yes. each other, like yes. like Abe was at this show. Yes, so I think that would have been great. Give each other high fives and thumb like mm, point out high fives, cool costumes, high and thumbs that kind ups. Of thing. Yeah, point out costumes. Yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, I think also I knowing a little bit more about the layout and how that space is, mm-hmm. we didn't know going in. Where are the primary entry? Right. Where is vending? Where is restrooms? What's the flow going to be? And now having seen how it works, to some degree, Mm -hmm. that helps you plan a little better. Yeah. Like if I had known how blind we would be to people, that you just could not see us. Right. When you were out in in the thick of it in the center, I would have changed. And we did make corrections. Mm -hmm. But I would have completely changed the focus of the booth. Yeah, I agree. Um, And, uh, but, uh, you know, I... All, all in all, I think a lot of the things that I would like to see improved on were out of our control. I agree. So we'll have to we'll hopefully put some pressure and and see if we can get a, a more favorable oh, spot. And hopefully, they will continue to, as they appear to be, be amenable to constructive criticism, yes. and advice, and wanting the input from vendors. Because, yeah. like you said, she came over to talk to us and she didn't have to. Right. And she didn't. <clears throat> she didn't sugarcoat it. No. And she talked. Uh, both her and we talked to a couple of the people yeah. and it, they gave us without saying anything that we, we can't say yeah. but they did indicate that they are making changes for the next year yes. that will be beneficial both from an attendee and from an appearance standpoint yes 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 and I think that's an extremely positive sign as far as a show that's relatively young as far as shows are concerned absolutely absolutely so um so our next shows, you have a show coming up in between. Uh, yeah. At the time of this release, this recording, mm-hmm. right? Past, These will be passed but, anyway. Yes, but, but, but so next weekend, which will be Father's Day weekend, where will you be? Denver, Colorado. That's right. At the Denver Comic Con. And like a crazy person, you're driving home to Idaho mm-hmm. to restock and resupply and manufacture and manufacture. Then you drive to Denver. Yep. And then you hammer, you just hammer and hammer and hammer that whole weekend. Yeah, tomorrow's Monday. I drive home. It's a 14, 16 hour drive. Oh, God. And then I need to leave by Wednesday afternoon for Denver. Right. So. And then you go back home again, mm-hmm. restock and resupply. And then you come out. And then two weeks from now, we're yeah. going to And we're taking a, another risk, but we're going to drive Fandemic Tour in Sacramento. Right. Which is a completely untested. Yeah, uh, venue and show. Well, I guess not venue. I guess it's in Sacramento. Well, okay. So this is going to be a wild card because it's not that this is an unknown quantity. It's not like just someone randomly showed up and right. said they were doing a con. This is a spinoff or a ex wizard. Yeah, it's ex wizard world people. And we had had some some different. You and I have had some different experiences, but overall, mm-hmm. it sounded very reassuring. Yeah, that they might be trying something different and refreshing. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if it ends up feeling just like another wizard show, or if it feels like something a little bit fresher. So yeah, but that'll be in two weeks. 
Uh, and that's another one where we're going to just play by ear and see how it goes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just make so much money that we walk around looking like the Michelin Man from all the twenties. Be okay with that if that's the case. Twenties stuffed everywhere. It doesn't seem super likely, yeah. but it's worth a consideration. <laughs> it is Sacramento. And then after that, you have a string of other cons, and then we don't get together again to do one uh, until Rose se- City, September. I Rose think Rose City, City. Rose City Comic Con, and in that instance. I'll have a pair of tables in Artist Alley, and you will have a booth. In the Maker's Market. In the Maker's Market, right? Yeah. We're going to... So That's like, going to be a hell of a Crochet little too. sweaters for Pokemon stuffies. Oh, uh, well, I, I prefer making tiny Pokemon sweaters for for uh, rodents of some <laughs> sort. Rodents? Mm, yeah. Rodents yeah. of mediocre size? Yeah, mediocre size, <laughs> of course. The unusual sizes are just far too expensive <laughs> to make clothes for. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the plan currently. All right. Well, that was our postmortem for San Francisco Comic Con in Oakland, which should have been called Bay Area Comic Con. Apologize for yawning about (laughs) seventy-four times during this. As soon as I sat down, I felt my eyes start to be like started melting. (laughs) (laughs) No time for love. You know, I don't believe you. That's of minor importance. What is of major fucking importance is that I believe you. So, how how are things in um, Idaho? That's right. <laughs> they're they're acceptable. I was going to get a clever name out of myself, but I couldn't do it. That's all right. There's nothing clever about Idaho. How, what's the temperature like right now? Uh, it's seventy-seven. So it's actually warmer than it is there, and you're the one complaining about the heat. Yeah, but what's the temperature in your recording studio? Oh, I couldn't tell you that. See, <laughs> here, yeah. let me let me find out. Just a second here. This is important. <laughs> Sixty-eight. See, <laughs> jackass, we're inverted. <laughs> That's well, lame. <laughs> to be fair, I've had like a twelve thousand BTU air conditioner running all day in here. So I dream of such things. So you're so so our. Dude, it's like two hundred bucks. It's not that hard to dream. I know, man. <laughs> I know there is politics, but anyway, the point is. <laughs> Our our recording environments are inverted, but um, both are swell because we're in them. So they are swell. It's been a little bit because you've had a lot going on, and one of the things we're going to do right out of the gate after we do our other segment is we're going to talk about what's been going on. Bum, 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 bum. All right, but so do you, let's do before we forget. Uh, let's do a sucking the monkey segment. Your segment. You're sucking a monkey, right? What are, I, what are you drinking? I'm sucking an ape, actually. Uh-huh. No, technically speaking, I'm sucking a panther. <laughs> uh, this is this is changing things. So what? I, I am drinking a Sex Panther double chocolate porter from Santan Brewing Company. Uh, where's that from? Chandler, Arizona. Are they known for their their porters? The entire state? I or? think they're name they're known for the name Sex Panther. I get it. <laughs> I don't know my. Um, You're drinking my, something my from Odeon. Buddy. Devin picked this stuff up, and we planned to drink it while we were watching uh, after we watched the Black Panther, which that made sense. Never happened. So, <laughs> you still haven't seen it? Well, I've seen it. We just didn't record anything or drink it. Uh, okay. So, this poor Sex Panther is sat here undrunken, and I thought that was a big tragedy. So, there you go. That's what I'm drinking. What are you drinking, Tom? That's fine. You should ask. I'm drinking a a briny melon gosip. It's the, oh. it's the one that you and I have had before live and in person on a previous recording session. Yes, you know, who, you know, uh, who, who does that one? Uh, Anderson Valley. Okay. And it's, it's one of the only um, 
sours or ghosts that I can get here in California, or at least in the Bay Area. It's just not a popular. Uh, is that the one you get in the, the 12 pack, or is that like a watermelon wheat? I can't remember. Um, that's a watermelon wheat that you're thinking of, but this does come in a six. Oh, and, okay. Uh, but although when I went to get this, because I had some friends coming over, um, I also found that Lagunitas, who do the um, the uh, Aunt Sally sour mm-hmm. that I like, mm-hmm. which is like the only other go-to sour around here. That's um, the only Lagunitas I like. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, or the, that I've had anyway. Oh, okay. Well, then they just had another one that comes out that's uh, comes out. I can't talk. They have another one that came out that is uh, has like a cherry involvement, okay. and I thought that's outrageous. However, it's Lagunitas. I'll try it. It's pretty good. Hmm. Is it got a girl on it? Of course. Okay. I mean, that's half. Do they all have girls on it? Yeah, of course. That's what. That's oh, half okay. of what you're buying, right? That's. Oh, you're buying it for the girl. Uh, isn't that how that marketing works? I guess it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I bought mine because it has a sex panther on it, so. <laughs> so, yours was sex panther or panther? Sex panther. Sex panther. Randomly. Yes, it, it, it's, it's got a Billy D. Williams panther on it, which uh-huh. sounds terrible to say, but. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll send you a picture so that you get what I mean. It, 90% of the time it works 100% of the time. Ah, uh, yes, okay. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out if we our demographic for our podcast has changed. But... <laughs> well, we've talked for 10 minutes about beer, so I think it's the same demographic. Ah, yes. <laughs> so this is an oddity because in this particular instance tonight, um, we're recording and Blake was overcome by work obligation and couldn't do it. So Man. that was the did inversion the of what we have arrive? been experiencing for a long time. Have the aliens arrived, or did his vat meat escape? <laughs> yeah, all those things. <laughs> what, what, nothing worse than loose vat meat. I'll say. Um, so, uh, so what we thought we'd do, uh, since we haven't had a chance to actually sit down and talk about it, was we were going to talk about the recent shows we've done together and apart and then uh, also what we're planning you know what we're preparing for and some of the stuff that's been going on because in your absence we've you know Blake and I have recorded a number of sessions that we're talking about entertainment stuff and we do have some more to talk about that tonight we got comic con stuff too dude yeah but I mean let's let's talk about let's talk about the show stuff because you know people haven't heard that much about that from us recently and that's something that people do like I'm pretty sure maybe I, I don't know if I can call what you did a show brother that's that's accurate. Um, well, anyway, <laughs> so um, we did. Let's see. In a very short period of time, a couple of shows theoretically together, and then yeah. sev- and then you had some more shows uh, separate from me, and all of them were better than the one show I did without you. <laughs> well, see, what that reads to me is that I'm your lucky charm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're definitely something. Um, so I, you I'm know. your frosted flake. <laughs> That's right. So you, <laughs> I don't even know what that means exactly. Oh, I get it because it's a it's a serial reference. You're my lucky, you're you're my lucky serial. Uh, yeah, something like sure. that. So I'm part of your complete breakfast. I I would be a lot better off if I had a complete breakfast, to be quite honest with you. You should. I but, eat a complete breakfast every day, and I'm the paragon of health. Yeah, everything that I put in the whiskey just kind of gets sort of mushy, and it doesn't... Does mm. I really assume that you had some sort of clear alcohol for breakfast? 
<laughs> Start the day off right. <laughs> Start with purity, <laughs> end in <laughs> end in purity something else. Some sort of pickled vegetable in it. Yeah, yeah, right. So um, the one thing that happened in so so the one thing that happened with me since you and I last uh, spoke was that I did a show called Fandemic Tour. In Sacramento. Sacramento, California. This was the show that was supposed to be the non-Wizard World Wizard World, right? And I was supposed to be there, but I had quite uh, quite understandable um, uh, puppy problems. Priorities, yes, and it was it was yeah. important. I mean, we, we, we both agreed immediately that that's what you needed to do, is stay home and be with your pup, and so what we decided was, as an experiment, I haven't done a Sacramento show in whatever it was, a couple years. And I didn't have a great experience last time, so they were right. they were off for me. But we thought this was an opportunity to try you know, try it out again, hang out together, and then also I was gonna bring some new product and test out. And the signs were initially vaguely promising. They were. They had some good guests and it looked like maybe they were gonna try to really do this is what's his name that spun off from Wizard World? What was his name? Oh, I don't know any of their names. Yeah, okay, that guy. I've already forgotten because yeah. Anyway, it's so. Anyway, um, the short the short of it is, and and um, the short of it is that we decided to just stay the course, and so I had all of the tables that we had reserved for ourselves for for us collectively. I was running by myself, and so that ended up being about twenty four lineal feet of coverage, and. I mean, we knew that was going to be problematic, but it was worth a try. And I mostly just wanted to see what happens when I have enough room to really spread out. Um, it was approximately an acre. It was an acre. And, you know, the thing about it is that I went in thinking that this was an experiment show for, like, testing testing layouts and testing presentation in advance of Rose City, which I do fairly well at and I enjoy. And that's right. coming up soon. So I wasn't so worried about the idea that I was suddenly doing incredibly well at a Sacramento show, which I didn't before anyway. It was more about, let's use this as a test bed, right? Right. And for a lot of the things I tested, it was really valuable. Like, I tend to, the more I think about that show, there was a lot of personal value to it. Mm -hmm. I was just surrounded by so much heartbreak. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the first thing I did was, it was the first time that I had loaded all my own, baby's first show stuff, right? The first time I had loaded everything up in my own vehicle and figured out the logistics of how much space I would need and how to load it and everything else. You got your own dolly. Yeah, I went, well, I, I didn't start with one. And then, yeah, and so I finally have a vehicle now that I can um, load up with stuff in a reasonable way. You, so you I loaded up. You could wage war with, dude. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen me drive? So, yeah. <laughs> I've seen you drive a mini. I can't imagine you in that beast. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so I have a forerunner, and so I loaded it up, and I discovered that the um, the transportation requirements for my my uh, sort of best case scenario show display is precisely one forerunner <laughs> because <laughs> I, I had it filled to the brim in the back, you know, with the seats down, and then I even had the passenger seat loaded up as well, and it was just like that's it. Nice. <laughs> Um, and so, so you then I can cram to fit fit any passengers in for, for for next shows. Then, well, I wouldn't take as much, and I wouldn't pack it the same way in in the for the next show. But anyway, so this was like bringing everything. All my, the asterisks. <laughs> the caveat is that I didn't bring everything, and I wish I had because I had time to do more. Yeah, administrative true. works that I didn't expect. You could have brought your your gazebo and built it there. Yes, I didn't bring. It's, yeah, right. Okay, so anyway, uh, and so. I mean, I've loaded up your your vehicle enough times, and then I've done all of my compact, relatively compact traveling through 
like with the plane and whatever. But yeah, this is the first time that I buy with as much stuff as you have. It's madness to me. Yeah, I'll never. I never will again. I'm, <laughs> I'm already there. I've already pushed past the point where that makes sense. We have. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I drove up, and and the first thing that I was struck with was that it's melancholy doing it alone. You've, you, you, you do so many shows alone as part of mm-hmm. your routine. Sometimes you have your wife or your pal Devin with you. Sometimes we get together. Sometimes you even pair up with one of the other guys you've met at the shows. But yeah, you know, for the yeah, most my part, going with me on the next one, which is kind of funny. What's that? My brother's going with me on my next show. Aha! So you're, but you're overall, you're quite accustomed to the routine of doing the show, driving out, doing the setup, doing all your all of your management behind the table. Typically, you know, taking care of things at the end, packing it up, heading home, and then all of that. From from you know soup to nuts, you're you know you, you have that dialed in, and there's nothing no rocket science to this, right? You've done it a few times, no. and you get it dialed in. But for me, I never almost never do it alone, so I was very aware of the lack of you being there. Right, that was the thing about it that was. It's just it's, it was like not as fun. <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, it's like, and also the logistics were quite a bit different. Once I wrapped my head around that, well, it was just going to be a solo mission. It was fine. But I was right. at, at first when I was driving up, I'm on Highway 37, and I was kind of like, well, this is a, it's kind of a bummer. I don't know why. And I realized because I don't have my pal Chris. <laughs> uh, I, that should have been a warning. But I uh, keep you warm at night. <laughs> so then it was the logistics of how to do all of this, which you've done a million times. But for me, like again, it's baby's first show it's the logistics of how do you manage all this with one person part of it was getting even having done it a million times there's still like every single show i'm always like why how what what am i doing (laughs) people yelling at you if that guy's got to go from the parking lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah really (laughs) but i mean it was there were certain logistics that i hadn't yet encountered because while i had done while i had done a few shows with the san francisco like one San Francisco show and there was some other scenario where I, I don't remember what it was, but anyway, the point is this was long distance solo, which meant right. that like you have to manage getting, getting to the hotel, trying to figure out what you want to put in there, get over to, get over to the venue, get your stuff out of the vehicle, then go get your vehicle back to the, where you're going to park it and then go, and then you got to get back and do the setup. And so, you know, I, I, I had a detour to go get the dolly that I wanted to use from Costco that you had shown me. That's so great. This, Eight hundred pound. You can go for the th- the thousand pound, but I have the eight hundred pound load three position dolly that goes from two to four wheels. This thing is amazing. I just put my other two dollies on the street and gave them away because I was like, "What oh, <laughs> is this one?" Right? I'll never need anything again. And while I was buying that, I was thinking through some of the logistics about how I was going to arrange, you know, getting to the hotel and then getting to the place. And they had a shuttle, so that was that was useful. So I went first to the venue and I. You know, fought my way into getting a position at the dock, and I was way far from the where I needed to be, so I had a lot, like a longer route. But I got all the stuff into my space, and then went back, drove back to the hotel, then got their shuttle back to the space, and it was already about 105 or something. It was a Jeez. another sweltering Sacramento weekend. The highest. Yeah, was I feel like every time we've done a show there, it's been nuts. Yeah, the highest was 108 on the second day. It was just like, Jeez. and the problem is, it's I mean, all the things that that go against you in a, in a place like Sacramento, when you're trying to get people to go out and spend some money, you know, they have to be motivated to leave their air conditioning to go to the thing. Right. And, and then if they didn't have air conditioning at home, maybe they don't have the pocket money to go to the thing. And even if they go to the thing, maybe they didn't bring the pocket money anyway, cause there's five other shows or something. So, 
Anyway, so getting back to the thing, I set up the, I, I set it up all by myself, and people around me were a little bit astonished that I was doing this scale of thing that I was doing. But your setup there is was absolutely insane. And yet, though, it was a bigger version of the same principles I had already been applying. So it was just this about being methodical, right? Yeah. And I had done some setups. I had some new display, these really long 60-inch uh, displays that were on backer board that I that I drilled into the pipe system that we you and I both use. And I so ran... your first show with posters, too, wasn't it? Yes. And so I used... I actually made structural changes to the to the, to the pipe system... I ran rod that went up and down, and then it was braced, and so then the signs would then secure to those rods. So it was the way of getting, making, taking advantage of the real estate that's above the display, which we've never right. been able to do before, right? And so on top of that, I had enough room for two displays, so I set them both up. Um, and then I laid out on this table, I spread out, um, and then it was really hard then to try to figure out how I wanted to spread the material out. Like, did I really right. want to... Because one of the things I never... When we talked about me expanding my supply to take advantage of having more space because we had talked before about like, well, maybe if I have two times the amount of space for people to flip through the stacks, I'll have Mm -hmm. more opportunity for people to do it instead of someone waiting behind someone for 20 minutes. Right. Right. In all that, in all of that time, I had envisioned that I would just duplicate the stock. I'd have everything in there, you know, switch everything to single, a print in its own sleeve and its own backer. And then, all the all the stock is in the bin, so you don't have back stock that you're filling. And then right. I imagined it being that the that the grids would be duplicated, so everything would be duplicated. So everything that's on one side and the other side is the same. There's no question about proximity. But when I actually got out there and was starting to do the setup, I realized that I didn't have quite enough grids to do that. <laughs> even even buying another set of grids, I didn't have enough to fully. You know why? Because I also put the original art in, in grids as well, uh, and so okay. I gobbled up all the extra that I had. So in the yeah. end, I I still did do a split. I had my original art to one side, I had the mainstream stuff to the middle, and I had the indie stuff to the other side, and then I had sort of at the end cap because there was some traffic, there was foot traffic on the end cap. So then that's what I used for the stand up display that had all the books in it, as well as the soaps and pins that that you had sent over on your behalf and then and then the problem was okay so now I'm going to run up and down and then I put a and then I, since I use my own tables like mm-hmm. you, you you introduced me to using the smaller tables so that by bringing it lower people can flip through easier that are not super tall um, so I had an extra table so now I had this big extra table back there that I was using as my prep area for doing housekeeping right Optim- optimistically thinking maybe I won't have to do that much of it <laughs> so <laughs> so some of the takeaways. So anyway, short short part of this unpleasantness is that it was a disaster of a show. They have estimated may, what I've heard is maybe twenty percent of of their expected attendance actually showed up. Jeez. And the show was, I mean, they were very much aware of it because the the black shirts were running around and they didn't want to talk to anybody and they always pretended to be on the phone <laughs> and like Absolutely. there was a lot of nervousness. The Friday was a complete graveyard. And I'm not, and I don't have high expectations for Friday. Friday is the setup, and then bag and board some stuff, and kind of right. suss out some things, maybe work on a commission, and then, and then Saturday is supposed to be the day that kicks in, right? And even in a right. good show, Friday is the lucky lucky loo day. Yeah, typically, yes. But there was nothing. Like you couldn't. There were some part. There were some hours where you couldn't tell it was open. That's okay? nuts, dude. So people were starting to get nervous. <laughs> Saturday comes, and it's a graveyard again, and there's more people. But now they're sort of milling around in the center. And once again, I'm off to the side. And 
even the people that came, a lot of people came and looked, and I got a lot of, you know, some good interaction from people at the table, but there was a lot of people that would spend a lot of time looking. Maybe they claimed they would come back, whatever, then they never made it back. So there was a lot of what I would expect out of a Friday was happening on a Saturday. So, Which, unfortunately, has kind of been our experience in Sacramento, yes, generally. Yes, yes. Mm. So by the end of Saturday, though, I was hearing tales of woe from a lot of the other artists. Like, people along my row were getting, I mean, I, I was making sales. I just, you know, I was, it wasn't just like people banging down the door, but it, but I was making sales and I was busy. And then when I wasn't selling to people, I was doing all of my stock management. So it was not wasted time by any stretch. I got a lot done, but I looked around I started talking to some of the other people around me and they were just like, this is a disaster. And I started hearing from people who had other friends down the row that would, that were saying how people were talking about they didn't know how long they could hold out because they had traveled and they had expenses and this was, you know, financially devastating to them. So by like late Saturday afternoon, I started noticing, um, Oh, you know, it was like Saturday, maybe it was even late afternoon, early evening. And I looked over and the whole sea of tables that were in front of the autographs were empty. Mm -hmm. So the guy that made all his money, the guy that's primary stock and trade is supply and support for the autographs, right? right? Has all the, the plastic and, the bags and pens and whatnot, you know. Yeah. He gave up and left. Like, peace. Okay. That's not great. Saturday afternoon, one of the Walking Dead guys left. Okay. <laughs> and I was I was clued in pretty quickly to some common sense um, contractual um, details that I'm astonished that are allowed to happen, which is that they offer these celebrities minimums, right? right. And that sounds good until a celebrity realizes there's no way they're going to make the minimum. Right. And they're guaranteed the minimum, so what's the point of staying? Right. So apparently they don't have out clauses you know, in their contract that they have to stay. So they no, they no. bail. I mean they can they can cancel the day of the show if they, if like a roll comes up or something like that. Well so. yeah, but but I'm talking about they actually they can come to the show, sit at the table for a little while, and then if they decide it's not good like this was, they can leave right. knowing they're still gonna get their money. Whereas I would have thought that those contracts would be arranged that you did in order to earn your minimum, you had to spend the hours that you were contracted to be there. Yeah, I'm curious about that. I, I think that may depend on the show. And it could be every individual artist's contract is, is different. Yeah, and I wonder if this is one of those where they, you know, like first-year, first-timers, they're like, okay, we got to do whatever we can to get these people to agree. Yeah, it could be. And they get some but, raw deals going. Yeah, but, you know, the thing is, we had a lot of the same faces that we're familiar with from some of the other shows in the region, like a lot of the walking dead cast and a lot of people from the popular films like Rooker and gun and those guys, you know, regular boosters for these shows. (laughs) So it, it, I I would be astonished if this guy spinning off of wizard world would suddenly write some really bad contracts, because I would think that his cachet combined with the fact that this is the same cast of characters that they would have. So, so who, who knows? We don't see behind that curtain, but what I know is I was hearing the ripple from consumers or Mm -hmm. theoretical consumers. The ripple was that celebrities were leaving and people were upset. I I came here to get Jung's uh, signature and he's gone. That kind of thing. That wasn't great. And then there's the empty tables in front of it, which is also not great. And so I was talking to our pal Calero, and we were saying, you know, this is box office poison when people leave, right? Mm-hmm. So when I came back on Sunday morning, when I came back on Sunday morning, uh, I was shocked that there were 
like a bunch of people had come in early morning because they make they kick you out. You only have like twenty minutes after close, and then they make you uh-huh. leave. So it's not like they did it the night before. They came in the morning, gobbled all their stuff up, and took off. <laughs> and I got there an hour early, so I don't even know how they managed it unless That's they crazy. unless they screamed at the at the promoters and and got early access or something like that. Because I right. came in, and I don't know what percentage, but a sizable number of vendors had gone. Okay. That's- Never a good sign. So Sunday morning, Calero's getting a bunch of people together and saying, hey, let's pool all of our tables into the center to build some some continuity, right? Get some mass. Because right. any of the empty spaces in a row kills the row. Yeah. Well, obviously, my and there was a corner close to the, like the main axis, the main aisle coming off of the entry to the space. Some big corner opened up that uh, like a Funko guy left. And I was like, okay. ooh. Hey. I could use that. Here's the problem. It was an hour before the doors open, and you saw my display, <laughs> and I'm one guy, right? And it's one day, and it's and a it's short one day. day. And you so. know, to be quite honest, I had talked to a couple of artists in my little section that I got to know and and was friends with, and I felt like if I moved, I was doing the same thing to them that other people had been doing. Right. So it really wasn't worth it to me. I felt like I have these ideas about how professionalism at these shows that some other people don't have. <laughs> I like, feel like you don't do things that hurt negatively hurt the people around you. And yeah, I experienced that seems like a good idea. <laughs> I experienced firsthand at this show, among others, that people don't often share that mentality. But I wasn't going to move this. I wasn't going to move. So I just stayed. Right. But but it was interesting to see them rally and try to 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 do that. And also, I want to say uh, to their credit, Rooker and Sean Gunn were walking up and down the aisles, taking photos taking video doing like live video also i think at some point maybe on saturday evening Redis was doing that or something but they were doing stuff for social media to get the word out when they Which didn't have they don't have to do that they were not doing well because normally Redis has a line yeah i mean vip were the only people who got to see him at walker stalker right but I mean, you know, like Sunday morning before the show opens and Rooker's running around rallying people like, hey, let's take a video over here. and Hey, everybody get together and we'll take a big photo and every guy's right. post it. Like, he doesn't need to do that. So right. I was really impressed with the... I love those guys. Yeah, their Gosh, professionalism and their enthusiasm. Their enthusiasm to do those shows. It's it's so evident that they want to be there and they want the vend. The thing is they want the vendors to do well. Right. And one of the big complaints I think you could make about this show's promotion as well as some of the other shows we've done is that they are focused on the celebrities and the autographs and the vendors it's almost like you're like you're being granted the opportunity to to leech some of the side business right (laughs) right um these guys were were making efforts on behalf of vendors and i thought that was really 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 cool okay yeah so yeah then sunday was kind of a bust but um in the end, I didn't do, you know, so like we talked about it fairly recently, I walked away from that thinking, well, that was a disaster, but at least I could afford the disaster and some other right. people were really hurting. But, you know, in the end, I, when I when I think about how it penciled out, you know, I, I didn't make table given how much table I had, <laughs> but I never, but I was really never going to unless things exploded for me. I've never, right. I've never had that much table space, but I've never personally done well enough at a show that I would have been able to cover all three of those spaces, plus the hotel, plus the gas, plus all the food. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was entirely marketed. We never, we don't know if, like, had I been there, would you have made as much money and done just as well, or would you have made less because I was taking up some of the table space? And it's yeah, you never know which way it would go. Yeah, there were plenty of one of the things I noticed, and I feared this would be the case. 
um, it's too much it's too much uh, square footage and, or lineal feet. So if I'm over at one side talking to someone, I would see someone else come up, stare up at my stuff, and then they'd look around and wander off before I could get over to them. Yeah. And then I was that, doing that thing where, you know, excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt this thing, but I got to go talk to this person. And, you know, that's not good, right? So, well, and you're, I don't know if people have noticed, but you're a bit of a talker, so it's hard to tear away from people. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> if they're awesome. Yeah. So it was a little of that. But I think overall, yeah, you, we don't really know. Had you been there, uh, maybe I would have done better, or maybe I would have done worse, like you say. Or also, right. if I had just had a second, because Blake at one point was going to try to get up there and wasn't able to do it. But, you know, there's yeah, an argument to be that said that helpful. just having the body might have been helpful. But all, all things considered, even... Is that what we're know, calling Blake now is the body? Blake the body Simmons. Blake so, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, setting aside the redundancy of all the, the costs associated, I otherwise did well. <laughs> so it's like, you know, <laughs> the more I look at the numbers, I'm like, well, you know, I mean, it wasn't great for one of my shows compared to my recent trends, right. but it was nowhere near as bad as it looked. Like it was nowhere near as bad as almost any of the other people other than Calero and a few others that have well, really, that's what I was really strong local fans. Yeah. A lot of the people I've talked to did significantly worse than you did. I talked to um, more than I could count who told me that they made two sales a day. That's obscene. One person made one sale the whole show. That I talked to, and they actually stuck it out. They were local, so they were like, "Well, you know, might as well." At this at this point, I'm just going to draw, kind of thing, right? Um, but you see the cascade, right? Even for the people who stay, when they get disillusioned, some of them get emotional because they're disillusioned, right? I saw right. a lot of that, and then others get really loose, like uh, you know, they're 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 yakking and, and and sort of partying in the aisle instead of being at their booth. So even they might have right. even had a chance to do better, but they're not even trying anymore. I don't know, right? Because a lot of these people don't do as much of the, the, the more uh, dynamic selling like you and I do, where we actually oh. engage people. Most a lot of these people are at their very best; it's they're sitting there. Yeah. Right? So if they're not even doing that, so I don't know. Anyway, but so but it, but still, there was some good value to it. I did learn some stuff about the stress points in that display because I'd never put it up at maximum height, maximum width before. Right. And that showed me some points where I need to make some adjustments for in in the event that I want to do that, and I have to make some slight tweaks to how the signage is displayed. The other thing I've I don't have an answer for this, but um, those posters, mm-hmm. uh, I love the posters. They look great, and they brought eyeballs. There's no question. They didn't right. sell any, but they look great. They led to sales in the. I know in at least two cases they led to sales in the bins, so that's fine right. too. Yeah, they are marketing. Um, but the one thing that frustrates me is that they're reflective. That the, the plastic is, um, it, it's reflective enough that it's picking up the lighting and it makes it. I see, but I feel like that's virtually anything. It is in, in a show like that too. Yeah, but I don't. But but I was looking at them compared to this. I would surround them with smaller prints. Mm-hmm. And I feel in some ways that the smaller prints with glare were still easier to see than the bigger ones. But I don't, because of the surface area of the plastic, you'd get the long, the, the ripples of the light going across the whole surface of it. I don't know. I, guess I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And the only way around that is to um, hard mount them onto foam core and not have them protected, which means they're just going to evaporate. And then you could never and sell them as well. Yeah, and they're not sellable that yeah. way. Well, and that's the other thing I changed in this in this show is that I moved to a method of display where anything that I had up, I could sell. So yeah. that meant giving up. I had a number of pieces that had been, that I have, I have damaged by pinning them. And I had, mm-hmm. I took them all, I took them all down so that I could be consistent. Um, 
but you know, otherwise it was good. I got some commission work, and I um, talked to some, I had some a couple of really good conversations. I had a great conversation with a couple who love Westworld. They saw my Delos tech support shirt. And they were uh, outraged that I didn't have. They said, if you had had Westworld art, we would have bought it all. And I was like, mm-hmm. You know, the, the last two shows I've been to people <laughs> about Westworld art. Gosh. Well, you know, we'll have it done in 2032. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We During Westworld. You. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I met I met a couple of uh, really cool artists. Um, uh, uh, and, um, and, and I think just in general, it was still a very positive experience for the things I was doing. And the, so it wasn't beneficial for your bank account, but you learned a lot about yourself. Uh huh. <laughs> exactly. Um, so all, all in all, it was fine. And then one of my favorite favorite artists that I met there, um, her name is Julie Yip, and I think you may have met her before. She's um, she's a big Iron Man Tony Stark fan. So mm-hmm. one of the days she had a, a, a goatee drawn on, and she was in in sort of a soft cosplay, and then. Um, Anyway, so she came over and was, we were talking Iron Man stuff for a while, and she was going through the work. And she had a friend come out that was a, was did a great cosplay of Tony Stark with the with the glass and the suitcase and everything. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we made fast friends, and it was fun talking to her the whole weekend. Nice. Um, so yeah, it was good. Things things learned. I will never have that much display space again. I don't I even I don't even need it. I think that's a very important takeaway with that, yeah, because I think there's there's a certain limit that no matter how much stuff you have, you can only spread so far and still handle it. Yeah. Um, the one one final issue um, that I have I don't have an answer for, which is, you know, I'm working towards having my big creator own role playing game and art book push. Yeah. And maybe. I don't know yet. I don't even remotely have an idea how I can um, organically. Sp- uh, show both of those types of products in a way that doesn't really hurt either of them. And so we're going to well, be talking think, about that a lot in the coming months. Cause I don't really, I think know. it's really going to have to be one of those things where we start out. Well, I would say you start out small, but I don't know if you know what that means. Mm, it's all so you may just have to start out with a bang and <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, organically see which thing does better. And well, but I think that I'm going to need, I think that early on I'm going to need the the general audience stuff there mm-hmm. to bring eyeballs to the table that then I can then bring people to and show them the the creator on work and then right and then see how that goes eventually if that became something that was powerful enough to stand on its own fantastic maybe yeah. I get to a Calero scenario where I have a, a second booth in the corner someone else runs for me with all the general <laughs> stuff right I mean it's out, not out of the realm of possibility. Correct. Yeah. But uh, but assuming it's the way it currently goes, I would have to find a way to split the work in a way that makes sense. Right. I'll tackle it when I get there. I'm still trying to get that stuff done. So, anyway, so you were home because because your puppy was was ill, and I'm yeah, he's he's an older dog. He's uh, well, he just turned twelve, and he's he's had his heart has is literally double the size it's supposed to be, and so it's like pushing organs into other parts of his body and whatnot and while i was at denver comic-con the week after we did whatever it was we did (laughs) right san francisco uh (laughs) uh he had a incident where his his heart he went into failure and that was tough running a show that's one of our top five shows while dealing with that happening at home And he's over 100 pounds. He's a Newfoundland retriever cross. And so it was one of those things where, like, Lindsay's not even capable of lifting him. 
to get him into the car if he had to go to the vet and that kind of thing. So that was a that was an interesting experience. It it definitely harkened back to my terrible days at Walmart or Walgreens when I was a manager and they wouldn't let you call out for anything yeah. kind of thing. And it was hard, like muscling through, but I had a lot of people that listened to the shows and follow me on social media, come by and like give me hugs and that kind of thing, which was really cool. It's, it's really incredibly gratifying to think that I just go to these shows and sell my stuff and people like they give enough of a crap about me as an artist and as who I am to like come by the table and be like, Hey, we saw on the post. I hope your dog's okay. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about you kind of thing. That's really, really cool. Like, I love it when people come by and they're like, you're a good artist. We like your stuff. But when they like my stuff enough to know who I am, that's really interesting to me. It was a talking point for me too. There were people that came over that either came looking for your soaps or, mm-hmm. and I had a small amount to give them, but then, um, <laughs> Or they came over, or they came over, and they remembered us from the past. Or they came over, and, or, and 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 I was able to say, "Hey, you're not there." Or they came over and were like, "Wow, that's a huge display." And then I would say, "Well," <laughs> um, but I would describe. I mentioned that you know, to in some cases, I mentioned that your dog was ill and what was going on and why you stayed home. And um, let's just say I didn't talk to any non-pet loving people, right? Like they were very, um, and there was a lot of empathy. Um, and uh, and the ones that knew you from other shows or remembered you from, you know, whatever were right. they talked about like oh I gotta jump online and talk to them and this kind of thing. So, you know, I yeah. don't know. That's it's it's nice to see that when people care. Yeah, it's cool. That the one thing about the cons is that you get to meet people in person, and it becomes a a little bit of a community thing. Mm-hmm. And especially when we're doing these shows regularly, where we're in the same town over and over, and we start to build up a group of people that live there that we know in some capacity and i love that yeah and like you know he pulled through we got him on some new drugs and he's he's not back to his old self but he's old so that's kind of understandable but the hard thing about that is that that tells me that it's going to happen again sometime yeah and at least we have like a system in place now to deal with it when it happens but I'm really hoping I'm not on the road when it happens again because that was a rough weekend. I love that you had friends that came over and did shifts, yeah, hang, hanging out with him and yeah, yeah. Everybody they'd come over and like he wouldn't eat for Lindsay, and so Devin came over and hand fed him a piece at a time to get him to eat. And it's just, I it's it's really cool to see. I mean, for one thing, he's an awesome dog. It's everybody's kind of in love with him anyway, but. It, it definitely helps knowing that there's like we're in a community where that kind of thing can happen. Like if we were in Maine, she would have been by herself. We wouldn't have had anything. And yeah. that's part of why we moved back to Idaho was just that sense of community. We've got some family out here. And so that helps mm-hmm. when I'm on the road as much as I am knowing that there's people here that can help in circumstances like that. It makes it a little easier, but you know, being, being the con man is still a really hard job. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're sensitive to yourself, you know, you're sensitive to things happening to you, being sick, being sick or injuring yourself, mechanical problems with your vehicle, that sort of thing. All that is really going to hurt you when you're on the road. But then also things happening at home when you're gone. That's right. Yeah, it's the it's like the risk reward, right? Like when it's going well, it goes great. And then when something goes wrong, you're more (laughs) exposed. Yeah, exactly. So... We're working out some 
some options with it and trying to figure out what we're doing. But like we got home and got that sorted. And then I finished a piece God, in the 11th hour, basically, in time for me to go do a little gaming convention in, uh, in where was I? Utah, Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah. And that was fun. It was a nice little show. And it was particularly nice because I finished my um, Legend of Zelda Last Crusade Indiana Jones mashup that I did. And it got a great reaction there. So that was kind of fun. I like that piece a lot. Yeah, it turned out really well. I did a full digital painting of it. And I've got to stop doing my tribute art based off of Drew Struzan art because he's he's a really (laughs) hard art style to replicate. (laughs) But yeah, it was it was a pretty fun little show. And it kind of got me back out on the road without going too far because it was just a couple hours. Yeah. So that's nice, but... Did you make two versions of the poster or just one? Um, I did one with the logo and one without, but that's all I did. Ah, okay. Because it's always interesting when, we, when we're when we sharing our progress pieces with each other and asking for feedback and looking at what options there are. And oftentimes <laughs> you're going to pick the one. You're going to pick one and be like, that's the one I'm going to commit to. And then I've become only recently more willing to make variants because I have the... Like, once I got my head in the space that, like, wait a minute, I can why can't I have two of this and two of that, you know? So then, so then I started doing that and I found, and and I watched very carefully to see if it's like, you know, is it 90, is it 90, 10 or is it, you know, 75, 25 or 50, 50 on whether they, whether the variants move versus the main one. And overall, I'm surprised that there's, it seems to be about even. Right. Right. Um, With the exception of being my Amy Pond um, piece where the, TARDIS background blueprint one does a lot better, but there are still people that pick out the other one because I give them the choice and they go, oh, I like that one better. I like it because it's black and you can see her. Yeah, I considered doing a color variant on it just because the color in Breath of the Wild is so vibrant. Yeah. But once I started, like, once I started diving into the actual process of the painting, it became too overwhelming. It wasn't just a simple color shift. Yep. I had to commit. Yeah. It, it I agree. Entire paint job. So well, and also the the whole advantage to having a um a, a limited color palette is it's co- it's com- it's cohesive. Yeah. And when you have too many colors moving around, it it just it doesn't have that vibe. And even right. his even even his his work was like that, obviously. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and one other thing I've tried with this that I may play with a little more in the future is I've only offered it as a full poster. Right. Which has been kind of an interesting thing because people, it's definitely one of those where jumping from a $20 print to a $40 poster, people have to be really dedicated and commit to that piece. Mm -hmm. But those people still come over and just immediately are like, give me that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So I think it's been kind of an interesting test run to see how people feel about the posters versus the smaller prints on some of those like that because i think that the the style of that poster really lends itself to a poster as opposed to just a 11 by 17 i agree and there are different and there and to be fair i feel like the poster crowd and the 11 by 17 art print crowd are different demographics 
I think that's true. I have too. not. I mean, I. It's only the first show that I had posters at, and I was just so thrilled by the quality of them. And people that didn't buy them were really thrilled by the quality of them anyway. <laughs> and the <laughs> fact that I was giving them with backers, kind of like pulling from right. what uh, Tommy does, but. Um, but the people that would comment on the posters seemed tra- transfixed on that medium. And then the people who liked the prints, if I, sh- if they saw one of the posters they liked, then they would say, Hey, do you have that as a, as a print? And I would say, yeah. Right. And that was always the win-win about the posters, right? If yeah. nothing else, they're marketing and if, yes. and they bring, they bring eyeballs to the table and they get something out in front of people and go, wow, look at all that color. Look at all that detail. You know, just, just like my art book is, it's more cost effective for me to sell the print than it is the poster. The print has the best profit margin of all the stuff. So it's better for me that they buy the print than the poster anyway. Which is totally true. But it's interesting. I mean, I have yet to be, like I said, I haven't even sold a poster, but it'd be interesting to see if I ever have a customer that buys a poster and two prints or something. Right. Right. Like, do they ever mix or not? I don't know. Yeah, thus far, I have not seen it, but I've only had it at two shows, so. Yeah. Um, so So you had this run where you were you had a string of these shows where you would go to the show, do the weekend, then race home, driving like crazy all day and night. Then you would have to resupply. You'd have to create the product, resupply yourself, then immediately get out on the road 22 hours later or something, right? Yeah. And then go to the next show and then come back. And then with the exception of you staying home for pandemic, that was the only break in that whole string of them, right? Yeah, that's the. this is the longest I've been home in a very long time. And it's... Like, I had that one show that I went to. And other than that, I've just been home. Like, we've been filming Kickstarter stuff and doing that kind of thing. But it's it's kind of crazy actually being home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of nice, right? It Well, yeah. Yes and no. My my honeydew and my dapper do lists are both obscenely long. But... Yes, sir. <laughs> but you, you've had the occasion to tear everything apart and then slowly put it back together. That's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, that was one of the the whole points of us doing this big Kickstarter we did for the the alchemy stuff is that we needed to like our entire house is just absolutely filled in every single room with soap and wax and art and everything else. And so we needed to like strip out the garage and turn it into our like our maker space. Yeah. Yeah. And move my studio which was out here into like this outbuilding we have mm-hmm. so i've spent the last week straight just moving virtually everything in the house and right now our our basement is an absolute disaster because that's where everything gets put mm-hmm. <laughs> so that i have like a clean slate to work from for each room and as soon but as you once... lose the uh as soon as you lose the the discipline in how you org and how you stack and organize the stuff that you've moved out of the way mm-hmm. once it gets sloppy you might as well be yeah. throwing them in the back of a UPS truck, right? Like it's yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're really ordered about how you do it, you can be methodical about moving stuff around, and it's like one of those, you know, one of those puzzles where there's a missing tile, right? I know that from a lot of personal experience. As soon as you, as soon as you get sloppy or you run out of time or you, whatever, huh? yeah, yeah, you're doomed. And that's the biggest problem is, is I did like I, I ran up against some deadlines, and we haven't finished moving everything yet. And so I'm like, look, this has got to happen or yeah, like you said, it's going to be, it's going to be a snowball effect and things are just going to get worse and worse. And that's what was happening to our whole house because we had like soap in the one room and wax in the other room. And 
like the more you have crap that doesn't belong in a room, more crap just accumulates. There. Oh, totally. Yeah. And or- so that's something that we've had to really try and like sort out and find this space where we're like, okay, we can't concentrate on our writing because we're surrounded by shops. So we need like a, a safe space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my lovely wife and I have had um, the same problem in two diametrically opposing environments, which is the, you know, I love the Tom York song, everything in everything in its right place. Right. I love the mm-hmm. concept that everything has a place. And if things are in order, right. it's a great environment. I work much better in an ordered environment than a chaotic one, but we went from our loft in the city where we had, you know, it was a big loft and 30 feet tall. It was beautiful space. And we had a studio arrangement. We and it was very modern from what I saw. Too. Yeah. And it was very modern. It was very cool. But the problem in the loft environment is we didn't have a lot of um, enclosed space. It's not like we had a bunch of built-ins. I've seen some great loft, modern lofts, where the whole wall is a built-in system kind of thing. Right. You know, like, and that's great. But this was like a raw space. And so when everything is exactly put away, it was fine. But as soon as you put a couple of things on a counter and then <clears throat> put a couple other things over here, it would, exp- it would immediately fall apart because it, you would have chaos because you had right. very little real estate. And as soon as you cover that real estate with something, now you had to find another place to put another thing and then you put that on the floor and then next thing you know, it's just bedlam. Yeah. And then we moved to this house. Uh, well, two places later, we're in this house and it's a, you know, we're packing a lot into a little, into a small house and the kids yes, are older are. <laughs> and I'm now in the garage as we've talked about. And that's my office. You're in like, like three square feet in the garage. <laughs> well, okay. I'm getting to that. But so, you know, my, my art space, my, my actual home office for working as well as the bike workshop as the, as well as the garage stuff, it's all in the same one car garage. Right. But once again, it's the same problem. Everything's put away perfectly. It's fine. And as soon as things start to stack, you're absolutely doomed. <clears throat> and so while it's not the same scale as what you've been doing, um, I've been working on this big project out in the backyard, this pergola that I was building. And in between when like I had stained the wood and I had some time to kill, I came back into the garage and I was like, okay, this is too susceptible to being crushed with chaos because of how tight it was. And so I need All to right. open it up a little bit. And so like in one afternoon I got a shelf out to the front of the garage where the where the bikes are and I opened up the back area. So I don't have that shelf right behind me anymore. Okay. And that gives me the room. First of all, it allows me to come down the stairs into the garage and not just be right up against something. But then also it gives me <laughs> the real estate that if I'm, you know, for example, when I was preparing for those two shows, I didn't have anywhere to do it. I was doing it on the coffee table with my lovely wife, trying to sit through tense episodes of handmaid's tale. And I'm going <laughs> with the, with the plastic, you know? <laughs> so so I didn't have any good workspace. And right. so now I have made it so that if I have to come out here and either work on a bike or just start doing, putting prints in bags, I can put the sawhorses up and put a door down. And I have the, I have the physical space to do that again. And that's yeah. what I had lost for about six months. And it was a good experiment, but I feel so much better now. Yeah. 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 And it makes a huge difference. So yes. if only I didn't have all these so- soaps and pins here that someone left me with which is taking up all the oh space. please there is not that much stuff. <laughs> so what what's the next what's the next show for you what's coming up uh, at the time this, of this recording uh not this next weekend but the weekend after that i head as a guest to stg con which is the saint george gaming convention in Utah. okay 
and I'm super excited about that. It's one we did a few years ago. Um, it's a little show. It's like maybe 500 people there. Um, and it's just purely a, a tabletop gaming show. Right. And we did it a few years ago and had a good time, but it was one of those where it was like St. George isn't exactly a short drive from here. It's in Southern Utah. And how long does it take just, you? What's that? How long does it take you? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, actually. Hmm. It's it's longer than five hours. Oh, okay. That's the scale <laughs> I, I was looking I for. Close to eight. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. Uh, let's see. And so I kind of like uh, six and a half hours. So it's like me driving to LA. Yeah, basically, only with no traffic at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they've talked to me a couple of other times about it, and I was like, look, I'd love to do it but i just i have other shows and it's hard to justify getting away to these smaller shows because it's not like a money thing so much and they were finally they they tracked me down at SaltCon this year and they're like look we had people ask specifically for you if we pull you in as a guest get your hotel room would you come down yeah so i was like yeah sure i'll do that so so this is gonna be kind of fun because i've like, I'm going to play test my game there and that kind of thing. But for the most part, we're going down to sell stuff and play board games all weekend. So that should be pretty fun. Um, and I actually have two more weeks off, which is wow. a rarity. But it's going to be, like, crazy busy because after that, yeah. I think I'm go, go, go for approximately a month and a half. <laughs> At least one sweet weekend of which will be us together in Portland. Yeah, man, I'm excited about Rose City. So th- I, I think I forwarded this to you, or you read it. You may have read it on on the site as well. But um, a a well known creator wrote an interesting article that was picked up and spread around, like through other social media, and it kind of pulled out of context a little bit. But what she did was she just, in response to a, a redditor or some someone's question about the economics of shows she mm-hmm. described how hard it is to actually make money at shows and how she has to weigh carefully the marketing value and the fan service value against the cost of doing them right and included and it was a fascinating read because you're you know you're reading how a professional looks at this versus you know <clears throat> the scale that we're at which i was called like sort of a small press scale right and it was interesting like they're talking about all of their you know, the, they have they have costs that were interesting, like certain types of insurance costs, and and you know they have to always offset. It's like I I heard from an artist last year. They have to offset the lost work time by doing a show that they could be instead doing, you know, productive work on contract. But one of the other things that I found interesting after reading all this, and she's breaking down breaking down all her costs and everything, mm-hmm. was a she was a successful well-known artist slash writer who's been working for a long time mm-hmm. and her and her bottom line must be pretty tight that she has to worry about nicklin either that or she's one of those accounting personalities but you know she had to be very careful about her expenditures and you know that was a little sobering you're like wow you've been doing this for this long and you have multiple books in print and you're getting royalties on things and you still are being very careful yeah it's just a reminder of the you know <laughs> the life the lifestyle that you have too it's the Independent the artists, fickle, independent creatives. Choice I've made. No, it's the independent creative creators' experience, which is exactly what my parents had as graphic artists. That right. No matter how well you are doing at any moment, you're still in the long picture. You're still having to be very. Um, you have to be mindful of what you're doing. But anyway, yeah. as it relates to what you said, 
I went through that whole article and I was reading the whole thing and then I realized that she was a guest of that show. So, so she, didn't she didn't even have, have table costs. costs. <clears throat> and she yeah. talked about how a lot of times her travel is also covered. Right. And she gets a per diem and other things. And I'm like, what? Yeah. So Can you imagine doing shows with that much stuff handed to you? <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine the, the fuck offery I could be doing at the table. Think I don't care. We could buy. <laughs> buy a print. Get a donut. I don't care. I didn't buy it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's all free to me. Side note, in Sacramento, it was my soberest show in a long time. What? Well, because that's probably a good call, frankly. Well, I mean, I never get loose at a show, but you know, it, really, I don't. We don't get loose. But the thing is, we're not loose units. But what I'm saying is, I had that much real estate to cover. I needed to be sharp. I had to, ah, stay, I had to stay frosty, and so I really didn't have a. I didn't really have a tasty beverage until the last couple hours, right? And then maybe on Sunday afternoon, I was like, well... But but even so, then I knew I was going to have to pack up and drive, so it's like... Oh. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I felt like I needed to be uh, more alert to be able to handle that real estate, so I didn't do as much, but anyway. But, that's a fair so, thought. Yeah. So so we're going to be doing Rose City, and that's going to be super yes. fun. We, that's going to be super fun. We tend to do well at that show. There was some controversy about how this one was going to be staged compared to previous years, but I think... I have optimisms about it. Yeah, yeah, me too. And where uh, it should be an interesting experience because theoretically, the, the Blake the body will be coming with us. Right? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> oh, and be so uh, we're going to share. We've rented an entire house out there. Yep. That uh, we're going to share with uh, my buddy Carter, who does Zombie Nation, which is a web comic, and he's a really cool guy. He does like. Cthulhu idol statues and portraits of people as zombies and that kind of thing. So I think that'll be a really fun dynamic, us having an yeah. entire house to ourselves. We're going to be able to do a live recording with a number of people at one time. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll be super fun. You picked up some new fancy microphone to show me up. I mean, you know. fit in a donut unless we get a really big donut. But... <laughs> yeah, I said we just have to expand to smashing into a maple bar and I think we can make it work. <laughs> Yeah, do you have a, a fritter that'll hold this microphone? <laughs> I only got that. I mean, honestly, it has the same components as yours. The only reason I got it was that it had extra outputs for... Well, two reasons. I had extra outputs for... A microphone um, you have. You know, all, one I have and two I don't. But um, but then also... Um, and then also it uses a different chip. Uh, to oh. But anyway, I just thought, you know, you're, you, you we have yours and then we'll have mine and then, you know... We'll be well armed. Redundancy is never a bad thing when it comes to us. Given <laughs> given that we've been in the room more than once, where we're pressing the button on yours, and it's like, what's happening? Why is it not going? Even that that weird high pitched response one we got. That... <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> is it normal? Is that how we sound? <laughs> is, this, is this her? Is that my voice? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, for your upcoming shows, do you have any particular products that are going to be new that you want to talk about, or do you? Uh... No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we're going to have the melters and the candles uh -huh. at these shows, and we've never had them at those shows previously. And I'm hoping to get a couple of things done. Uh, my next show after SDG Con is uh, Colorado Springs, and Carl Weathers is a guest there. And I have a little something I'm working on to hopefully have for that show for him. Mm. Because Carl Weathers yes. is a cool dude. Yes. 
Um, but that's really all I've got going right now. I've, I've got some stuff that's in progress, like, but mostly just my, my card game is obsessing mm-hmm. all of my time. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, it's coming along great. I can't wait for that thing to be done. Yeah, I hope so. I've, I've got one figure drawn. <laughs> Looks good though. It's, yeah. like, it is exactly as I imagined it executed, um, from the scribbles. Based you... off of those pencil sketches. Yeah. Yeah. The, al- the alphas that we were playing, play testing, right? And you're showing me doodles of how it was supposed to be. And I'm like, this is what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my drawings always look like, Tom. Well, I was supposed to be pushing all of my attention towards trying to get the, uh, get the books done for the right. fall. And I'm really of two minds about it because every time I get into this position, I get really frustrated because I fear that I'm allowing the deadline, the self-imposed deadline panic to affect the quality and the comprehensiveness of what I'm doing. But at the same time, as usual, I go big. (laughs) So, you know, there's a little room for both of those. Um, I think, and also I've still just, because I like a break, I like to kind of bounce around on different things. I still have been doing some other stuff too. So I won't have as much at Rose city. That's new since pandemic okay. than I did at pandemic that was new since San Francisco two weeks before. Cause at pandemic <laughs> two weeks later after San Francisco, I had 48 new prints and 16 posters <laughs> because I was just kept on going. It was stuff that I hadn't printed, whatever. And uh, I think right now I have about 20 more prints than I had at um, Sacramento, but I um, have one. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing with all your time? But wow, uh, you know, I that one print. Here's my dilemma, though. There's a possibility that I could... It's a fairly slim possibility, but there's a possibility that I could get, say, the character source books done mm-hmm. for Rose City. But okay. virtually no chance of getting the actual rule book done. Okay. And so one part of me was like, well, I should... And someone I was talking to was giving me this feedback. They're like, oh, I just put it out because some people will buy the art, you know, the book for the art and then want to come back and get the rule book later and what does it hurt to have the books there even if you don't have the whole set but then the other part of me is like well it's really a package even though even though realistically people are going to come to the table when this stuff is done and they're not necessarily going to buy the rule book with the art they might not really care right but it really bothers me the idea that i wouldn't have the basic rule set that especially given that i've moved all of the the bigger picture story building timeline and all that stuff has been moved into the rule book. Right. It's like the world building source guide. And then the character books are actually about the characters. And so while I'm okay with someone buying any of these piecemeal, I don't like the idea of not offering at least the basic package all at once. No, I think that's a fair concern. Frankly, I, I do think it's difficult to, to, that is, it's a hard line, line to balance there because if if it was something where you had the source book done and the other stuff was ready to rock and roll, it just wasn't like printed yet. That's one thing because you could tell people when it's going to be right. But there's this other deadline there that you kind of impose upon yourself. Yes, it doesn't have a finite end date. Correct. Yeah, and then also because there's no analog that I could think of that really matched the scenario. I thought for a while I was thinking that's like if you were to go and offer the monster manual, but D and D didn't exist. Right. But that doesn't work because it's never been that way. <laughs> like, right, like the right. origin I... of the species started with the rule book. So yeah, but, this uh... is, this is like one of those things where 
you have a train and it doesn't have an engine or a caboose, but you have a couple of the box cars. Yeah, yeah. And they're super important because they've got all the stuff in them. But <laughs> the the meat of to go without the the other parts. The meat of what I have done is the culmination of literally years upon years upon years of hard work. Those those character books, all four volumes, I would say. Uh, I'm down to half a dozen, half a dozen pieces of art for character art, and you know maybe a dozen or so uh, origins to write across four books. That's nuts. What's dude. missing? What's missing is I want to replace most of the team shots, right? Because I just don't mm-hmm. think they're up, they need to be updated. And then and then even though all the books have been set up, I mean all the pages have been set up in a logical way, I still have to build the dress for the actual cover and. Right. A few other the, the particulars, and you and I both know that the devil's in the details. When you're actually putting it together, it takes some time. So, yeah, yeah, I'm really starting to feel like um, what I may do. Oh, shit, I don't even want to do that. I thought about maybe bringing a bringing a beta copy just for the people that have been asked because I've been getting asked, you know, by some people like, right. "Are you, you going to be ready? Do you have something yet?" And I love that there's someone who actually cares. But yeah. part part of me was thinking, do I just bring a demo? Um, and then I'm like, mm, I, I can't, I just, I don't want to show the, I don't want to show the rough product. No, no, I don't I think just... that's, that's the way to go. I think there it's, it's kind of a delicate balance with it, but I think you're better served either waiting until you have it all ready to rock and roll, or at least like, don't push yourself to rush something out. Right. Right. Just to have something kind of thing. Well, and I get so much done when I do my big overseas trips. Right. But my overseas trips have wound down. There may be one left, but I don't know. And so when I'm home, writing and working on those books is really hard with the kids and my real time job and everything else. It's just, you know, I can do it in little bits and pieces, but what I don't have is the continuity of like writing for five hours or something at a time, which right. I have when I'm traveling. So, um, well, Once that's like, a hard challenge with like you working on this project versus like if I was doing one. Yeah. Because for me, that would be my focus because theoretically, I would want that to become my job long term. And right. that's a lot harder for you to justify with you having a real job <laughs> <laughs> that actually you know pays bills and whatnot. Yes, sir. Theoretically, <laughs> yeah, don't look yeah. at my credit cards, but yes. Um, anyway, so I'm excited. I mean, I'm so close. I'm just so close. Yeah. And it's so frustrating because I don't want to be that guy that's like, hey, coming soon, you know, and then the, the date just keeps changing. But right. man, I'm so you close. Like I just want it to be. <laughs> yeah, I just want it to be what I, I want it to look like the way I want it to look. I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be um, compromised. I want it to yeah. be. I want it to be like my. My wrong robot books and my art, my tribute art book. They are. I wouldn't change anything like the, right. it is exactly the way I wanted it. And so, um, you know. I'm just aiming for that top tier and I want it, I want it to be exactly the way I want it. And that's the other thing, unless I find another printer that does as good a work and is either less expensive or is faster, the printer that I'm using by no means is it economical and I haven't solved that problem yet, but um, they're not fast either. You know, I mean, they've, they've pulled out all the stops for me and they've gotten stuff done, but we're still talking about three weeks or so to get it done from when I've gotten the proofs to them and, yeah, I mean, you know, do the math. <laughs> so. Which reminds me, off air, I um, I actually did talk to somebody that does hardcover books. Hmm. Has done a lot of art books for like J. Scott Campbell. Yeah, and um, 
Cheeks, Galloway, and a few others. Good old uh, Cheeks. Remind me, and I'll, once I find their card, I'll hook you up with their uh, contact info because I think that'd be a good option for. Structure. That'd be great. I'd like another. I'd like an, at least one or two other options to to feel out because you know if this does do well, I want to be able to. Be, I want it to be something that's scalable. Right. So I don't want to be overly committed to the process and format of one particular printer's nuance, and then find out that I have to. Yeah, have you Make broken down what the, what it is you're working on for our listeners? Uh, well, we've talked about it in the past, but I'm doing oh, a ro- I'm doing a role playing game based on my sort of supers universe that I've been doing for I don't know decades now. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it's a little bit more urgent and pseudo realistic than your average sort of super style role playing game, but at the same time, it's um, it's still fun. Um, well, and I like that it's got a, a little bit of a blend between the kind of the mech end of things and the superhero kind of thing and yeah it's all... got a lot of flexibility as far as that's concerned i'm i'm super excited about it yeah and i'm definitely going to go into more detail when i have it ready to go and I really want to talk talk more about some of the the ins and outs of it but the the broad strokes of it though is that there's a lot there's a theoretical logic to why all the people have powers and how they pow- how those powers work and how they interact with each other and there's a certain consistency with the type of technology that's at play and, and, uh, you know, the cohesiveness of the world building is very important to me. And I think that for people who like to read the details for people who like to look at old Marvel handbooks and just look at the art, <laughs> I've got that covered. Cause I think the art looks right. pretty good and I do a lot of design work. So the character designs are pretty good. And then for people who actually like to read, I, I get it for the articles, right? <laughs> people who want it, people who actually like to read. I mean, I'm, it's chock-a-block. So yeah. hopefully yeah. It, hopefully there's two different crowds that could be intrigued by this and, and some overlap between the two. And then, of it course, there's actual gamers. Everyone. Yeah, and gamers, right? Theoretically yeah. would actually want to play it. So um, <laughs> That's crazy talk. Do you want to, uh, do you want to um, dive into a little bit of the recent news that has been hurtling out of San Diego like a Hadron Collider? Yeah, let's do that. So tell me some of the stuff that let, let's just just name a project that you're interested in, either in a good way or a bad way. Well, I, I think the, the the biggest thing that hasn't come out of San Diego that everybody's talking about is the whole gun thing, God which damn is it. just a big messy, messy mess. It is, and I, I there's I don't approve of his terrible sense of humor he had with his tweets. Of course, but I also think what happened to him was a railroading political bolt crap thing but and that's the thing that's driving me nuts about the the reaction to this is that you know you see his you see the social media response to this and there's a lot of people that are very angry and very upset and they're saying no people should be fired and people should have the rug pulled out from under them if they say these things because these kinds of comments have led people to be suicidal and these kinds of comments have led to you know horrible you know emotional burden on people that are directly affected by the things that were joked about. But in my view, everybody makes mistakes. The mm-hmm. The fundamental issue here is that he was, he owned up to those things in his discussions with Disney before they hired him. Right. He apologized about it. Yeah. 10 years later. What's that? Or trauma films. At yeah. The right. In context, he was being, he was being a barker, right? He's yeah. just being a shock jock, right? Yeah, I mean, those are the schlockiest, most anti-PC films around. And he was responsible for Tromeo and Juliet and that kind of thing. And By design. I mean, that was yeah. his job at the time. But we're not being apologists about the things he said. 
No, um, he no, made choices as an adult as an adult yeah, human. Absolutely clear that those jokes are terrible and not appropriate. And as an adult human, he own, and here's what I find very interesting: he hasn't lashed out against the <clears throat> railroading. He hasn't no. even directly referred to the people that did this. Right. He's merely said, you know, I'm I've, I'm still I have to own the things I said before, and I've grown, and I'm not that person, and and he you know I'm still very sorry, but. Yeah, but he's like, you know, I'm really sorry that this is affected, still affecting people and I can't change it. And, you know, and all I can do is live my best life. And there you go. And he's taking such an incredibly high road. He is. And his friends are all making incredibly, <clears throat> like Sean Gunn's thread that he did on Twitter yep. is fantastic. Uh, Bautista came out. Um, Pratt was very low-key about it, but he supported him. Palm came out yeah. was doing some things and then also bobcat goldthwaite's thing was hilarious yeah. on that one <laughs> bobcat, so so the context here and what i think is so frustrating about it is that he was he was taken out as a political assassination right right he's bad trump for months and months and, and roseanne months. too and then he got yeah. and and it was he got the focus of the guy that was organizing those smear wasn't the gamergate wasn't he one of the Gamergate smears? Uh, I don't know if he was that. But it's one of those one of those guys. He's who, a bottom feeder. Yeah, a bottom feeder that riled a bunch of people up, pulled all this stuff out, um, pushed it to media outlets, riled up people and said, "Hey, go to go to the Comic Con and start asking him about all this stuff." <clears throat> they were doing it on purpose to embarrass him, but also, more importantly, to embarrass Disney. Right. And what was astonishing to me was that they just immediately rolled over. Yeah. Even though. Yeah. And there's been no mention of the fact that, yes, actually, we know about this, and this was the past, but we've enjoyed 10 years of thoughtful <laughs> thoughtful and kind work from this person who's made million, millions and millions and millions of dollars for a lot of people, but also has improved the careers of a lot of people and has changed And made the, a concentrated effort to change yep. and be a better person. And has has been a large influence in why the Marvel Universe's movies have moved towards a more family friendly more positive experience yeah more funny more um all more well-rounded than they were before he's mm-hmm. he's been very positive in a lot of ways there was no mention of any of that it was like me they were offended we're cutting him but they yeah but yeah. they had already it's the hypocrisy is what is so disgusting and the fact that once again um someone on one side who has radic has radicalized uh, the propaganda against the person and gets them knocked out based on a scandal fabricated mm-hmm. or not to silence them. And then it worked because of that sort of corporate, you know, knee jerk reaction. And it's just, it was sad to see it happen. And that's why Bobcat Goldthwaite's thing was so hilarious. Cause like, I really think you need to take my voice out of the, out of the Hercules ride or whatever, because I've made bad comments, bad jokes in the past. And you know, and Oh, by the way, how's that powder movie? Making how's it? the powder movie going? Right. That's right. The director was what he was convicted for child molestation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this is the same. This is one of the first big entertainment companies that started to um, make uh, progressive decisions about same-sex couples. Uh, well, and they they were intentionally hiring edgier, more unusual directors. Right. Make choices for this kind of thing. They were. Yeah, exactly. This I mean, was—I mean, this is a company that was that was trying. Was, I, I thought they were trying to evolve, and um, and this was just such an immediate slap back. It was so shocking that I initially didn't even—I couldn't even believe it was really going on. 
yeah, it's crazy to me. And it just, yeah, like I legitimately thought it was like fake news. Kind of I thing. thought so too. It's just, it's such a strange, like I could see like somebody tweeting that that had happened and then Disney being like, huh, what are you talking about? Well, and it's, it's all just legit and just stupid. Well, and the way, and the way Twitter throws things out of order, right? Like I read right. someone's response to a response to a response to this and I was like, wait, what? And it took me a while to figure out what they were even talking about. And that's how I kind of stumbled into that story that first day. Yeah. Yeah, so that that whole thing has been really unfortunate. The simple fact is is he'll do just fine. I mean, he was making I mean, before Disney hired him, he made Slither and oh, yeah. Dawn of the Dead and a bunch of trauma stuff. So I mean, I have a I have a flying vampire bat movie ready to go if he wants to direct something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's more it's more the feeling of like someone just got cut cast out of their own family feeling. Right, you're right. right. He's going to be fine, <clears throat> but it just—it's so weird to imagine an MCU where Gunn is not intrinsically a part of it. Right? Yeah, I can't. Im- I can't even fathom what Guardians will be like without his hand in it. Um, but he has such a deft hand with the humor and everything. I do feel that it's important to circle back. I mean, we, we're entitled to our opinions. Mm-hmm. We're also very indulgent in the fact that we're. You know, once again, in the enviable position of not being directly affected by the kinds of traumatic things that others that are affected by this have been. So and this is, we're, that is true. You know, I mean, um, it's but, but if the, you take the, the content of those jokes aside, he was railroaded. That's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, and we're not we're not defending the content of the jokes, but I do think it is important to clarify that they were clearly jokes. Right, he, he was rabble rousing in a vile. I mean, they were offensive without any question, but it wasn't. It wasn't like. I mean, I hate to make this about the other guy that actually railroaded him, but his tweets that have come out about oh, rape, they were terrible. Are, they're terrible and they're mean spirited and they're one hundred percent serious. Yep, yep, and that's the hypocrisy. That's part of the other side of the hypocrisy that drives me so nuts about it is that Disney caved. Um, Disney caved because of the, that immediate pressure, but we're talking about pressure that's coming from a side that is that vulgar every day, yeah. and it's not. Then this is not an isolated incident, and that's just the, yeah. the level of propaganda and politics that we're at across the board, and not just in in comics and entertainment. Right? This is a small blip in a big sea of this kind of thing happening to people all over the place, right. and that's part of it that's, that that kind of bothers me. But I just want to end with that. Um, I think almost anybody that you talk to and anybody that you know, if you go back, um, you would be able to find something that they weren't proud of or yeah, some yeah, time in their life where they were doing something that doesn't reflect how they are today. Yeah. And there's a certain conceit that people who are worthy of adulation or worthy of respect today had to have always been yeah. A, the evolved state that they see the, the sort of the formalized version of them that you are seeing now, but also that that is entirely true too, right? Because yeah. these people are still all some combination of marketing and mythology in how they're you know they're human, right? Right. Jason and Momoa thing, is addicted like, to someone somewhere, right? Well, that's what I posted on Twitter is that one of the things that makes us great about being humans is that we're capable of realizing we've done things wrong and changing. 
and improving and growing as people. Whether you're religious and believe in repentance or just in the fact that we're capable of realizing we've done something wrong and not doing it again. Yeah. That's one of the things that's so cool about people. And for you to take someone that's done stupid things and then changed, that that's just really what stings it for me. Yep. And I think a lot of people um, have taken a real neutral position on this because they're afraid of offending someone. I hope I haven't offended anybody in, that, that listens to our podcast of the 333 people that do. But, um, you know, the reality, though, is that we're talking about we're not talking about a scenario. I've heard it. I've read and I've heard someone also live say something to me about this where it was like, well, would you forgive a rapist? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to imagine ever forgiving a rapist, right? Right. But th- this is not a rapist in no. so much as what we know about it. This is someone who right. was making schlocky comments because that was the role he was playing at the time. And it was, right. that's the person he was then and he's not now. And he's had 10 years of change mm-hmm. and has done things and he's proven himself to be a very kind and compassionate person in the, in the modern era. So from that perspective, I don't know. I think it gets really messy if you were to provide examples of someone who, you know, raped someone 10 years ago and then is now working for charities. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, I don't have a good answer. I don't think it's ever black and white. I don't think no, that I would no. ever be able to get around the past in those, in those scenarios. And, you know, the thing but, is, is like, like even that kind of circumstances there, I, I still think that people are capable of changing and trying to be better people. Right. doesn't make that person a good person by any stretch of the imagination. Forgiving and forgetting two different things, right? Yeah, well, exactly. anyway, I just it, casting stones in these glass houses, man. It's just it's a tough it's a tough nut in this in that industry and in 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 our daily lives. And I just hate yeah. that. I hate when people are judged, um, and I also hate when people are are uh, you know assassinated through propaganda and people's yeah. you know, livelihood are ruined because by doing that they could have ruined the lives of hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people. Yeah, we're like if that movie doesn't happen, or millions of dollars, really. Yeah, yeah. and I'm sure they're going to make another Guardians movie, and it's all going to be fine on everything else. And maybe, you know, in the end, he's going to have who knows? He could have another career that's yeah. even bigger than this. But just as long as it's not stand-up comedy, yeah, it's just, <laughs> I just, it's just so offensive to. In my mind, it's just, it's the offense is that he was railroaded by someone for political means. Well, and he was, was railroaded actually pretty disgusting. About things that he said that had nothing to do with why he was railroaded. And that's the worst part. Right. By someone who actually does believe some of the vile stuff that, right. And, and unfortunately that's the narrative that we have in our culture right now is that, you know, one side makes some pretty, pretty vulgar and violent accusations towards the other while doing the very things that they are casting away, deflecting from. But the nature of that narrative is that the other side is unwilling or unable to, push the mirror back right right and that's been a story in our in our our political system for you know 75 years so it's not changing anytime (laughs) soon how about some fun stuff from san diego comic-con man yeah we got fun stuff too man so i've been sadly out of the loop as far as any actual comic news out of the out Mm. of the show (laughs) yeah there's lots of stuff yeah, there's like only one piece of comic news that I wrote about on Robot Kraken, which is a fine entertainment website everyone should it is enjoy. Indeed, I should have visited it before we recorded. Um, <laughs> the only one that I noted was, I mean, there were some different projects that were talked about that were okay, but the one I noted was, uh, ironically, something I will not read, but it was an ongoing Batman series spinning off of that Dark Knight or whatever that, you know, whatever that whole 
what is that thing that he's been doing? The, um, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, Dark Knight's Metal, right? Oh, And they yeah, have, like, I all these different versions, yeah. different, different, like, scary, you know, shocking versions of familiar DC characters, and it's some alternate universe thing. But anyway, that's fine. And I've seen a couple of really great cosplays of that version of Batman where he's like kind of a vampire and he's got like is that the, a, a the Joker face. Joker thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I have no real interest in that. But this spin-off book is uh is is designed and drawn by Jock, so instantly it got my oh, attention. So what yeah. it is basically is it's the Batman Punisher, right? So yeah. this the, have you seen any of that art? No, but I love Jock, so yes. that's interesting to me. The basic premise is that this is a guy who win when uh, Joe Chill shot his parents and then dropped the gun, young Wayne picked the gun up and shot him. <laughs> and so, and it's unfortunately, it's something that's very relevant today because right. one of the, one of the Parkland survivors, their father was just killed by gun violence. So they had gun violence in their school and now their own father has been killed. They're either wow. going, I was just telling someone the other day, they're either going to be the biggest anti-gun activists ever, or they're going to be shooting at a firing range within a year, right? Right, yeah. There's only two ways that goes. And so this story is predicated on the idea that that pushes um, Bruce Wayne into a very dark place. Hmm. And it's it's basically playing with the Predator. I mean, not the Predator, the Punisher concept. But the right. funny thing was there's a quote in there that says, you know, yeah, he's sort of like the Batman Punisher. Um, he says, uh, the the writer of the series says, you know, but, but Punisher's just some broke guy in a van. You know, Bruce Wayne has all of these resources and stuff, and so they're kind of dancing around what Millar did with Nemesis. But you know, I, ultimately, it's Batman with a bunch of guns. Right. Not interested personally, but the art looked nah. really cool. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I did. Um, I do remember actually seeing a little bit of an announcement for uh, Tyler Crook, who is the artist on Harrow County, which is a comic I really enjoy. Um, apparently, he has a new comic coming out that's going to be through Comixology uh-huh. and available free digitally through Amazon if you're a Prime member. Oh, that's interesting. Which is interesting. Yeah. What's, what's the product, project called? Do you know? I don't recall. <laughs> what's Hold the. On. Okay. And what's his name again? Uh, Tyler Crook. It's something about a, a girl who rides a werewolf that fights giants. Well, yeah, of course it is. As one so, does. Right. <laughs> Seems right up my alley. Yes. There um, were, um, while you look that up, I will ask you this. There were a number of high-profile trailers that came out. Yeah. And then there were some things that didn't come out. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. And in, and in cases like this, it's always the silence that's deafening, right? Mm-hmm. Even as, even as some of the major companies didn't have a presence there. It's right. still interesting to think that, like, for example, everyone was expecting a Dark Phoenix trailer to come out, and there wasn't one. Right. There was no presence at the con at all for I mean, that. When is that out? I don't even know. I, and I don't know either. Since that, uh, so it's called The Stone King, and it's with uh, writer Kel McDonald and art by uh, Tyler Crook, who does, like, all hand-painted gouache stuff. It's really great. Um... Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe it means nothing. Maybe it doesn't mean that because the, all the feedback we heard last from some of those test audiences was that it, it was better than I expected. <laughs> it's always <laughs> such a underhanded compliment, but but I really want it oh, to be good. 
I want it to be good. So I, I do know. too. I really want it to be good. And it's it's interesting because some of these movies that we did get trailers for, like the Godzilla one, are really far out in the future. <laughs> That's true. Another one that we didn't see anything from is Predator, right? And they right. really ratcheted up their marketing campaign. They're already showing too much in the trailers that we don't need to well, see. Well, apparently they did have a panel and they showed some footage, ah, but okay. it hasn't been released. Okay, because... Didn't doesn't San Diego Comic Con shortly before a Predators movie is released? Doesn't that seem like the kind of place where you put a guy in the costume and have him walking around onto stage doesn't or whatever? It? Yeah, it totally does. Like I've like I feel like that would have just been a major story if even if it wasn't the mega mega number one good Predator, it was just a regular right. one. It would have been. Yeah, it would have been a really smart move for them to do. Apparently, Mark Hamill was just cruising around in a ball cap. And people- <laughs> Nice him. <laughs> well, he, he shaved was, he shaved his beard, and that was one of the things, right? Right. Yeah, he was wearing a, a Brooklyn Nine Nine jacket and a hat. Right. And he, like cruised around the, the show floor, and nobody recognized him. I just don't understand that because he's very no he's very recognizable even without his absolutely beard. yeah. But I guess you know when there are when there are t shirt cannons going off on every corner, maybe it's a little bit overstimulating there. I can't I've never been. It just seems everything I've seen, especially now that I do shows and now I look at some of the photos from the perspective of imagining myself being in a particular vendor section. Yeah, just can seems, you imagine just like everything we do ramped up by like eleven? <laughs> oh my gosh. I was uh I was talking to uh our friends who do Houndstooth and I was saying that it felt like because they were going down to do Comic Con, and I said, "You know, oh, it right. feels like you're 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 occupying a spot on the shelf in the uh, warehouse, and, uh, you know, Ark of the Covenant and Raiders of the Lost Ark." And they're like, "Yeah, that's pretty much how it feels." They get a four. <laughs> you get like a four foot table, right? I mean, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. It's like super super tiny. It's I oh, uh, I we should see if we can get them on to talk about their San we, Diego experience. Actually, I've already oh. started that process. So yeah, oh, good. we've got a couple of things coming. Um, and they've got some products. They've got a Kickstarter that I want them to talk about because it's great. Oh, it's nice. great. Nice. You'll love it. Um, but uh, what about... So you mentioned Godzilla. I wondered what you thought of that. Godzilla, I... King of the Monsters. <sighs> I want it to be good. I think it'll be fun. I think Mike Doherty is an excellent director. He did Trick or Treat hmm. and Krampus, and I love both of those. Krampus. Krampus. Um... I don't know, man. They threw an awful lot at you in that trailer. <laughs> they do, but um, it, and this is another one of these ones where they took a pop song and, and spun it down. But yeah. um, I like the imagery. I like yeah. the. I like that they went straight into apocalyptic destruction, and I was convinced that that was a dream sequence or a vision at first. But then I don't know. It seemed like it was yeah, kind of. I don't happening. know. Yeah. I like yeah, all the, those. The whole like Mothra's wings flattening buildings as it flies by was awesome. You know, I was gonna say I've I'm aware of a lot of classic Godzilla stuff, but it's not like I sat and watched all those movies. Right. But I'm aware of the characters and seen all the little figurines and things. But um, I never thought I would say this, but the one that I liked the most was Mothra. <laughs> right when when <laughs> yeah. the when those wings unfurl when it's coming out of the water. Yeah, and it looks almost like a manta ray that's that's bending itself or something. Like totally. I thought that looks so cool. Yeah, like I actually got chills when I saw that. I was like, that is actually really cool. And like everyone that knows you would assume that you would immediately latch onto the three headed one. Of course. But, <laughs> I like but yeah, that it Mothra exists. Definitely looks the coolest in my opinion. I I'm, I'm still not a huge fan of the Lardzilla design. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah. Um, I like um, what's her name from Stranger Things. Yeah, she's great. Um, uh, Bobby Brown. Yeah, she. I mean, she looks like she's doing exactly what she's paid to do, and and of course, it was very heavy-handed in the trailer that she's obviously or is we are assu- we are to assume she's the daughter of the scientist, right? Who's, Who I'm going to assume dies. I hope so. Maybe. But uh, <laughs> anyway, if I don't if I don't have a piece of really good King of the Monsters uh, fan art done by 2032, it's a crying shame. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it looks fun. I think I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed the uh, the Godzilla. I liked the Kong movie a lot. I thought it was me excellent. too. We haven't gotten around. To, did we? Uh, uh, I think I've lost track. Briefly, okay, I've watched okay. it three times now. Twice on a plane, but I mean, I've watched it three times. I enjoy well, here's this. the hell like, out of it. Devin even liked that movie. That's funny. <laughs> he doesn't like anything. I know. He likes that movie. Black and white and starring Vincent Price. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Man, his his art that he's been doing lately has been really cool. I've been enjoying. Yeah, it. yeah. He's really he he challenged himself to do a piece every day of July. Yeah. And try different styles and filters and mediums, and he's doing some really fun stuff. So let's see what else. How about Shazam? Shazam. <sighs> I really want to enjoy this movie. I think it'll be fun. I I think I think he's well cast to play a goofy fourteen year old in a human's body. I mean, in a he man's body. I like Chuck. I don't know his real name. Zachary Levi is that Zachary his name? Zachary Levi, yes. I think he's I think he's a good choice to play a fourteen year old he man. Yes. Um, They're trading so heavily on Big. They are, and I'm okay with that because I like Big so much. It's a good, it's a good premise, and it makes it yeah. different than other superhero stories. I like that. It does. Um, the problem I have with Shazam, though, is that it's it's trading on Big, which is good, mm-hmm. and it has references to a Malarverse story that I remember enjoying about um, a younger boy with disabilities who's granted by a monkey in a spacesuit is granted Superman powers and then you turn out and then you come to find out that that was a demon and that's not a good thing at all. But it was, but it was playing up the whole thing about how, you know, a a kid with all this power wouldn't know as much how to behave like a man and what to do. But that said, well, Shazam's always had a little bit of that, hasn't it? Well, I don't know how much they've ever really played it up. I've never really read any Shazam stuff. I've only seen little bits and pieces, and then of course Kingdom Come and stuff, where he was a, an adult already, and he's a and he's a and he's a sort of a he's been twisted into the person that he is through manipulation. Which I always got the impression he was twisted that way because he was a little simpler. Yeah, in his point sure. of view and stuff. Sure. But, I guess I, my, I, I guess my problem here is that it doesn't feel like it's edgy enough. I feel like they're very family friendly. It does. And I feel like that the story would be more effective if it was more realistic. Like if this is coming out at the same time that you're seeing all of these reviews for that movie, eighth grade, a movie about eighth grade. That's an R rated movie. Like it's so realistic that people are saying like, this just feels like it's documentary. Right. Um, kids are complex today, right? They are. And to me, so you're complaining that a DC movie isn't dark enough? <laughs> what I'm saying is <laughs> we can watch Big and it's very innocent and it has it has a veneer 
of of safeness to it because it came out in the eighties and we remember it that way. Mm-hmm. Whenever it was, it came out late eighties. Yeah, but like but we've talked about this, but we've talked about this fairly recently that I rewatched it with my wife and kids as an adult, and my wife and I were mortified. We're like, oh crap! To us, it was this horrible exper- horrible story about missing children and and despair and the cops won't do anything and the kid's just off in the street somewhere and it's just like it felt like like... you're making this this fan film about this poor mother going through a mental breakdown that's exactly right so something about something about this story feels like it's too it feels like it's reading at least in the trailer that's too innocent to be believable in the modern era and i don't mean that these kids have to be punks but i don't know i feel like frankly there's no way of doing this story that wouldn't be either overly dark to the point of cheesiness or yeah. embracing the schmaltz and doing it like they're currently doing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose you're right. Like, a, it feels like DC trying to make a Marvel movie. Yeah, but that's exactly my point. If you think about how kids are portrayed in the Marvel stuff, particularly recently, mm-hmm. look at how... Did you see Ant-Man yet? Yeah. Okay, so... and. That kid is probably one of my favorites. Right. Uh, movie kids I've ever seen in a movie. She's she's playing younger in this in Ant Man and Wasp. She's playing younger than the characters in Shazam, and she felt more realistic than the characters in Shazam. I agree completely. Yeah. And I that's writing, and that's casting, and everything else. But so I guess what I'm saying is, I would think that someone of their age would be. Then again, it's one trailer. Who's to say? It is. Here's the other problem. The suit is still... I know they were going for larger than life, and there's been a lot of focus on... And he did do a lot of working out, and he did... He looks big, He did bulk up, but there's still some ridiculous padding in the shoulders. Without a doubt. In the chest, and it's making him look like he's wearing a padded suit. I actually think it looks better in motion, but it still looks over-padded. I liked liked a lot of the, the... we had no information until this trailer, right? Mm-hmm. And so I really liked a lot of the things they showed us. I liked the subway scene. I liked the interaction between Billy Batson and the Foster family. Yeah. Um, I liked his response to Shazam. Were you serious? You know, like, <laughs> there was definitely a lot that I did like. Yeah. Um, I will probably be a Shazam apologist and really enjoy it. I think we're both going to enjoy it. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I don't know off. I'm always curious about how things, when you see the first trailer and you have questions about the film after that trailer, that's always a question, right? Because they make really shitty movies look awesome with a good trailer. Yeah, they do. They don't often make a great movie look mediocre with a trailer, although it has (laughs) happened. (laughs) It has. (laughs) So anyway, so, but it was good to actually see it in motion and and, and everything. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Mark Strong... As the villain is kind of an interesting choice. Too. That's going to be awesome. I love him. Yeah. Oh, you're the bad guy. You know, um, there's one thing that um, Zachary Levi is doing that I think is really effective is that he's he's slurring a little bit. So mm-hmm. he's using he's using a um, a vocal affect that does feel like it's a younger person talking. Yeah. Like he goes, yeah. right? you know, like he's like you know, like he's <laughs> he's he's. he's his his slang or the way he's talking feels very realistic as someone who's younger than he is. Yeah, I think that's true. I think mean, especially because I've heard him talk as a actor as well as in character so much more, and I know that that he doesn't sound anything like that. So yeah, I think he's a lot more talented than people give him credit for. Yeah, 
and I just think he likes playing kind of lighthearted, fun stuff. Yeah. Oh, I love his respect. That's cool. Yeah, I loved his. I loved his show when it was on. Obviously, and not just because of the theme music. My and friend. What's yep. her name? Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I have two friends who were part of the that group that he put together that does charity work and has been very oh, active at the shows. It's that nerd something something. Yeah. Whatever that group is. And nerd so they've herd. met him. Huh? Nerd Herd? Nerd Herd? No. I don't know what it is, but they... Um, that was they, the name of the, the people that, like, that he worked for in the... Ah, uh, right. Place. That's right. Um, well, they anyway, they've worked with him on in that group for a couple of years and met him and talked to him and stuff, and they said nothing but great things about him. That's Yeah, everyone I talked to that met him at Solid Comic Con said he was, like, the highlight of their con-going yeah. experience. He yeah. was just genuine and true and funny. So I'm, I have I have high hopes for it just because I think, I think it'd be nice if DC had some fun movies, and I think... <laughs> That's for sure. The other DC movie that they had could also be that. Yes. Um, I think there was more reassurance in the Aquaman trailer. Aquaman? The Aquaman, Aquaman trailer than, Aquaman. than in the previous imagery that we've seen. <laughs> Don't you love it, though? Aquaman? Aquaman! <laughs> I'd like, whenever that started with us, I cannot say man. <laughs> It just—it sounds so funny. I love it. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I—I I mean, it's so CG heavy, but it's to be expected because of the subject matter, yeah. obviously. Mira's iridescent uniform looked a little weird, but I don't like her hair. No, I don't like any of that stuff. But but Ooh, so her right. aside, um, and also the fact that Ocean Master doesn't have neck armor—I still have problems with that. But right. but 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 the the view of the different kingdoms, this whole realization that the well, mm, I should say, this. This narrative shift that the Unite the Seven <laughs> meant the Seven Kingdoms. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm seeing new stuff. I mean, everyone's talked so highly of James Wan, and, and I haven't watched a lot of his movies. I but haven't either. I think what I'm what we're seeing so far, I'm seeing a number of scenes that look pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and interactions that were kind of interesting, and I still fun monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the like the 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 brine people, and there's. Mm-hmm. The Fisherman dragons King and some sort or, what's that? There's some sort of dragons or something they run yep. on. Yep, and then there's like the, the the crab guys, and then I think the um, <clears throat> we didn't get to see Willem Dafoe at all, but I liked no. seeing that you do they do bridge the gap how this baby could have grown into uh, Jason Momoa without <laughs> any training. He does get trained. He's getting trained by Willem Dafoe. We just didn't see him. Right. So you see the young you see the young Momo actor with his half of his tattoos on. <laughs> like, Black uh, Black Manta looks rad. He looks rad. That's what I was gonna say, man. So perfect. The biggest props I can give this movie so far is that they've taken a, one of those really bad designs. I mean, I've always <laughs> liked it, but it doesn't yeah. translate at all. No. And they've and they've made it look cool. Yeah. And apparently, there's more than one. I guess. <laughs> they've implied that there's more than one Black Manta in the movie too. Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, honestly, like, the only scene in that entire trailer that I genuinely rolled my eyes at was the weird cheering bro moment. Cheering bro? Where, like, oh, like, right, yeah, yeah. happens and they all stop and then cheer, and I'm like, what? I'm really sensitive to really um, awkward extras yeah. um, acting in a group in a way that people don't act. Uh-huh. Um, remember... remember uh, Remember Black Panther where everyone's dancing on the cliffs? And you're like, come on. 
yeah, the the, yeah. the the group. Yeah, right. The 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 cheering bros felt like something out of uh, um, uh, City of a Thousand Planets, or whatever. Valerian, like Valer- it just didn't yeah, feel. Totally. It had that artifice artifice to it that just didn't seem like it fit. Yeah. I love that moment where he busts into the the weird um, pirate sub or whatever, and he's got two guys in proto manta style uh, sort of uh, aren't like. Uh, deep sea like scuba gear but they look like bad guys they look like gi joe i was gonna say that exactly right i saw that and i said we got like how many like gi joe movies and we didn't have cool cobra like this right looked like a couple of cobra guys (laughs) they totally did they were even they were even cobra guys that were scuba guys yeah right so yeah permission to board (laughs) anyway so yeah that was i don't know that's cool i I'm optimistic. I, I hope it'll be fun. And I think, just like you said about Shazam trying to be the first fun mm-hmm. Warner Brothers movie, uh, I think this one might be the first of their I'm a big giant superhero, except for Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is still a little bit lower scale. It was. And it yeah. had its third act CGI explosions and stuff, but this right. one feels like it might be a little bit more successful at the world building side. I think so too. Because and that's something Romola that they've really struggled with, I think. is choice. What's that? I think Bromoa is a great choice for. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah Bromoa. Juan, Juan has done. He did a Fast and the Furious movie, right? Yeah. And then, and then like some stuff. horror thing. Yeah, he was did. He the paranormal Activity guy. No, I think that wasn't. He was a co-creator of Saw. Was it Saw? Okay. And then also, I, I think he might have been involved. I could be wrong. He might have been involved with, um, that movie where everybody gets. To go crazy for one day. I don't know if it's true. The Purge. The Purge. Is he uh, not, not related. To the oh, purge? He's, he he did the Conjuring. Oh, the Conjuring. Okay, yeah. Con- he, conjure then Purge. <laughs> and Insidious, it looks like too. So he's done a lot of horror stuff. Um, and actually, no, yeah, he did the seventh of the Fast and Furious movies. Oh wow! Okay. He's also producer on the upcoming Swamp Thing TV series for DC. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I just think that um, with the exception of the Patty Jenkins version of the Amazonians, Mm -hmm. the DCEU has had very poor world building. Yes, they have. They've had, they, they, they coasted on visual style that Snyder took from Nolan and ran with it. But they, but they don't... didn't even like like they're not even good at building Batman's world. He lives in like an apartment on the lake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he likes wine. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time where it looks like they've actually created an environment with different types of people and different creatures and a different sort of social system. And yeah. it looks like it's been thought out. It's really hard not to see Phantom Menace in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Misa like <laughs> Aquaman. <laughs> oh my gosh. Misa like Aquaman. <laughs> oh man. Um So, okay, what else? What was next? So after so Aquaman, what else? How about um did you get to see the glass trailer? Yeah. Have you seen Split? So so that's the thing. I haven't. <laughs> I skipped I skipped Split because I read the premise in during production and I was like, okay, uh, James, what's his name, is going to play 
22 different people mm-hmm. while girls are tied up in his basement. And I was like, mm. that didn't sound good to you. It didn't sound good to me. And everyone said it was great. And then I was like, well, maybe I will see it. And then I listened to a podcast where they talked, but you know, they talked about it and I didn't, I didn't Stop avoid the spoilers. Podcasts that spoil <laughs> things for you, Tom. Um, I, I, so now I feel like I need to go back and watch it. I think but, you'd like it. And I also feel like you would be missing a lot of this movie if you don't go back and watch it. I think so too. And the problem is, even though I've read about and I understand what happens in Split, mm-hmm. I've now seen him being physical beyond. Because I, I saw the trailers for Split and I saw him doing the voices and carrying on and whatever else. I'm like, okay. Right. But now that I've seen images that reference the things I read about, at the, about right. the end of Split, where he, he he's running in the field and it's all bestial and crazy and is doing physiologically things that he shouldn't be able to do. Right. Now I'm becoming more interested because he looks like he's a hunk of moving meat and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, he looks pretty rad in it. Um. Yeah. So, but anyway, that trailer looks fantastic. Yeah, it looks what really a, good. I, what an awesome premise. I I feel like uh, Willis has kind of phoned things in for a while. So. Yeah. It'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. You know what? I actually have a uh, split on my digital account for Voodoo. Remind me at all. I, I may be able to oh, good. with a contact there. <laughs> cool. So you can watch that. So, um, so okay. So that was Aquaman. Aquaman. And then Glass. And then Glass. Uh, what about... Um, what about... Did you happen to see the... New trailer for Battle Angel Alita. I did not. I saw it was out, but I haven't watched it yet. So I've been an apologist for that film, even though I was mortified by the giant anime eyes. <laughs> yeah, tell me more about that. How, how do you sit now that you've seen a second trailer? Well, I'm pretty sure that they've gone back through and and reduced the eyes. Oh, really? I'd have to see. I haven't gone back and tried to do a, a you know a side to side, but I remember the the one from several months ago that she had really big anime eyes. Yeah, they were humongous, yeah. And now they're reading, they're definitely big, but they're reading like more like they're on the right side of the Uncanny Valley. Like it's, you know why, you know what the difference is? Before I was like, oh gosh, it's anime girl. Um, It's so wrong. And now it's reading like, well, why didn't they just cast Christina Ricci? (laughs) And so that means she looks closer to Christina Ricci than a giant anime girl. Right. So that's certainly my takeaway. And, you know, I just want it to be good because, well, it's not what I would call like sort of the, the more highbrow cyberpunk imagery from like Gibson and Stevenson and those guys. It uh-huh. really looks like you're watching a cyberpunk role-playing game of which I played years of it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like is nothing but pure cyberpunk role-playing. Well, and it's been like 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 nine months or something like that yeah. since we saw last trailer so right. i was eight, eight months and change yeah. wondering if i just missed that it had come out <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so yeah i'm optimistic it looked it, it just read better than the last time that's good to hear i'm i because i want that to be good yes another but so far i'm tentative <laughs> another thing i saw um that i first thought i wasn't gonna like but then i saw the trailer i was like oh, okay it's called deadly class and it's a series that's gonna be on sci-fi hmm and what the, my takeaway from the trailer was that it's uh, it's the X Men story, but for supervillains. Oh, really? Because you got a kid with powers, and then he's someone comes and says, "Hey," and what, tries to recruit him 
he's he's troubled or whatever and then someone tries to recruit him and says you got to talk to these people and you got to hear what they have to say and then he goes and talk. and then and then wong from doctor strange is playing okay. the, playing the xavier role like he's like sitting there with a with a tea or a cigarette or something and he's got all of his people behind him all the students behind him and he's like come be part of something and you know come learn come to the school and i will train you and teach you and i'm going to teach you a million different ways you know to kill each other you know and then it's so it's so it's sort of like x-men mixed with battle royale like they're they're hmm. being trained to be lethal fighters not not just be trained to, to uh sort of be advocates for peace the way supposedly the x-men sometimes are supposed to be right like it looks fun now i don't know i don't know when you get into it if it gets to if it gets to um cw soapy i won't like it right but or if it's because it's on sci-fi or if it gets canceled after episode nine see so do they have that reputation for things beyond expanse oh yeah okay like uh three of the last shows that i've fallen in love with on that have been canceled within their first season that's like Fox, man. I hate that. Yeah. Well, so anyway, I don't know. I'm, it's, it looked interesting enough that I will um, that I will try it. Um, and then another another one that um, we had seen a bit of before, but they showed a full trailer for now was finally um, is Disenchanted. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Okay, so it's exactly I, I like teaser, but I didn't see. I haven't seen the full one. Well, and it's like what the teaser shows, but I mean, it's a it's a it is exactly what you would expect expect from Matt Groening doing an AD and D cartoon, right? Like, I'm one thousand percent okay with that. It's exactly right. And there was there were five or six jokes in the trailer that I was like, sold, 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 nice. sold. Like, you know, the edgier stuff of Simpsons, right? When you're uh-huh. like, that was good. There's a lot of that in there, so it right feels on. really good. It it's um, you know what? It almost feels like it's like uh, it's like someone who's doing. He was working on Simpsons season twenty-eight or something like that, and then watched a bit of uh, Rick and Morty. And went, oh, we should get some edge back. That's what yeah. it felt like. So anyway, so I'm optimistic. I hope it'll be good. I I'm really excited about that. One one uh, one final project that um uh that that I was introduced to that I had never even heard of, but now I want to try. It's on some I don't even know what TV's broadcast outlet that it is, but it's called Stand Against Evil. You heard of this? My brother loves that show, and he keeps hounding me about seeing it. I, I, I some like TBS or some weird channel like that. Yeah, it has the guy from uh, Point Break, original Point Break, in it. And Point Break. Yeah, he's like the uh, he's the he's like the captain at the police station, who's all like roided, like yeah, you know. I forget that actor's name. Um, are you are you talking about uh, uh, McKinley? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, right. He's now known by Scrubs. I forgot. I don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most yeah. people know him from Scrubs. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> can see where my pop culture reference dropped right off. <laughs> is he is he referencing a movie from 1979 to explain <laughs> to this person? That he... <laughs> so, but it's like 137 roles. And like... <laughs> but you know, I've I saw I've seen a couple of stills from it in articles, but I never was inspired to actually watch it. And then I saw a thing. Like a like a little cut that was from the creator that said, you know, the premise was took him a long time to get it, but once he got it, he knew exactly what it had to be, which was, uh, my dad as Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Nice. <laughs> and so then you watch the trailer, and I'm, it was a trailer for season three of the show, so there's a lot to already go and watch. But um, okay. it does have it does seem to be kind of zany, 
and it oh. almost it almost made me feel a little bit like it has some of the vibe that um uh that Tyler Labine's show had. Remember the ghosty one? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't remember what that was called, but that was that was a fun show. Dead, 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 dead something. Uh, yeah, something like yeah. that. This is really high content podcasting, but yeah, we're both tired. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that looked good too. Um, yeah, my brother uh, described it as Evil Dead meets Tyler. Uh, a different Tyler show the um, the one with him and Alan Tudyk. All uh, right, right. Uh, Where they're the. Oh, the um tucker and dale tucker and dale yeah what was the movie that they recently were in as a cameo and matt damon was playing like the tucker what was that movie it just came out this year this year but i'm intrigued (sighs) matt damon's in it some movie all some right, recent gonna, movie, you Google it, some recent movie had a cameo of what was effectively Tucker and Dale, but Matt Damon was playing, like, one of the two characters. I could swear that's what it was. Let's see. Suburbicon, um, Unsane, Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Trust me, it's there. And you haven't seen <laughs> Deadpool 2. No, man, it's it's not in the theater here anymore. At this point, and we were supposed to see it with you. That's right. And then we never did. Yeah, because of reasons. Um, reasons. Well, they're going to do. Um, they're going to release a, a an even more fucked up cut on yeah. Blu-ray. So I think that'll be. I think it'll. I think it'll read just fine at home. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, like my my TV setup in the in the movie room now is is decent enough that there are some movies where I'm like, why did I go to the theater for this when I could have just watched it at home? Absolutely. Which kind of makes me sad, but also makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) What makes me sad is anytime I go to the theater, that's not the Alamo. Yeah. Well, I've never gotten to go there, so I don't know what you're talking about. And maybe I don't want to know because maybe I don't want to experience that level of sadness. Yeah, I understand. (laughs) I just, it's like, you know, when you get so spoiled by really good food and drink, no kids, no talking, no cell phones. And then you see you see a movie at a regular place, and you're surrounded yeah. by all of whatever is the opposite of those things. Tractor poles and exactly. teenage girls. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of tractor poles and teenage girls. Oh, no, my. No, We're I back around a gun again? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not what I was going to say at all. Um, uh, so, San Diego Comic-Con. Sounds like it was a good time um, had by all, except I can't really tell if they're all lying and they weren't just really exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Everyone I've talked to online is like, it was amazing. It was so fun. I'm going to sleep for a month. And I'm like, so is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I just can't tell. Yeah, I just I don't know how you do it. I talk to for strictly from like a vendor artist standpoint. They say that it's a show where you do about as well as you do at shows like Phoenix and Denver. Hmm. And I think a big part of that is that there's there's a certain like critical mass you hit at a show that size where you can only help so many people in the amount of time you have to help people. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's just a capacity problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I don't know. It's something that I would like to go to and experience just to experience, but I don't know if I'd ever want to actually work it necessarily. A few other random bits that I have. I, I just realized we didn't mention one of the big elephants 
we haven't seen it except in a in a toy version but one of the big elements in the room for aquaman is that he does have the green and yellow in it design oh yeah yeah and apparently it looks good like interesting shots of like underwater armor that people had on that i thought looked really interesting too Yeah. yeah yeah it looks good and i'm glad they gave up that pretense about making a bubble to talk and all that stuff yeah that's there, nonsense there's a scene when she goes your half brother orm is the, the, the mad at the surface world for littering or some shit and you see his cape <laughs> and you see his cape billowing and it almost looks like it's underwater but right. what's weird about it is you don't have any of the visual blur of 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 using your eyes underwater Do you know right. what i'm saying yeah. So it's almost yeah, re- there's not that that weird depth problem that you hit with. Yeah, that. yeah. It almost reads more like someone who's doing space stuff that doesn't understand space, because that's a really common amateur well, kind of problem of, in space of things having currents that don't exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it's like, look, there's wind in space. This isn't water; it's space wind. <laughs> Star Trek Four got some uh, got some buzz on Friday, I guess, because they said they're going to have another female crew person on the bridge there's gonna have a female villain it's got a female director star trek 4 as in the the abrams versus star trek yeah 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 at the same time at the same time they're doing this whole time travel thing where kirk's pappy's coming back and i'm like i don't know mm, yeah even even though that's a hemsworth i'm still not interested <laughs> yeah it just this doesn't really seem too fun um, they showed some live action stuff from the Umbrella Academy adaptation, which I'm excited about. Oh, I didn't know they were doing that. I never, mm-hmm. I never really read the comic. I just saw a lot of bits of it, and I read stuff I from the creators. Afraid, but I haven't read it. <laughs> it looks like I would like it. Everybody was really um, exercised about the Titans pr- trailer when that came Ugh. out. That was Friday. Yeah, I forgot about that. I remember talking to you about how the Robin costume in Batman v Superman was odd because it was all like dark, grim and gritty Robin. And then it had the shorts. <laughs> well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're really having trouble trying to figure out what line they want to cross on Titans. And they decided to go, they tried decided to triple down on being grim and gritty. Cause it's, I guess so. It looks so like so dire un- and yeah. unimpressive. Yeah. It doesn't even, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the, like the, the presence and the style to make it seem cool and 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 dark, it just seems like it's a really goth angsty version of a CW show. Yeah, it does. Without like like it doesn't even have the the, the soap opera drama that makes people that like that want to see it. Yeah, it's totally nonsensical to me. Like, and I feel like that's the flagship that they're laying that whole streaming service on. Yep. And it's a very, very bad idea. <laughs> that and that they're going to do a Stargirl series. Yeah, so. like the only thing that actually intrigues me about the the DC what's it what's it called DC Unlimited mm-hmm. um, is that it, the comic book access, right? Like I think that's interesting, but nothing they've got streaming is of interest to me at all. Yeah, it is almost as if our Marvel Unlimited subscription suddenly got all the movies, right? Right. Because that's that's the premise that they're working with. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad idea, but you're going to have to have something better visually to pull people in than that nonsense. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, also, uh, what was it? There was that Abrams movie that they put oh, a trailer yeah. for, but it would, technically wasn't at Comic-Con. But, right. but you and I were stoked on that because it looks like a small hint of what Hellboy might be like. 
Yeah. And it, I guess it's going to play into the whole Cloverfield mythos somehow as well. Yep. I still haven't seen the, the paradox yet. Uh, me neither. I, I, I heard it's not good. It. I, yeah, I've, I've heard it's okay, but I, I have so many good things that I'm behind on that why well, watch something that's just okay. Uh, yeah, that's exactly the problem when you have limited access, limited time. Yeah. And you don't want to waste it on crap. Speaking of wasting it on crap, they're saying that uh, all of the stuff that they showed suggests that Iron Fist Season 2 will be good, actually. I think that's nonsense. They said that the uh, the chore- fight choreography looks totally different. and then the... Did you watch the trailer? I did. I, yeah. I feel like the, the fight looked almost the exact same as the first one. But they said the footage... Yeah, in that little trailer, it's just like him smacking people around an alley. It didn't look that interesting. And then but, his hand started to glow. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Why would he waste it on those guys? Doesn't do it for me, man. A, why would he waste it on those guys? And two, why would they even have martial arts? Because they just look like... They're just street toughs. Street, street toughs. Yeah, it made yeah, no sense. Apparently, it was... growing up in the mean street. <clears throat> makes, yeah. Makes you learn martial arts real good. <laughs> but they said that there was like footage of him uh, fighting with uh, Davos, or whatever his name is, back in Kunlun and they're like chained together and they're having to do this whole very mm. Hong Kong cinema style thing where they're fighting opponents but they're linked. So anyway. Did you say did you say Davos like the Onion Knight? Exactly like the Onion Knight. Yes. He's in it? No. And then also uh, um You had me excited for a minute there. Yes. I was really excited about the fact that Zombieland 2 was finally officially greenlit with the entire original cast coming back. That's cool. Oh I'm totally down with that. It's funny to think of how old they all are now. Yeah. <laughs> I, and it, I'm sure it's going to be real time, right? Like they're going to have been out there for like, a, I don't know, a decade. Right. Um, there's no excuse for, for the, the little sister being like 23 now. <laughs> <laughs> One year later. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. They did say that they're going to do some experimentation with the, with the zombies evolving. What made that interesting to me is what does evolving mean when you're talking about zombies? Because like I read this whole article on, on one of the sites, what is it? Life movies, death or one of the, whatever they're called, um, where they were talking about how, uh, Oh, film school rejects. That's what it is. And they were talking about how, you know, some different, different horror, horror franchises evolved or mutated zombies in different ways. Mm -hmm. Everything from the Romero stuff to, uh, Resident Evil to other things. And it, it, it posed the question, does evolving mean the trope where they get more intelligent and they can start using weapons and things, or does it mean that they're becoming something other than human? I don't know, but right. we do know it's going to be funny because it's zombie land. <laughs> it better be. It is the first one. Was great. I think the last thing I would mention from the show is that uh, the, the project that still feels like some, el- some like alternate universe movie that we shouldn't be seeing. It still seems like it's going forward. It's that Joker project. Just oh, does the, not, uh, yeah. The, the Todd Phillips one, yeah. Joker by Todd Phillips feels like some other alternate reality people finding out about our reality having, um, Tim Burton doing Batman in 1989. <laughs> like that seems as far fetched as yeah. Todd Phillips doing Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, that's such a strange choice. I actually really like Joaquin, and I'd be really curious oh, to yeah. see what else with it. But it's so inexplicable to me. <laughs> yeah, and then and then and it's like every day I keep thinking they're going to say then the the project collapsed under its own, you know, 
Petard? Petard. No, just like, like under its own earnestness to be different and weird. But then, yeah. nope, Zazie Beats joined it. Okay. And then I think just today or yesterday it was like, oh, Robert De Niro is going to be. And I'm like, what the? <laughs> this is not happening. How's that happening? Apparently it's happening. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I think, if nothing else, as long as it doesn't get too muckety-mucked by the executives, it could be different. Yeah. There was something else that happened at the very beginning that people don't remember anymore. Oh, I know. Disney randomly just announced they were going to do another season of Clone Wars out of nowhere. Like, oh, yeah. All the Clone, War obsessives that I, Clone Wars obsessives that I know are really excited about that. I've never seen any of them. I've heard they're super fun, but I've I've watched almost all of season one, mm-hmm. where it's it's still being written kind of more for kids, but at the same time, it's got like it's all war, so I don't know. What I understand is Rebels is a lot more fun and a lot more interesting, but I'm still gonna get I'm gonna I'm committed to getting through all of them in order. So I'm. I guess I somehow didn't realize that they were like two separate things. Yeah, they're different stories. How dare Madness. you? How dare you? Well, I guess that's our San Diego Comic-Con coverage for two guys that were absolutely not at San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah, who were doing anything but San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> we look as tired as the people who went. Yeah, yeah, but, that's accurate. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay, not bad. Yeah. Well, Chris, do you... Um, do you have any uh, Do you have any projects that you want to talk about in a planned plundering or a rum fueled recommendation sort of way? Uh, let's see here. Planned plund uh, robot fueled recommendations. What have I watched? I watched I watched a couple of movies recently. Was there anything good? Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm bringing up my my movie app that I track my my viewing on here. Hold on just a second. Do 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 do. It's nothing but repeat viewings of the guru. <laughs> yes, precisely. <laughs> uh, let's see. What have I watched recently? I watched... Uh, oh, I watched... Oh, yeah, I watched The Golden Circle. Oh, did you? Yes. I, I think we have much more to talk about with that movie than what we can do in the time we have remaining here. Yes. Uh, I also watched Justice League, which I liked better than I expected to. That was your first time seeing it? Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't know. Was I your the impetus to go out and see it, frankly. Did your experience watching Justice League feel better or worse than the guy being fed into the meat grinder in Golden Circle? Ah, ah, ah. It it was more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then I actually All the red screen you could handle. Yeah, really. Um I have a recommendation, I guess, sort okay. of. Um, I picked up a Kindle for the yeah. first time. Oh, yes? And it's been interesting. I've, I've been a Nook guy since literally the Nook came out. Right. I've owned every incarnation of the Nook that they've put out. Because of the paper. Um, yeah, the e-ink screen yeah. thing. But more importantly, I wanted to support Nook because they supported the EPUB format instead right. of the EPUB format. Mm-hmm. And EPUB was typically like what all of my advanced reader copies came on and all of that stuff. And I was like, well, I don't have to like, like to get a book onto a Kindle, you have to convert it. Then you have to email it to your Amazon account, which then downloads onto your device. Right. Which feels really unwieldy to me. 
It also feels like something where if Amazon wanted to, they could just be like, burp, burp, and kick all your books off kind of thing. Exactly, right. And so, like, despite the fact that all of my books are on Amazon and we sell them as ebooks on there, I've always supported the off-site ones. Uh, but the, the new Nook is just kind of... It's kind of piddly. You, you can tell that they're kind of like filtering out their involvement in right. the ebook world or in the world in general, possibly. I've heard that from other people too. Yeah. So I, I finally, like, they had Prime Day and I was like, well, they, the Nook's on sale for like 60 bucks or something like that. We'll give it a try. Or the Kindle, my bad. So I picked up uh, a Kindle Paper White, which still has the backlight, but it's the EE paper. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, perfectly serviceable i'm i'm assuming i was probably the only person that listens to this podcast that still had a nook instead of a kindle so (laughs) but why do you like why do you like either these products when you have an ipad now because Because, okay first i know the screen brightness thing but but i thought that the apps on the ipad for book reading were now trying to emulate that thing where they pull down the contrast and stuff man it's it's not the same at all Uh, okay no, like reading on a Kindle is legitimately like reading an actual page of a book. Got it. There's no glare. There's no, it, it looks like you're looking at a printed page. It's also like, like I can't speak for the Kindle yet because I've only had it for a few days, but my Nook, I charge less often than once a month. Oh, I see. Yeah. And I read at least an hour every day. Got it. The other important thing is that these these dudes weigh just a tiny bit over six ounces. Oh, yeah. There's nothing there. Yeah. And so, I mean, you can lay in bed and hold it and read it. Yeah. If you fall asleep and it hits you in the face, it doesn't give you a black eye. That's a really good point because I have the the giant iPad Pro and it can hurt your hand after a while. Just working yeah. on an art. Yeah. Yeah. Like even just my phone is heavier than my Kindle is. My only uh, digital book reading experience has been on the iPad when I got all the Expanse yeah. stuff from you. I feel like I should like give you my old Nook just so that you could read it on there and see how different the experience is. It's surprising how much faster you read. It changes the experience of reading. Back That's interesting. To closer yeah. to reading it on a real book. So, so yeah, I'm I've, I'm pretty excited about it actually, for being a, the the cheesy introductory level Kindle that everybody else already has. Right. I I like it. <laughs> what about your um? Do you have any? Uh, do you have any uh, planned plunderings? You know, I really don't. Um, there's half a lot of, of, half of the San Diego Comic Con, I guess. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, I like. There's a bunch of stuff in theaters I want to see, but I don't have any plans to necessarily get to them anytime soon. Right. No, uh, like right now, I'm just kind of in the middle of nowhere, coasting. <laughs> How about you? Coasting. Um, okay, so for let's see. Sorry, I had to put a protein in. Um, okay, so for the um, planned plundering, I saved one from our San Diego Comic Con list. Um, I'm looking forward to watching Night Flyers. Mm, yeah, yeah, that looks really interesting. They released a full a full preview for it, and it's still reading like I don't know. It's sort of like reading. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's taking a lot from like Event Horizon and these other kinds of projects that we've seen before. At yeah. the same time that the the YouTube series Origin also looks like it's a hybrid between Event Horizon and Passengers, and so I don't know, but maybe I'm just I'm the target market for all kinds of uh, sci-fi horror. 
So maybe <laughs> I don't care. Doesn't matter. But yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then and then for uh my rum field recommendation it started a little uneven and I got bored, mm-hmm. which is not a good sign for my recommending it. Um, but I'm about halfway through or a little more than halfway through the second season of Luke Cage. And oh. um, I'm digging it. And I think the reason I'm digging it is because I like I like uh, Jamaican stuff. Mm-hmm. And his adversary is Bushmaster. And so he's it's all these Jamaican gangs moving into Harlem. And it's him doing this whole thing. And the right. actor that's playing... Um, Bushmaster is just really striking in his face. He's just so mm. he looks like I drew him. I don't know how to explain it other than that. Like the the facial features and the scale of things. It just he just looks like I drew him. And you'll know what I mean if you go look him up. It's just he's dope. So anyway, I'm enjoying it for that, even though it's treading water as all these Netflix shows do. But um, and I'm kind of an apologist for them. Right. But but after but after Iron Fist and Defenders, I started to feel a little weary. <laughs> And I really liked um, Jessica Jones season two, so I was. See, I haven't. Um, I started watching Luke Cage two, got about ten minutes into the first episode, and was like, "Wait a minute! I haven't seen Jessica Jones season two yet." Yeah. So I went to watch that and realized I really wanted to watch the first season again. So I've been rewatching the first season of Jessica Jones prior to watching the second before I start Luke Cage season two. So. I'll let you know how I feel about that in a year or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In 2032. Yeah, exactly. Um, before we uh, close out the session, I was going to mention to you that I found a, uh, and I posted this also on robotkraken.com, which is an excellent entertainment website for all of you to check out. But um, I found this really great uh, recommended video from YouTube. I was watching something else and then it just, it kept showing up in, like I watched three different things, either they were trailers or something on YouTube, three completely different products. Okay. And this recommendation showed up in all of them for me in the sidebar of like recommended videos. And it was hot one season six, episode two, Natalie Portman pirouettes in pain while eating spicy wings. (laughs) (laughs) And I watched it (laughs) and, and she actually did not pirouette, but it's, and I'd seen one of these before and I'd forgotten about it, but it's, it's a, entertainment interview series where they conduct the interview in front of a table with hot wings and the spices go from super hot to nuclear hot. And oh, so yeah, as they yeah. go, as they conduct the interview, the it's first we feast of the people. And so as they conduct the interview, the spices are getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And they show the scale of the, you know, how bad it is. And she just holds her own. She's just like, Rrr. at nice. one point she looks like she's starting to cry. But she, but she never breaks. She's just like, it's good. It's good. It's hot. It's spicy. That's I like it. And you're like, you know you're trying not to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this one was 64,000 hot rating, hot units, you know? <laughs> anyway, it was pretty good. So, um, and I was eating, and I was eating something spicy while I watched it, which made me feel like I was more powerful in my spice resistance than I really am. Because I'm not. <laughs> But it dovetailed nicely. I was I was eating an ab- a habanero salsa with some chips, and so I was I was sweating as a as a bald one does when they eat spicy foods. Um, and my mouth was on fire while I was watching her trying to answer questions with her skin falling off. And there you go. Nice. Plus Natalie Portman. Yeah, it's always good. Mm-hmm. So there you go, Chris. I have a question for you. What's that, Tom? Do you like Iron Man? 
Ironman. Ironman. Tony Stark. Ironman. Of some sort. <laughs> I need my daily dose of Ironman. <laughs> that seems like a bitter pill to swallow. It could be, depending on if you have shrapnel in your heart, buddy. I love Iron Man, let me tell you what, and I have taken it upon myself to draw Iron Man in almost every armor I have ever seen, and that even includes the sucky ones. And they're yeah. not that many sucky ones. I mean, they're mostly I, good ones. Ironically, I don't think I've ever seen just a Tony Stark in a suit with a martini. <sighs> just right in the middle of my promotion, you're going to poke a hole at what I don't have. But I, I'm just saying, I, I, you, you said you had everything, and I remembered something that I thought was strange that you didn't have, Tom, that's all. By the time our loyal... Uh, I didn't realize this was a promotion. <laughs> by the time our loyal listeners rush out to thirdraildesignlab.com to pick oh, out wow. one Sorry. of many Iron Man-related arts, I will have that piece done and ready. And if, I, and if I don't, then I won't, but I will eventually have that, yes. That I have at least drawn Tony Stark by himself once in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a... I know you've drawn Crypto's. Pepper. Crypto, oh yes, hello, more than once. <laughs> I have that cryptozoological, uh, crypto historical redesign. A cryptozoological one would have been also interesting, but <laughs> I have a crypto historical redesign of Stark in his armor. The Ferris <laughs> Autonomic. I called it the Ferris Autonomic. It was fantastic. But here's the thing. My point, though, is that if you love Iron Man, and I know you do, mm-hmm. you Who can doesn't? get not one, not two, but like 30 different prints with Iron Man in them. Boy, available at, third, at thirdraildesignlab.com. All reasonably priced. Reasonably reasonable. Yeah. And surrounded by dozens of other amazing pieces of art. <laughs> dozens? <laughs> Is that an understatement? Yes. Hundreds? Perhaps? Hundreds. Hundreds. Hundreds, ladies and gentlemen. If, hundreds of if different you can, prints. If you can think it, I may have drawn it. He probably, he does. He has a purple-gloved Batman on there. I sold it to a guy wearing the purple-gloved Batman cosplay last month and i couldn't have been happier it's i mean i could i could have been happier but felt sorry for the fact that you drew that and bought it just as a pity thing but possibly you may have also appreciated he seemed the to purpleness of the glove oh i enjoyed it and that's what's most important okay so anyway listen go to thirdraildesignlab.com get buy all of the iron man prints plus all the stuff that's not an iron man print and you'll be happy yes good for winter insulation if nothing else Give one to all of your friends and still have hundreds left over. I love it. My father was the world heavyweight champion of Sicilian liars. From growing up with him, I learned the pantomime. There are 17 different things a guy can do when he lies to give himself away. Guy's got 17 pantomimes. Woman's got 20. Guy's got 17. But if you know them like you know your own face, they'd be lie detectors all to hell. Now, what we got here... It's a little game of show and tell. You don't want to show me nothing, but you tell me everything. Here we are. Here we are. Get a hold of yourself. Get a hold of yourself, man. Here we are doing our uh, post-mortem recording for Rose City Comic Con 2018. Day one. Whoa. Portland, Oregon. 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 It has an O and an N. Like an octagon. It's Oregon. Prove me wrong. Hold on. Don't, don't Google give me it. a minute. Hey Siri. Hey, hey Siri. How do you pronounce Oregon? So here we are in an Airbnb, <laughs> and it's a house, and we're, I don't know, three feet above grade level, and there's a sub level below us, which is 
also an Airbnb. Yeah. And there's been a constant stream of woo girls that have been going into the lower Airbnb, and they're having a party. And I realize now, woo! let me take my grand granddad moment and say, <laughs> I realize now that the kids today rent out Airbnbs to have parties. Yeah. That's Rather a thing I didn't know happened. Yeah. But apparently Apparently. apparently. Yeah. In Portland, anyway. In Portland. Yes. Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Um, Just as there is no ah in Nevada, there is no gone in Oregon. The correct pronunciation of Oregon is similar to pronouncing the two words aura and gun together. You've just wasted a month of my life. A month of my lifespan has been wasted by you reading a, a, doc, sorry, a doctored Wikipedia page. I'm sorry to you support spent your a month of your life <laughs> pronouncing Oregon wrong, but you Californians... Mo- mo- moving right along. Uh, here we are in Portland, Oregon, and uh, <laughs> Rose City Comic Con. It's not Comic Con; it's Comic Con. Not further a, not, evidence. Not once San Diego gets their hands on it. That's true. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> well played. It is going to be Rose City Comic Con. <laughs> oh my god, Aquaman! 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 Aquaman at the Rose City Comic Con. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, so proceeding. So this is our um, post-mortem of day one. We're uh, punchy. But before, yeah, but before we get to day one, let's talk about day zero. You drove to Egypt, and then from there you drove from Egypt to here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What's the deal with that? Yeah, we had to set up in Salt Lake City um, so that I could leave my wife and her 63-year-old father seems like a lot of work to leave your wife, man. It, it, you it, just get a divorce and dude, move on. Leaving your wife is a lot of work, no matter how you end up doing it. But especially if you want her to make you money. it's Yeah, it's a tricky thing. I'm leaving you, but here are your minimums yes. for the day. And uh, please make $3,000 next two hours. These aren't funny. These are not funny jokes. Marriage is serious, and you should take it more seriously. That said, so you set up Salt Lake City Comic Con. You know the person you're referring to doesn't listen to this. Oh, okay. No. So, uh, so you, so neither you drove... of us, are, our wives, have ever listened to this this thing. <laughs> my wife has because my kids demand that I play in the car, but they only want to hear the first ten seconds. <laughs> they just want to hear themselves. They want to hear themselves. They're, they're Instagram celebrities, and they do like to hear bits of us talking because they hate when I play either podcasts from Australians or. Your robots falling downstairs music? Or, yeah, that, they like that. <laughs> or the the fact that my Siri and Alexa are set up to be Australian women's voices. They say they can't understand it because it's not English. Now that said... Don't your kids speak like three languages? <laughs> irrelevant. Uh, and so they have, so my wife has had to listen to the podcast in the car in small amounts. And it's just this constant thump, thump, thump against the window on her side from her eye rolls. Leaving her head and hitting the window and back into the skull. So that's how you leave your wife. Okay. Yes. You make them listen to your podcast. Yes. Occipital pressures. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so you drove from Pocatello, Idaho to yeah. uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. I did. Or do you, would you prefer I just say Utah? Because your cock made me... No, there's an, ah, there's an H in there. Okay. And then from there you turn around and drove to Portland, Oregon for the setup. So you got to do your setup on Thursday night because the 
Um, inexplicably, the rules were that if you had an exhibitor booth, you could set up on Thursday. Correct. But, uh, yes. Yes, but, uh, but if you were in the artist alley, you could only set up on Friday. Right. Just for some perspective. On the one hand, I understand that the, the nature of the show this year is that there's a huge imbalance in the distribution between exhibitor booths and artist alley. Artist alley is pretty small compared to how many exhibitor booths there are. There's a ton of I don't think there's that many more than last time. Regardless, there's a lot of exhibitor booths. <laughs> and my point is, maybe their idea was that the Artist Alley people would be blocking the loading dock and they want to get the booths I in. think I think I got the impression from the letter I got that they were worried that they might not even have the like that area set up. They said that's right. They said yeah. they didn't even have Artist Alley set up until late Thursday night. Yeah. Anyway, so my concern was all the Artist Alley people showing up at 8 a.m., needing to get in and, right. and set up their tables. And frankly, even at an 8 a.m. start, it would have been... That's a little tight for me. Well, display. I think, yeah, like there's a small portion of the Artist Alley, like you and Brian Lenz yeah, yeah. and a few of you guys and me when I'm in the Artist Alley sure. that need that extra time. Yeah. But then there's like... Like, 70% of the artist alley roll in two hours before the show starts. And they really have a suitcase, and they just put yeah. a couple of books on the table and call it a day. Yeah. Or a little portable little uh, like a sign, and that's yeah. it. You're right. Yeah. I've watched a lot of that, and I'm definitely not that guy. No. Um, no. no, you're not. At Pandemic Tour, granted, I had your space and my space, a 24 lineal feet of, of table space, but it took me a good four and a half hours to get it set up. Right. Uh, here, we got there at 9 Right. Nine, a little after nine, just after. Yeah, now, nine, nine, ten. Now we park in the parking lot and then and then truck the stuff in, so we don't have to worry about loading dock. Although I was surprised the loading dock was largely empty. It at was that time. it was shockingly unoccupied. Yeah. And as we were doing the as I was doing my initial setup for the first hour and a half that I was there, like there was no one in Artist Alley, mm-hmm. and then they all just kind of hit in the, in the last hour to hour and a half before the show started, um, and there were still a number of tables that are empty. Yeah, I saw now, that. now, given the fact that... So, going back to day zero, because we shifted to day one. How dare you? But in day zero, I drove from San Francisco. Not mm-hmm. San Francisco, but San Francisco. Sa- San Francisco. And I drove from San you Francisco. You mean San Fran? Oh, God. Frisco. <laughs> Frisco. So, I drove from San Francisco to Portland, Oregon. Um, my current display setup and all my wares take up exactly one Toyota 4Runner. Literally one, and uh, I don't think there's ever been a forerunner f- so full I, as your particular rig was. It's nuts. Our our man Blake uh, Born Again Simmons was not even Born Again. Begin Again Simmons. That would be a disaster. <laughs> Is that why he didn't? Come? It would have been a disaster. Religion. <laughs> that would be terrible. Let's not talk crazy. But anyway, he was going to come and then he couldn't come, and so. Um, one upside to that was that it solved the problem of the fact that their only room for him would have been in that little center console. Yeah, where you I would keep have, the, the, like the trail mix and stuff. Yeah, you would have had to do a little boxing Helena move there and <laughs> delim him. You grab the ankles, I'll grab the wrists. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so yeah, I would have scrapped some stuff. But anyway, the point is, it was it was eleven and a half hour drive. Could have been better, but it could have been worse because. The I five was shut down shortly before I left because of a new fire right. in Reading. So I had to detour and go up into the last national forest and then over Mount Shasta. I'm using hand gestures to show you. Yeah, the in case you guys don't know what a mountain looks Mount like, Mount Shasta, and then down the other side. 
Catamonte. So anyway, <laughs> down the other side. How, how do you pronounce that? Catamonte. So, um, <laughs> oh, this one? How yeah, do I? That, yeah. yeah, that's Du Bois. Yeah, Du Bois. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you passed me a clipboard. <laughs> Give me the pen and I'll ask you to pronounce something. We're creating a board game here. <laughs> we are. So, okay. Uh, here's what was alarming was, okay, so I went over the mountain to, uh, to avoid the closures of the freeway because of this fire. The southbound direction, though, was, I shit you not, a line 10 miles long, 9 miles and change long. And it was dead stop because there was nowhere for them to go. Right. So many people were still trying to get on the Highway 299 to get back to west to Reading. That's insane. But it was blocked. And so this whole line of cars was jammed up. All the semis had their hoods up to vent the engines. People were standing on the side of the road. I saw some people drinking beers. Pretty sure I saw barbecues. <laughs> A lot of distress, because you can imagine. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking a new route for the way home. Yes, I think that's a good call. The the news was saying late late last night was like, well, uh, you know, maybe they'll assess reopening the five on Friday. You know what? It's not even remotely contained. It's I'll not be worth the it. Yeah. 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 And one on one's a nice Friday. Yeah. I would rather if I have to spend an additional five hours driving, I would rather be on the coast than hell yeah sitting in a line. Well, like that's the crazy thing to me about that in particular is why wouldn't you flip a bitch and driven ten miles up and popped over to the one hundred and one or well, something? The problem was no one knows what's going on. I was I thinking about true. that. There's no cell service up there, yeah. so none of those people have any indication of why they're stuck. Is well, there's gonna... not like smoke signals or anything. Do you guys not use those out there? That's racist. However, I did see people with bows and arrows. See, very Walking Dead. Um, anyway, so I got here. You you came back from the from the con here in Portland, Oregon, um, having set up your stuff or initial setup, and then I got to this Airbnb pre Woo Girls, and uh, and then we did yeah, we, we did a little uh, bag and boarding. And they didn't pizza woo in until tonight. That's right. And then we did some bag and boarding. We ate some pizza, and then we were hit, hit the road this morning. Yeah, we got there a little after nine instead of eight because we realized that you know what. Life's too fucking short. Yeah, whatever. Got Let's eat, eat breakfast. Eat, eat breakfast. Right. We we sat in the uh, weird little room off the side of this Airbnb and yes, ate our bagel. Yeah, our the cult, bagel, the cult room, bagel, the bagel. Uh, and so then, uh, so okay, so day one. Yes. So a race to set up the booth before. Uh, that is a sensitive microphone. I went like this, and it detected it. Well, that's because you're hitting the surface that it's sitting on. Don't science me. I've, I've, I've tried to convince you that that's a bad thing in the past, and, and then you continue to talk with your hands aggressively. <laughs> I'm Sicilian. You see my name. So, okay, so uh, it was a race to get my shit set up, and I got most of it up before the supposed VIPs came in, and then I was working on it all day until... 8 p.m. when it was shut down. <laughs> you I mean, I had until nine tonight. Nine, yeah, really. That's true. We were there for quite a while. But I mean, you know, like the, you know, I had the main, I had the display up. I had the stuff in the racks. I had the stuff on the on the display behind me. It was good to go. But I was filing and organizing prints and doing things the entire day. Yeah, yeah. What was your take on day one here in Portland, Oregon? Um. I feel like it was acceptable. I mean, like, our numbers were approximately what we did last year. I feel like my flow is terrible where I am because I'm... They've kicked me out of the artist alley. Last year I had a, <laughs> a standard 10, 10 yeah. by 10 booth. 
that did did pretty well. And then this year they're like, oh no, it's a maker's market now, so you get like a six by eight booth, which I ended up with two booths because our buddy, well my buddy Carter was supposed to be here, right. ended up not being able to come, so he just kind of subletted my booth, his booth to me. Um, I, I don't know, it's a weird vibe. I would say eighty to ninety percent of my sales today were repeat customers that came specifically to buy something from me, and you get a lot of that. I do. But still, you also have normally you have a balance between that and... Right. Yeah, like, like I had one, one guy come over and spend 117 bucks on one cent of soap. I that's mean, amazing. That's, that's one plus of what we do is that I have those customers. Like, within the first hour of being open, I had four customers that came directly to my table, picked up their four soaps, handed me money, and walked away. Two of them had the money in their hand, ready to hand to me. So that's like my saving grace at this show. Because if I was like, like you would have made more money than me if I hadn't had my repeat customers, and that's never happened. Uh, no, astonishing, <laughs> an astonishing proposition. Yeah, my, yeah. My 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 whole thing is much ado about home food. <laughs> That's French. And you made uh, the exact same that you made last well, year? Well, so my perspective was that it was slower than last year, and, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of looky-loos that wandered by. Um, I mean, I will say, we'll go into more detail, but I mean, I will say it wasn't a negative. There have been other shows like Pandemic and and, and, and even San Francisco, actually, when we had that horrible positioning. Yeah. Face, I was facing the wall. Um, where I would say that first day it was total tumbleweeds. Both right. of those cases, total tumbleweeds on the first day. That was not the case with me. I had a lot of attention at the booth. It just didn't translate into sales today. Yeah. Now that's not atypical yeah. for a Friday on a three day show. And on top of that, this is now the second year that they've done a Friday. Right. right? This is only the second Friday ever Correct. for Rose City. And and you know, shows that are established as three day shows. Friday is the is a view ship a view day. It's like a preview day. Yeah. And then Saturday they buy all the stuff, and then even Typical. then there's the crowd that waits till Sunday to buy all this. Right. So there's always that, but I hate to count on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I yeah, my impression was that it was slower than yeah. normal. Yeah. That said, when we did look it up afterwards, <clears throat> I was exactly the same as last <laughs> year. Now to be fair, substantially more product, which is better, uh, better placement within the constraints of how they, they've changed the flow, but I'm in the right. same place. Uh, but From a product standpoint, are you selling it at the, uh, at the same price point as last time? Or were you at 15 last year? I don't remember. I can't I remember. Think I was at 20. No, I was at 20. You were at 20. And also, the other thing is, last year, did I have two tables or one? One table. I'm pretty sure you had two tables last year. Mm. All right. Maybe well, no. Maybe you. I think I had one because I, I was right. really hot about getting a second table. Yeah. And I petitioned for them, and then they finally gave me. They only allowed us to re-up one table, and they gave me the second table a few months later. Right. So, so that's isn't that what you're complaining about this year again? Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> now they have said, yeah. So there's been some, there's a little some politics here. One is that uh, the the con is saying that they are not doing. Re-ups at the show, right? Which is actually standard process. They, but they I, used to. Uh, they liked, used to, and I liked it. But they're yeah. going to do emails. But I don't know whether that means. So the the risk there is: is it like heroes and villains, where it's like, okay, cattle call begins today, right? Or is it you're going to get an email saying, do you want to re-up? Do you want to buy that? Same and that's table okay. Space. That's okay. Yeah. 
Uh, but the other thing they said, which is more controversial, is that Artist Alley will be down to one table only. And that's a real problem for me, because their booths are much more expensive. Right. Oh, yeah. I don't mind moving to a booth if I had to. The problem is, it's completely out of scale. Right. It's four times as much. Yeah. And there's no way I could support that. Right. And so that's what's frustrating me, and Brian Lins and a few others who were talking about the very same thing, they're very upset about it, because they just, you know, they need that extra table. The thing is, for them, though, like, from a Rose City standpoint, that's a solid fourth more artists that they can get in and they're not losing a penny by doing that uh if i could if i could guarantee adjacency Mm -hmm. i would have the getting in blake register yeah and put them next to me and then just overflow onto that table oh yeah totally it's really frustrating but i don't know we'll have to figure out how we gain that later but uh for now um, let's focus on the positives. Mm-hmm. What are some positives from the day? Our pizza was still late. Oh, delicious. two days in a row we've had pizza from Atlas Pizza. It's yeah, amazing. Man. This pizza the, tonight it was so it was an olive oil, garlic, garlic base, base with basil, garlic like roasted garlic, mushrooms, and bacon. Oh, man, that was a good pizza. That was really good. Yeah, and uh, both nights, last night it was a sort of a mixed topping pizza. Lots of meat, Yeah, lots of meat, still a lot of bacon. And then they have a thing, it's instead of like uh, twisty breads or whatever, they have something called knots. Yeah. And so it's just bread knots, but then they fill it with goodies. And so last night we got one that was bacon, jalapeno, and blue cheese. That was a hot... Yeah, it pretty much blew our O-rings. Oh, man. Tonight we got one that was meatball... Bacon, right, or something? It was no, it was Canadian bacon, bacon, and sausage. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, with ranch and blue cheese dressing. Yeah. So so we're we're just shaving years of our lives off. <laughs> We've actually calculated out that there's one to two bacon meals each day that we're here. Approximately. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to go back to San Francisco and, uh, and have salads for the rest of the week, but... <laughs> but but at least you'll do so with the, the fond memories of oh my the pigs God. that you murdered in Portland. A good, I'm so, normally, I, like, I give myself one pizza a month, and if it's not great, I'm kind of pissed that I wasted all those cheat energies on yeah. something that's like burnt and not that great. I would be in real big trouble if Atlas was in San Francisco. Dude, they make, they make a good pie. That is good it's Good pizza. stuff, yeah. So that's a positive. You yeah. also saw a bunch of... Uh, you saw the one of the cosplayers that you saw that you really liked. That was a popular oh yeah. The, the, uh, there was a couple of ladies that were cosplaying the brownies from Willow. That's amazing. Really, really solidly too. That's amazing. And like they came over and geeked out about Val Kilmer and Willow, which is super underrated. Of course. And if you don't believe me, then fight me. I can't. Um, and I won't. And then I had another one that uh, is a regular. She's come by the table quite a few times. In fact, she has kind of a shrine of my art up in their 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 house. I don't think I showed you this picture actually. It's pretty sweet. I like um shrines. but they they picked up my real genius print last year and they had him sign it this year. That's awesome. But yeah, it's like in their kitchen. 
But there's uh, like five of my pieces right there. Uh, well then. <laughs> it's on the edge between yeah. flattering and then restraining order. Yeah, yeah. That's but amazing. They, it's a really a shrine in the kitchen. Yeah, isn't that funny? But wow. yeah, he, he signed the, the piece of this show. That's and she good. came by and like sent me a picture of it and stuff. So that was super cool. I You know, it's... Fridays are kind of a weird mixed bag, generally speaking, anyway. Yeah. Because you're either... It's either slow and dead, or it's like a weird vibe. It's never been yeah. like a busy, crazy, amazing day on Fridays. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, I had a good time. And like like you, I was still prepping and finishing up science. Like, because most of my stuff that I usually use is in Utah, I had to handwrite all of my signs, and most of my stuff wasn't bagged. And you do everything. You do five layers of everything you do you do a light blueprint blue line and then you do a pencil layer and then you do an ink and then you don't like that one you do it again and then you do <laughs> five ink stitched together and then maybe you take a photo and then you ink over the photo price signs. on your price signs we take five hours <laughs> my price signs i just use the wet erase markers on a piece of laminated paper <laughs> i was using comedy to highlight the fact that you have a meticulous but very high quality high standard to the work that you don't don't bring up false aspirations for my signage at, at the at the placement. <laughs> People are gonna show up and see this scrawled ass. This so took like, no longer than two hours. Print. This is bullshit. Eleven seventeen. <laughs> two dollar. So I so for me uh, also I had really good I had good conversations at the tables tables because I have more than one. Uh, I had some deep dives which was good. People found a number of things they liked and even if they walked away and said they. Almost every, only with one or two exceptions, did the deep diver who walked away not insist emphatically that they were going to be back. And I give them a card with my table number and everything and try to remind them of why they want to go. But I've really learned you don't bother to chase them. No. Either come or they won't. Yeah. Um, I don't take it personally. There's a lot to see. But they were enthusiastic, which is what you want after a deep dive, right? There were only two cases where they dove through and laughed and and pulled a lot of things out and said, I love this and I love that and this is my favorite character ever and I love this and I've never seen this before and this is amazing. And then they walk away without saying goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I had two of those. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but everybody else was very uh, um, accommodating. And, it, and then frankly, there were I had a lot of very positive pieces of feedback, both on the content in terms of the balance between the pinup girls and the more powerful char- excuse me, characters. Um, and also some of the new work that I have up, which is I'm taking your advice and veering into some more interesting pop culture stuff, like the Labyrinth piece yeah. and the, the Buttercup from Princess Bride. And I have a few other you know, pieces there that I think are going to appeal to people. So you're essentially taking my catalog and drawing. No, I'm just kidding. But, I, the but, but, the but like the Japanese, I'm improving on it. So, uh, but anyway, ow! It would take me 1,000 years to produce the number of hairs that you did for Sarah, whatever name is in Labyrinth. Uh, Sarah, Jennifer Connelly, what's her name? What's her character's name in Labyrinth? What? Labyrinth. I'm just kidding. Shit. Son of a bitch, man. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the mirror universe. <laughs> what are you talking Did about? Did DC publish that, bro? That was fucking Winona Ryder. Her name was Clarice. <laughs> it's not right. Don't play and, with my emotions. And it starred 
uh, is Sarah, right? Yes. 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 Okay. So like you, you're Sarah, the Goblin King. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're Sarah, and your um, Jon Snow both have one thousand individual strokes per inch. On yeah, they do. I mean, yeah, we, they we told, do. We've told. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did. We've told the story on on the pod, but also in person to people uh, many times that you and I would touch base over the evening, and I'd be like. You were like, what are you working on? And I'd be like, I did this print and this print and this print. And you're like, and I did this square inch of hair. Something goes pieces. I, the fact that we just we've told that story multiple times to people in person and on the podcast, <laughs> does that make us boring? Not at all. It makes us intrigued. You're like, oh god, not the hair story again. You're still drawing wrinkles on that alien you're working on. You're it's, working on an alien for it's a two mutant. years. It's not an alien. Well, that has a lot of wrinkles. You, did you see all the veins in that thing? Oh, I did. Oh, I saw the veins. Anyway, look. The point is, I'm optimistic for the future. Yes. I'm easy either way. I'm getting a lot done. I'm organizing. Uh, oh, oh, so well, here's the thing. Remember I said pandemic, which was an unmitigated garbage fire. But one of the positives for me was I used it as a test bed for how to scale my... Oh, yeah, yeah. And in that instance, I had two full displays up at a, you know, sort of a Chevron thing, and I had multiple bins of art, and I had all this other stuff. It paid off because I learned, first of all, I staged things differently, mm-hmm. but I also learned how the building blocks of how I wanted my display to work. Right. The big posters up behind me as opposed to the small prints, the sea of prints, that change. How the sea of prints, if I want to run some prints under the posters, what that module is. Here, I was able to overlap two displays, so I was right. able to get the full 12 feet out of these. Because our displays are kind of weird. Well, They're, they're yeah. locked into a certain width, basically. Well, yeah, but my thing was, I could have extended it. Mm-hmm. I think we go, we go I think 10. we can go 10. Maybe we go 10. But here's the thing, I've pre-drilled right. to have put run these rods up so that I can hang, or I can support signs above my signs. Right. Let's say, my name and how so that whole system of getting a little extra real estate, getting use, using my airspace, right. meant that I had to set it up in such a way that I put the rods only where they go. Right. So I had to engineer a thing, but where that I could set up the signs on uh, a, a, a hybrid this way. It worked out great. Yeah, all that fine. work I did in pandemic really paid off here. That's Absolutely. how I was able to get it up so fast. Well, that's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Let's be non-gender specific. Let's be a little bit more. That's what he said. We are in Portland, I guess. And you are from San Fran. What they said. (laughs) That's what they said. Strength in numbers. So tomorrow will be the theoretically big day. Theoretically. We may or may not get donuts in time. We can try. We we can try. I haven't looked it up to see if we're close to any of them. How is it possible? I don't know. The problem is is once you end up in a, a celebrity donut town like Portland... The other donuts suddenly start to become harder to find because everybody's like, "Have you got the voodoo donuts?" Or blue star, yeah, blue star, which I think blue star looks great, but I'm not gonna, deal. I'm not we gonna wait in a damn line for donuts. Yeah. We, we walked <laughs> past it, and there was a line of pretty young people waiting. Some of them were like in bikinis. Yeah, and if that's what happens when you go to blue star, <laughs> I can see the value add, but it means that we're not gonna be able to slip in there before, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to figure something out. 
technically this thing claims that there's a, a second Blue Star location near us, but right. we'll see. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll deal with it one way or another. All right. Well, I'm optimistic, but I do have one story to tell you. Before, what? Before what, I close Tom? the segment. You know how I have a lot of prints. Yes. And I have three thousand. Yeah, I'm I've been saying I think I'm about six thirty right now. So I have a lot of esoteric stuff that is gonna to appeal to me and one other person. Yes. But I print it with the logic that that person may go through and they may find it. And if they you know, if it's weird, they're not gonna have any luck finding it anywhere. But what's the harm? If right. I have it, if I happen to have it, right? Right. So anyway, uh, I had a guy come up and say, hey, do you have any Mr. Miracle? And I said, I happen to have one Mr. Miracle. But mm-hmm. I have to warn you, it's the... Is that the Barda one? It's the, yeah, it's the, uh, no, no, not that one. But it's the, not the one where he's tied up. Oh. But it's uh, it's the <laughs> one where I, I drew the, there's a lot of woo, there's a lot of woo happening outside of Woo! Alright, so are they Ubering the way? They're getting into my truck. It's weird. Oh, cool. Not appropriate. So anyway, it was the Jack Kirby concept design for Mr. Miracle. Oh yeah. Which I found a a whole bunch of his original uh, character sheets for a lot of the designs that he did. And his original Mr. Miracle is all these muted colors. It's olive green and maroon and sort of this mustard yellow. Yeah, yeah. So I so of course I went for that. And so I drew, of course, right? of course. I, I do the main version. You're like, when why, you can do why would I do this logically? Plus, and I made it as a as an ad, like a, a, a mock ad for a U-lock, bike lock that cannot be run. So oh, yeah, he's you did. Trying to sell, that. He's yeah. trying to sell the U-lock. Anyways, the guy said, comes up and he says, hey, his name was Wally. So Wally says, hey, uh, a Willie. It was Willie, not Wally. <laughs> Willie says, Tom, calm down. Do you have any Mr. Miracle? And I say, yes, indeed, I do. I find it. He says, I already went through your DC. I didn't see it. So I can go through it. So I found this Mr. Miracle, and I pull it out. And I said, I have weird stuff, but there's something for that one. If I draw it, someone somewhere is going to want this thing, and you have found the Mr. Miracle. This is accurate, yeah. And he was super stoked. He looked at it, and he kind of blanched a little bit. And then he took it, and he says, I'm going to take this. And I said, okay, fine. So I signed it for him. And then I told him my logic that, you know, some of these are really random but I like to think that, that somewhere out there is someone who really needs that particular thing. And yeah, totally. If you're going to find it somewhere, you're going to find it in my book. Yeah, that's for sure. And he laughed and he said, he started to walk away and then he came back and he says, look, I, you know, this is going to kind of trip you out, but this was really the perfect thing because uh, I'm a locksmith. That's <laughs> Right? No way. Is that the shit or what? Dude, that's hilarious. So... That's awesome, dude. That made my weekend, right? I mean, That's like, that ass. is the best, right? I couldn't... I just was double-taken and triple-taken. <laughs> I accused him of lying, you know? That's perfect, I did dude. a lot of the... No. Yeah, <laughs> really? Oh, he's a locksmith. That is so funny. I was very satisfied. That's with that so perfect. How funny. So that was day one. Uh, so we'll soon be reporting back with our postmortem for day two, in which case we will be telling you how amazing it was. Indeed. All right, there you go. Sweet. Okay, it is day two. It was day it two. It was day two. It is still technically day two. I guess technically, yeah. Of Rose City Comic Con, Portland, Oregon. Oh, God. The, really? <laughs> the first... We're going to start with this already. Consistency. Consistency is key. Shut that Inconsistency. Up. So, so this was our first full day of the show. 
Full, yeah. I say full in the sense that we got full there at from nine. A shopper standpoint, anyway. Right, we got there at nine. VIPs at nine thirty, and then it went to seven. Technically speaking, this was approximately two hours less than yesterday because we got there at eight and left at eight. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> to be fair, you're right. So, uh, so what do we do today? So we didn't race over there. We made some delicious eggs and bacon here. Uh, went and did a pit stop at um, Coco Donuts. Coco Donuts got some sweet donuts. What do you think of the donuts? I had those too, and I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them as well. And we had more. Yeah, more. they weren't anything amazing, but they were nice, standard, basic donuts. One star Yelp review. <laughs> they weren't anything amazing, comma, but they were okay, standard donuts. <laughs> I like them just fine. I like it. I like it that kind as opposed to the, you know the voodoo doll, the voodoo donut style. Yeah, like I'm down with like wacky wackadoo ones occasionally, but most of the time, like after standing in line for that long, it's not worth it. Yeah, and also they're works of art and everything, but they're too sweet for me to actually eat. Yeah, so. yeah, these ones, the, the like donuts. psycho donuts in San Jose. I would be like oh, two bites so in, and I would be like, "This is incredibly challenging." See, I just have such a like a, a sucker love for psycho donuts because uh. of their eyeball lights. Oh sure, <laughs> I'd go there again in a heartbeat. And that that apricot fritter we got there was amazing. It was amazing, and I do agree. Are you going to wino slouch off the couch on the floor like you did yesterday? Yeah, we go <laughs> so, um, so how did you find today, Chris? Well, I got in the car and you drove me there, and it was a terrifying ride. That's, That's how I found true. today. It, it was not. You loved it in every way. Never get in the car with Tom. Unless you want a thrill, a thrilling journey through multiple stages of emotions that you didn't know you had, arriving perfectly safe. It, it's amazing how, like, if you clench hard enough, you can lift a forerunner with your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> anything this morning that was problematic. I did... No, that's true. I did, yeah. I went there were some, I, some questionable maneuvers after the show. But. Yeah, I went off-road, yes, near a community garden, but it was you, important. We had to turn around. You didn't take out a cat. I was worried that was going to happen. So, uh, other than my excellent driving skills, how did you find today at the show? Pretty good. Not not amazing. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We'll, okay, get, we'll, get Coke. To, we'll get to that. <laughs> it, was, um, it was neat coming and actually seeing your booth where it is. It is way out there. Though. It's way out there. It's in a weird spot. It's facing towards the kids section. It's far enough out that I could. Oh my god! <laughs> I got hiccups, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we got a minor hiccup. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Please stand by. Well, I wondered if it benefits you that you are compared to other people in your area. That you were in line of sight of both the Lego display and the Legion's Star Wars setup. Which is true. People in your area who aren't directly line of sight of them and maybe to the side would have a lot more. If I'd realized the way I was laid out, I probably should have done like you did and hang posters along the top. Yeah. But I also only have four varieties of poster. Yeah. And it would become repetitive super fast. Yes, I understand. Um, but yeah, I, I had an okay day. I, I talked to a lot of regulars, which I love. Um, I definitely picked up a couple of new fans. I had some people let down enough that they bought a handful of soap and the, the sticker album so they could collect the stickers. Very nice. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Like, I, I introduced a new print, my uh, Deadpool Infinity Gauntlet one, and it sold quite well today, which is funny because I didn't sell a single one yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did redo my display a little bit. 
And I feel like shifting it made a difference mm. because the soap was further in on the table and I moved it out to the end. And then I had a little bit of like a sunken walk-in thing going and I pushed that out. And I feel like maybe getting out into the aisle a little more helped. Mm. Um, it's weird. Like there's dumb little things that you do that affect a booth like this. You don't expect to make that much of a difference. Yeah, I can see that. I was your day. Well, wait, before you leave me, uh, did, what percentage of your sales today do you think were soaps? A solid 70%. That's really interesting. Minimum. Because I'm often trying to understand how, you know, so I largely print sales. Mm-hmm. And I try to imagine, I'm trying to gauge me versus other people with similar product and then knowing you and what the back end of it and what goes into well let me let me think so that's may not be accurate because i sold a bunch of buttons handful of buttons okay i sold uh half dozen t-shirts okay um i did sell like five beard oil flasks so it depends on whether you categorize that as soap um i sold (laughs) one of my novels Um, I sold three of the Thing art books that oh, I had okay. there. So that's, that's uh, what is it? Those are 40 bucks a piece. Oh, so, wow. okay. so that's a significant right yeah. there. Right, right. Um, okay. Sold some metal prints. So I, it was just like a low, like generic print sell mm-hmm. con for some reason. It was kind of odd. It's been a weird row city yeah. versus other years. Because they're usually very art-focused at Rose City. Yeah, and um, I have had... Okay, so for me, I want to preface by saying I had a great day mm-hmm. in terms of my in, enjoyment of the day. Right. But there were some setbacks. I would say some interesting things going on. There are a much higher than normal amount of seemingly very interested parties who do walkaways. So mm-hmm. well, I'm going to come back, or this is... I had, I had at least six individuals who spent... 15, 20 minutes going through all the prints, all 630 prints, pulling many of them out and laughing about it, telling stories, saying what they love about it, complimenting it, and then they walked away. Oh, so it's so very hard. interesting, and I have no problem with it. I, I encourage them. I, I, I've even gotten to the point where I'm saying this is a soft self booth. I give them the, the right. spiel right away and say, this is the deal. This is what they cost. This is what there are. If you have any questions, let me know. If you're looking for anything, let me know. Thus ends the speech. Yeah. Just enjoy yourself. So I make it very clear it's okay to spend time, and it's fine. It hasn't been an issue. People haven't been able to, has happened to me in the past. There weren't scenarios that I'm aware of where someone couldn't get to me because someone else was dominating. Right. Um, And in one case, I asked someone to shift over so that someone else could get in. But the nature of the way I've set up this time, because I made an L of my print bins, there's very little um, uh, clash of people trying to get to things. Right. When they were in a row... Okay, the last two shows. People up too close together. Just, yeah, it's like they're they're all kind of in line together. Something about being able to turn the corner makes it a little bit easier because in each sense. case there's a there's a place to go. Interesting. Um, I'm the only person using our in, our weird little. Uh, yeah, you are. In, um, yeah, we have these little stanchions at the end caps of these corners of our artist alley rows. Potentially illegally. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and so I've I've actually hung art on it, but the there's nothing holding the fabric to the pole. It's not right. tied off at the bottom. So the weight of the stuff is pulling forward and dragging <laughs> it down. So I have to, so I've had to go and adjust it a number of times. And at one point I thought about doing tie downs, getting back under there with tape and bringing it down and basically anchoring to the floor. Mm, yeah. um, but then I had another problem that's, that 
changed my, um, my focus, I had a bigger picture issue, and that is that my display came apart. Yeah. So I think, so, so just, so for people who are listening to this who didn't actually see us at the show, I have, at this point, I have two back displays, and they've been drilled so that I have rod coming up off the top, and then I have two long 40-inch banners that go, oh, they're on foam core backing, that go above the display armature. And how so do you I mount have, those to your, your rebar there? Huh? How are they mounted to the rebar? Uh, so, normally, each one, there was two different, uh, there were two different drill points, but each one, these bars come up, the foam core backed po- uh, sign has grommets at the corners uh, with a zip tie loop, uh, and then the zip tie loop comes down on the rod. Oh, uh, okay. So what was challenging this time was that I had, tw- the challenge was I had 12 feet of space, it didn't fit the module of any of my drilling. Right. Because of the quick, uh, very quick nature of our setup on Friday morning, I didn't have the time to do what I had done in the last show, which was field measure, you know, field measure what I needed exactly, and then go out, step outside, and drill by the loading dock. Okay. I have a, a bit, you know, a bit, and I drill, and uh, and 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 then make it work as it as it needs to be. Yeah. Go. So. Anyway, what happened was so yeah so it's there so the idea is that they're adjustable. However, yes. in this particular instance, I took the two since twelve foot of display. I took the two displays, overlapped them, to make exactly twelve feet, lashed them together, which I think looked good. Yeah, and then what I did was I since so the outermost rods held the outer edges of each sign, and then innermost rods kind of fell sort of in the middle middle other third of the sign and then I taped to that with packing tape. Yeah. So then I hung posters, two rows of posters, all the posters, and then there's a, a small row of normal prints below that. Hiked it all up to the full eight feet. So uh, about 40 minutes into the show, there was a sound and I turned around and one of the signs, the one that was my name and logo and everything. The unimportant had, one. Unimportant one. <laughs> had come down it was down, it was hanging off one zip tie. So it had actually, when it broke free of the plastic, the paper, the packing tape, mm-hmm. it lurched itself in such a way that somehow it got off the top zip tie. Okay. So instead of swinging out like a, like a, right, like a flag, like a flag like a, it actually swung down. And in the course of that, I was like, oh my God. And I tried to get up on a chair and I can't get it it's too high. So then my um, booth mates, um, he, he, uh, the 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 male half of that outfit um, kindly helped me, and so we. Could he talk, boost, did he did he put you on your shoulder on his shoulders? That would have worked. Uh, trust me, and I was thinking how much I desperately wished I had a lightweight ladder to use <laughs> instead of shoulders. I'm like, gosh, why couldn't I just bring a lightweight ladder and stick it under the table? It's Tom. not like this never happens. Tom, <laughs> there's only so many appliances you can bring with you. Margarita mixer. <laughs> No, I mean, but, I guess you could put the ladder on your well, roof rack. No, but here's my logic, though. It's not the first... And I don't have any room, I know. But, but here's the thing, though. This is not the first time I've had problems higher than I can reach. And the problem with this display type, as I experienced today, is you cannot easily get it down to fix it. Because they're all taped together. They're all taped together, and they're all right. hanging from above. So we did a in-unit, you know, synchronized thing where we loosened the top and brought the whole thing down right. enough to be able to access so that everything else is bowing now underneath. I had to bring the whole display forward almost to the table in order to get behind it because the people behind me were right up against it. Right. Uh, anyway, 
got it back up there, taped it some more, made another little extra couple braces. Who knows what I'm going to see tomorrow morning? Yeah, yeah, it's really. That, it's the it's the packing tape. It doesn't hold the way right. like Gorilla tape gorilla would never tape. have come yeah. loose like that. Anyway, put it back, hiked it all back up, and it was really getting wobbly and weird. And I think it's because of the fact that they're tied together. And even though we're doing them in unison, it just was right. a little unstable. And I also noticed that all the way to one side, the lower third hinge point, it's kind of doing this. Hmm. Like it's almost like it's either overextended or something, but it shouldn't be able to. It's be. possible. Like I've noticed on that particular display, the the cinch off part can come unglued and get yeah. loose and like yeah. slide up. Yes, and that might be what's happening with that. Yeah. So I was a little nervous. I was seeing the. So we cinched it back up, but it's not as high as it was before. Mm-hmm. So now the bottom row is not really visible. Right. People, and it's just everything is just down by about a foot and a half hmm. or a foot. And the, the thing was, I started feeling the urge that I wanted to continue to modify it. But then I was thinking, it's, I'm on the, on the precipice of disaster. Right. If it comes down, not only do I take myself out, possibly pitching forward, the display, it, could um, hit, it could hit the, my neighbors who are helping me out. I could take down their, yeah. their grid. And also the people behind, I could take down all of their pieces. Right. And everybody's at risk of that. But, you know, you'd feel like the number one asshole if that happened. Well, and you're at that point, like, like that far into the show, that it's like, well, how much effort is it worth expending to yeah. tweak something that well, is less than ideal? And, and, that's, and, and that's the thing. Like, I was thinking to myself, I would love to optimize. Because now I put it up, and now things are not jiggering right, right? They're, right. like, at weird little angles because they're no longer aligned. Um, and back when I only hung from above, and I didn't link them together, mm-hmm. they were all on rings. Right. They all hung consistently. So that they, then I wouldn't have had this problem, but because right. things were taped together both directions, mm-hmm. it's a little wonky now. Not doesn't look quite as clean, but I got the sign back up. If it was important. <laughs> that's um, the next thing that I discovered about an hour and a half after that was that I didn't have my money bag. Yeah, so that's tragic. Oh, that I knew I knew you weren't going to be thrilled at the text I sent you saying, "Hey, uh, do you have my money bag?" <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about putting stuff in my backpack that yeah. morning. Yeah, and uh, perhaps we should have. <laughs> well, and the thing was, I was that what what threw me was that it's a black money bag in the black back of a black right. Chevy truck, and I missed it. Oh, so shit. I wasn't. Oh, so your couch are all off. I just found fifty bucks in my pocket. So you did better than you thought you did. <laughs> That's a good problem to have. Sorry, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So while while Chris is just generating currency out of the folds <laughs> of his clothing, uh, what I, I get from making this out of a money tree. That's man. right. So for me, it was the opposite problem, which was that money was was disappearing um, without clear explanation. The problem was, I figured most likely. It seemed unlikely to me that someone would reach over and do a, 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 a bag grab. And in fact, yeah. I never leave the bag on the table. It's always down. It's either right. in my cargo pocket or it's down below. Right. So I was a little bit skeptical that someone stole it. But I there's also, always that chance. I could have sworn time. I remembered bringing it in. So I was a little bit concerned about that because there's about 600 in there. And, oh, 600 of what I brought, let alone right. the cash. Right. So then, um, but I figured otherwise it's still in the truck. But they, they block off our easy access back to the parking lot. Right. So I would have had to spend 20 minutes walking out, get through the crowds, get out there. Well, then you'd have to around, go through the metal detectors to get back metal in. Detectors. And since I'm just covered with lint and knives, uh, that's not going to work. So in the end, uh, I, just, I just said, well, in the moral words of Brian Cox in uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight, it's either gone for good or there to stay. 
So thus, <laughs> thus and therefore, I decided not to worry about it. Yeah. And I was able to get by without it because everybody, just like the day before, everybody was doing cash sales more than they were credit sales, mm-hmm. and very few people want to change. Well, on, on the on the plus side too, we have accumulated a network of friends and acquaintances oh, sure. that, had you needed to, there certainly could have been some change along, even without walking the the mile to my back alley boardroom display that I have set up. Absolutely. So you know, even even my my booth neighbors would have would have um, helped me out if I needed. They're like, oh, this poor guy. We'll give him some money. <laughs> Who are, they said, having the best day of any show they've ever done. So See, but what's the scale on of course, that, too? Of course. Like, that could legitimately be like, oh, my God, we made table. That's true. You're right. Who knows? But all the same. So anyway, uh, at the end of the day, I was down from last year, but not egregiously so. Mm-hmm. Although, since I have double the product of last year. That's true. I would have liked to have seen it go up, but again, this was a weird, there's a weird vibe of the show. There is. People are not buying at the rate at which normally I'm expecting them to see. Saturday last year, I would have two and three, I had cases where I had two and three sales happening at one time. I really hate to say it, but I do think that the big celebrities hurt this show this year. They've got Tennant, they've got uh, Val Kilmer, um, Marty Kovac, no, (laughs) (laughs) the other ones. Um, but no, there's like, there's a good enough amount of people, and more importantly, like, there's, uh, they've got a little bit of the Walker Stalker effect going, where they've got like five or six from a certain genre, Yeah. and if those people are there for that, realistically, they're booking and getting autographs and photos with all four or five of those people, and that's what actually kind of screws us more than one big celebrity, because those people like like the Karate Kid group, that's like two three hundred bucks to get an autograph and a photo with all of them. Totally. But how would you go there and not get one of them if that's what the option? Absolutely, is? absolutely. And like you say, also, I mean, it, it was enough of a thing that. And also, I talked to people that described being cash poor this year that they weren't last year. Right. Um, embarrassed to tell me they were cash poor. Like repeat customers that normally would buy right. from me that said they didn't have cash. And in one case, um, a long time repeat customer, you know, apologetically said, you know, I, I have to get that Val Kilmer signature and that's all I have the cash for. Right. And I encouraged it. I'm like, listen, I will, you're going to be able to find me for a while if, as long as we don't keep ordering pizzas every night. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, know. And, and our two bacon a day diet for the con. Yeah, really. Um, it's true. If uh, we don't, if realistically, we don't see, I'm going to outlive Valkyrie, hopefully. So <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a good chance that he chose well getting the Valkyrie signature. Yeah, neither of you are playing beach volleyball anytime soon, mm. but you're, you're at least capable of, like, Eating a small pig every day for lunch, like we've been doing here. I love that I lost track of who Volkelner played in Top Gun, so I was trying to figure out how they brought Goose back. Like, what the hell is this? What is magic? He's Iceman, man. So, do you have any um, interactions or anything that were that stand out for you? Anything I had some great customers that are like regulars that have come by every year and bought stuff, and like it's funny, like this. I've done Rose City by myself for two years in a row now, and this mm-hmm. is my third year. And it's... Well, I guess that's not technically true, because I guess the one year we did it... Yeah. And I guess... Was Lindsay there that year? I can't remember. I feel like she was. They blur. Yeah. Um, but anyway, 
Like, it's been enough time that, like, Lindsay's done these other shows with me and not this show that I can tell what new soaps people know or don't know based off of whether or not Lindsay was there last time. Yeah, right, right. Um, but we had uh, Michael Rosenbaum came by the table. Which is cool. Uh, looking for Val Kilmer art. So Which is it also just, cool. It was, it, it's such a con moment to have Lex Luthor come over and look for Batman art. <laughs> no kidding. Wait, uh, is... Uh, <laughs> What, what's his hair situation? Was he have like short hair? Right he now? had a hat on, so uh, I don't know. He was wearing a ball cap. Okay. He, he's in stealth celeb mode. Sure. I recognized him, um, but he super friendly, super gracious. Uh, he was looking for doors art, but he saw my real genius one I had, and immediately was like real genius. <laughs> and like we talked about it a little bit. I told him I thought it was funny that he was over there looking for Batman art, and he's like, "It's Batman art in 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 Jim Morrison disguise, though." Uh-huh. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But he was really cool. I I didn't ask for a photo or anything because I know those guys aren't supposed to be doing that out on the floor. So, yeah. but um, I mean that was I mean it was all just kind of basic stuff. I talked to a lot of people. I had one dude that loves one particular type of soap, our wash one. And he bought, like, every single soap I had. That's funny. And it was funny because I found one underneath the table, like, just, like, chilling. And I put it back out on the table, and he came by later that day as someone else was buying that one last soap. And he's like, I thought I got all of those. <laughs> and there was, like, this competitive thing. She's like, well, I'm not giving you this one, too. And he's like, that's oh, no, that's fine. I just wanted to be the only person to buy them all. That is so So weird. it was just funny. Like, there's, I love it. It, there's some people that get like super attached to certain aspects of it that it, it, it's kind of delightful but I had a, a couple of really good I mean I had a lot of great like I mentioned before even though it was a little cash poorer than last year for the day mm-hmm. the quality of the conversations and the experiences of people both recurring buyers and new customers yeah. were very good and even if people uh, like I said again a record number of I will be backs and yeah. write down because I write down the thing I write down where I am and what's right. on the card and, you know but but so there's a lot of that and maybe some of those will actually come back and we'll yeah. see but but the but conversations were all really good the feedback was great there was a lot of enthusiasm and in the variety of what I had and there were again I have 630 something prints I'm telling people and there were still right. things I didn't have some very obscure some some really obvious that it's a weird that I don't have them but like Mara again, Jade Mara Jade <laughs> or Angry Hulk or Angry Hulk <laughs> well I had some Hulk so I had some I, well and it's it's funny but, to me yeah. too because like that's one thing that I feel like we do different than a lot of other artists we stand there we yeah. talk to everyone. We yeah. have actual conversations with them. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these artists just sit there and let people look at their stuff, hand them money, and walk away. Yeah. And some of them do better than we do sales-wise. Yeah. And I don't understand that. But, I well, I mean, obviously the art thing's a different thing. But like, like from a sales standpoint, I feel like we are getting more out of those non-sales than any of those people are because we're having actual conversations with people. I'm here to have fun talking to people, sharing the love of the craft, yeah. sharing the experience of liking having these kinds of affectations and hobbies, and just and being ins- I get inspired to draw certain things based on who I've talked yeah. to and what yeah. they wanted. You know, uh, I never leave a con without having ideas for new things I want to do and be energized about drawing. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's I, I I do not have a problem with that. Yeah. So yeah, I would love the extra sales to be rolling in anyway. 
I would love some of those conversations to end in extra sales, but there were um, there have been a number of people who stopped, who are cosplayers that I showed them what it was there, and then they ended up buying the cosplay. Yeah, and there were a number of people that just kind of s- s- casually walked by, then got sucked in and got really excited, and there you go. Right. But that said, um, uh, a couple other highlights. Um, three or four pieces that I printed just for the show, I've sold prints of them. And not just, oddly enough, not the main, I, I printed Buttercup and, uh, what's her name for Labyrinth, yeah. thinking Sarah, thinking that those would be obvious um, draws. Right. And I got a lot of eyeballs on them. Right. But no buys yet. However, some of the obscure stuff I printed for the show, I've sold. Nice. Now, I've sold a couple of the Cat Noir, but that that's kind right. of was more of a, of a more obvious one. But, like, that Bastilla Shan mm-hmm. Star Wars... I've sold two or three of those. That's funny. Someone got really into my Edgar Allan Poe uh, portrait that's an actual raven. Right. Um, uh, Rukio, 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 something like that from Final Fantasy. Hmm. That one I showed you. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Blowing. Someone got really excited and got that one. Nice. So stuff, obscure stuff I printed. Yeah. But okay, so here's a couple of, two, two conversational highlights that I want to share. One, a couple came up and they were dressed as Deckard and... Um, uh, not Deckard. They were dressed as uh, in the new movie. They were they were dressed. Oh, as, uh, uh, God! I don't have it. I can't remember his name. Jake. No. Yeah. Whatever. It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah it um, Baby Goose. Baby and, Goose. And uh, and then his and, and his cohort. And so yeah. So we're done. I love the stuff, and I can't think of the names. But anyway, point is, <laughs> they were done up. She had the yellow. She had the really like the yellow tinged trench. Mm. He. Oh, maybe they were Deckard in. Who had the yellow tinged translucent trench though? Was it just Chris, or did what's her name from the movie have Chris? It? Was it? It wasn't it the other lady, the snakeskin. Yeah, no, this is a different look. This is low content, but you have to understand that the, 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 the costumes were great. I started talking. They're cyberpunk fans. They're looking for Blade Runner stuff. I said, I said once again, it's like before. I don't have any expanse and Westworld art, but these are my biggest passions yeah, how right is now. That? Uh, and then, so here it is, I don't have any Blade Runner stuff, and I don't have any cyberpunk art, even that though I even have so cyberpunk weird. art, I have it printed. I just haven't gotten in that mindset. So we yeah. just talked, started talking about old school cyberpunk and projects that we liked, we got really excited about it, and so that was just really great, because it was a very focused, it's like at Fandemic when I had this like 40 minute focused conversation about Westworld with two super fans. So <laughs> it's just like super great, uh, he picked up a, a Quora from Tron, which mm-hmm. he really liked, and um... And, you know, I'm going to get them some other stuff once they're going to get sneak peeks at some cyberpunk stuff. Mm-hmm. Nice. And the other one, this totally took me by surprise. Uh, two two guys came by. One was dressed as Black Panther, but he had his, his cowl off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was his other buddy who was in plain clothes. And then they were kind of, they were over on some other side. And then I heard, and then I look up as they're kind of approaching towards the side. And I heard, third rail, third rail. Oh man, I told you about this guy. I'm like, what? <laughs> and the, and the friend, the plainclothes friend, comes over and he's like, oh man, I've been following you. I've been following this guy for years. No shit. He's like, I'm on your website all the time. I've checked out all your stuff. I've been I've been following you since Project Rooftop. No way. Yeah. He's really? like, so he like actually old school dude. That's crazy. Internet follower who Holy like shit. I mean I did Project Rooftop in 06. 
Wow. So that is amazing. Dude, that's He cool. starts telling his other buddy, he's like, he does all these redesigns, and he does these historical redesigns, and he's got all of you should see his own characters, and he's like, and I'm like, hey, I have a book coming out. He's like, oh, man. And Dude. on and on, on and stuff. So they may come back tomorrow and look a little more, but he was just so enthusiastic. That's he ab- amazing. He absolutely knew the work. It wasn't bullshit. He knew, right. He knew my stuff. He didn't even touch the stacks. He knew exactly what I already did. Dude. So he was like, oh, you should see this and that that he's done and all this. And and it was just it's so enthusiastic. And it was enthusiastic. He's like, oh, I love this guy. And it was like... That's super cool, dude. So that was like, so that was sort of my 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 takeaway one for today, just like awesome. the Mister Miracle one yesterday. Where yeah, I like, wow, man, that's just really humbling and flattering to be to not only be um, recognized. That's like the other show when the guy came up and he had been on the forum. Oh yeah, fifteen yeah. years ago or whatever, <laughs> ten years ago. But uh, you know, I don't know. It's just it was really it was dude, really gratifying guess, to know yeah. that he knew me from before. He knew me before even the modern era of internet presence, right. which is so minimal compared to what it was back when the jams were going and the forum was active and there was right. much more activity on other sites. I haven't posted my art to other sites in like three years. Yeah, neither have So I. it's amazing that yeah. he even remembered me still. Yeah, that's really, really cool. So that's really cool. I really appreciate it. Dude, that. that's awesome. No sale, but it was really, it was, it was forming <laughs> on the, in another way. Yes. It boosts our ego, and that's the important part. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, so my cosplay friends came by the table and showed off their costumes, which was really cool. And nice. I expressed how much I really appreciate the ones that you pro- process posts. Yeah. Whether it's in the yeah. story and Instagram or it's in their main stuff. I said, See, I prefer not the story because I never look at those. No, I agree. I but miss I, out on a lot but of I, stuff. But I said, you know, sometimes they put the process in the story because it's less finished and then yeah. they put the final pieces in the main. I, but I... But I say, you know, as a designer and as a as an engineer by trade, as an architect, I'm interested in how things get the way they are. Oh, yeah. So yeah. much the end result. I want the journey, not so much the the final product or the destination. Yeah, the process so, is the hot part for me. I love seeing And that's that. what I post. I like to post all my process stuff. And yeah. So I encourage them because I also think that there are a lot of younger and, and, or newer cosplayers that learn a lot from those videos. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree completely. So, yeah. Anyway, so that was cool. That's so, cool. So tomorrow morning we go back and we have one final day that is a short yeah. day again. Yeah. Yeah. We're and, out at five. And, yeah. And then we do our and then we do our tear down where you and I will close the place down. And yeah. The union guys will be breaking tables down around us. <laughs> yeah. Really. But uh, I'm optimistic. I hope it does well. I hope we do well tomorrow. But I hope we have fun as well. Yeah. We have yeah, donuts agreed. to look forward to. Yay, donuts. And then some other heartburning thing after work. Yeah, yeah, theoretically. So that was what? Rose City Day 2. Day 2. Here Portland. Portland, Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Jokers. All right, here we go. All right, here's the post-Rose City Comic Con report. And for this quick segment, I will admit that you will hear it. We sound a little bit Torah. Uh, it's not even the night after the show. It's the morning after the night after the show. It's got and to we're, be a morning <laughs> after. And we're, 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 uh, we're taking a quick uh, moment to talk about the wrap-up before we start our arduous process of getting packed up and get on the road. Yep. Um, but uh, we want to just follow up for consistency because we are professionals. 
Mm-hmm. And, I'm a donut. and in doing so, you're going to hear a lot of chomping and slurping, and at least the, the, the former you don't hear a lot of on this podcast, unless we, we had too much of the latter and switched, yeah, really. to, switched to carbs very late at night. But um, anyway, so and we got cocoa donuts sitting in front of us and some coffee, and yeah. we are friggin' tired. <laughs> so, uh, Rose City, day three. Uh, we should talk a little bit about that and then also, um, you know, mention that you wrapped up two shows this weekend. Yeah. One day apart from each other. But yeah, that was interesting. How was your day three? Good. Good. Uh, we ended up up $12 from 2017. <laughs> $12, ladies and gentlemen. That's my profit. Which is... <laughs> that's not true. It's, it's your escalated profit. Yeah, right. It's kind of... It's minorly disappointing because we have t-shirts now. And we yeah. have posters. And we've got stuff that we didn't have last year. But at the same time, we, we also had well. to split our inventory. Right. And so there was stuff I should have had that I didn't have. Think about how many soaps that one guy would have gotten if you had all the inventory of that soap. <laughs> right. <laughs> you would have been relabeling other soaps for that guy. But yeah, overall. Um, I like that dead air while we sorry, chewed and drank chewed pepper. And drank. Yeah, sorry everybody. Um, I mean, I, I, I had a good show. And how was yours, sir? Well, when last we talked, for the people who are listening, which was five minutes ago and... For us, it was <laughs> like, yeah, it feels four, like it was almost 48 hours ago. ago, but um, I had some expectations this was probably going to be a down show because my Saturday was low. It was. And like you say, more product or different product, you're hoping that each of the days is going to go up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a down show last time with Pandemic because that was just a garbage fire. <laughs> and so I was hoping that this show would be course correct back to what the, uh, the general trend because mm-hmm. prior to, if you take Pandemic out... My last several shows have been a steady, they've been pretty steady or slightly increasing, mm-hmm. right? Which is right. good. Not huge increases, but slightly increases. So Which is what you hope for. More than $12, but you know. <laughs> um, and, and they would waffle back and forth by about up to 80 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Between each other. But looking at Rose City from last year, my day one was exactly the same. My day two was down. And I thought, okay, so. And like we said, lots of people promising mm-hmm. to come back and. Lots more other vendors I talked to said that they were seeing um, uh, interested parties wandering rather than buying, even on right. Saturday. And I had always heard, you know, the Sunday is the day that, you, that people come back and do the buying. But in my experience, my Sundays have not been huge. Um, well, anyway, yeah. this show, yeah. <laughs> um, it was great. It was my best show ever. Can you believe that? Yeah. It, and it man, turned around really well. <laughs> like, it was definitely an art-focused crowd, but it was that Sunday Push man, like I was slammed on Sunday. There I had three and four people at the at the table yeah. that I was scrambling to help. Yeah, I was trying to handle like all three sides of my booth, and there was times where I was like bouncing back and forth. I know I lost some sales just because they were going to buy something, but I was helping somebody else for too mm-hmm. long. And there's just, I mean, there's only so much you can do when it's that kind of distance. And luckily, a lot of people are just cool with waiting or just handing you the money and like yeah. point at something, but. I had, you know, I had um, sales where they, yeah, they handed me money and took something and walked away. Yeah. Um, my problem, one, one unique issue for this show was that since it's very shallow behind the tables, mm-hmm. um, I had nowhere to sign things. I had nowhere oh, to sign on my true. amazing autograph. That's true. So, like, you know, usually I would be pulling stuff out and I would lay it on top of the stacks and sign and then let them dry for a minute while taking care of money and them. And in this case, I, several times yesterday, I couldn't. Um, like I had nowhere to put them right. to sign them, let alone to let them dry. So I was doing this sort of like 
balancing it on a thing, and it was, uh, yeah, it was the right kind of hectic. Yeah, yeah, and was, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I was super stoked. I mean, we're not talking thousands upon thousands of dollars or anything. We're talking in the hundreds, right. but it was not just a little bit over. It was distinctly my best show. Yeah, and despa- and especially coming back from a deficit on Saturday, that was super cool. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, and I had, and you know, I was thinking about it. I had your us- the usual stack of will come backs. It was on hold. Two of which I think are still going to be sales. Right. Just, they expressed interest in just doing it over the, you know, the mail. And then, um, you know, a- another another one was you know there were one or two were you know if if they you know there was another maybe hundred bucks if they had come back. And then I had um, I had two people do dives on the original art on Sunday. Yeah. Which previously the show was not. No one had. Looked yeah. At no one it. had even looked at it. Yeah. yeah. And I had I had um, a guy that went through and whittled down to three original art pieces and was planning to buy one. And he wouldn't commit to it at the time, so I knew that he was still gonna. I knew that he had a limited budget and he just wanted to see what was out there. But he had picked, you know, that's you know my current pricing for that. That's another just under a hundred bucks just for yeah. a piece of original art. So. Just knowing the variable was there. Because these are so sensitive to those kinds of market forces, right? Right, right. You can be up or down on a show based on one or two sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at my scale right now, it can yeah. be like that. <laughs> yeah, really. But anyway, um, I was super stoked, man. I was really happy about it. Did you yeah. feel like the... Um, did you feel like there was action right up to the end? Mm-hmm. Or did you feel like um, it tapered off a little early? Like, would you imagine that we would have benefited from another hour or did no, you feel like it wrapped itself I don't think up? So it started to fade over in my area pretty significantly. I had a little bit of a boost right at the end there for yeah. like the last half hour or whatever, but like right around four, it really like petered down to to enough that I was starting to kind of organize and pack stuff a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I actually feel like it had a pretty natural end for me, but I was also over in a weird like kind of back ass area there. Yeah, yeah, but. I don't know. It, it, it great show. I these guys and the thing about them, like, I'm a little concerned about where I'm going to be. I'm a little concerned about how many tables you can have next year. But at least they feel like like this show feels like it's open to changing and redeciding things. Well, they've definitely said um, um, they've definitely said that one of the big changes is going to be one table only for the alley. Mm-hmm. And they seem last year, firm on that. yeah. I mean, it wasn't even like. Um, the the showrunner that we talked to for these arrangements. It's not even like she was saying, "Well, we'll see what I can do." Mm-hmm. I got to talk to the powers that be. She, she was like saying, "I got to talk to the powers that be." But if I have my say, it will be one table only. Yeah, because she said that there was a very large uh, wait list. Yeah, eighty percent. Yeah, so eighty eighty percent or eighty people. Either way, that's a lot of yeah. That's a lot of tables. And you know, one side of my thinking was, you know, increase Sarah's alley by a bit, like one or two rows, and you'd make up that volume right? because it still seems very imbalanced in terms of scale between the artist alley and the booths. But I'm you not know, sure about that though. Yeah. I don't when know. You split it up 2d to 3d. I don't, you know. Well, and it's kind of crazy if you think about it because like a lot of these, like the pros yeah. at this show normally have more than a single table and none of them had more than a single table either. Yeah. Like, Sudyam and uh, Greg Horn don't do this show, and I actually heard one of the Horn reps, and they're like, oh, no, we don't have enough space at that show. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. Uh, that's why Neil Adams isn't at this show, is because they wouldn't give him the space he wanted. Well, it's also interesting that it's it's perspective, right? It's mm-hmm. all it's all about relative scale. Because, right. you know, last year they let us re-up 
a single ta- a single table. Right. But when I asked about two, she said, you know, send me a note and request it. And if I can give it to you, I will. Right. And she did. She came back to me and said, here. Which and, is cool. And our friend Brian down the road, he said that he forgot. He, he blew it on the reservation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so he was out of it. And then they contacted him off the wait list and got him a table. So, oh. you know, they were able to give two tables to some people. They were able to give tables yeah. to other people on the yeah, wait list. Yeah, Ashley that yeah. was down the road from you. She's one of my friends. And she ended up in a great spot. And it was all last minute. So, you know, I don't know. I, yeah. I Oh, and the scale thing is, you look at something like, I know San Diego Comic-Con is this entirely different animal and right. very daunting. But I'm always looking at that like, this is crazy. You're going to get a four-foot table? That's madness. You could never. Yeah. But every single person I've talked to, I've never talked to someone who did the four-foot table at San Diego Comic-Con who didn't say that they did great. Hmm. And that boggles my mind yeah, if you think insane. the scale of the, that show and how many people there are, how many pe- things to see. How could you possibly do good business with a four-foot table? But apparently... Yeah. So I think it's all about, you know, you, if everybody's working with limited resources in yeah. terms of that. Well, yeah, I mean, if everybody's got the same amount to work with, it just forces you to be a little more creative and stand out. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, and I think, you know, my, my display at least is now where I can scale it. Um, so I can get down to six. And I, and I thought a lot all Sunday when I had a, a chance. Mm-hmm. Since my display wasn't coming apart this time. Um, I had a chance to look around and decide what I would do. Right. And I actually could eliminate one six-foot table from my arrangement. Because I had, because of that corner condition, I made an L for all of my stacks of uh, prints to go through. And I had a section for my posters. So I was making, because I made use of the corner Mm -hmm. in a way that no one else did... I mean, right. I really benefited, which from is that. strange to me. But I yeah. really benefited from that because mm-hmm. I put the posters right there so that people could come around all on that main spine and see that, and the, Moana would draw them in. Or hey, right, right, yeah. So the table that was inboard was just ra- a rack of books and a rack of five by sevens, and you know I haven't I've yet to sell a five by seven at this show, right? I they, hardly sold any five yeah. by sevens at this show. They too. were they were giveaways, giveaways that I gave for for loyalists and stuff. So. You know, in a way, if I could find a way to consolidate how I displayed the books, or just have one each or something right out somewhere, um, you know, the bottom line is, all I'm really losing is that real estate for the display, yeah, true. which is important. That's the biggest hurt, is not having that much right. poster space and having to choose, but man, you know, I think it's totally doable. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I'll um, stack my tops, my signs up above, so it's going to be... <laughs> The you know, over 500 prints, it's going to be brushing the sprinkler. Yeah, uh, really. It's not good. <laughs> Fire code will come by and be like, what is this? I had another um, exciting first. I sold my first poster. Oh, nice. And another exciting first, I sold my second poster. So, so uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I didn't sell a single poster until Sunday. Yeah. Both, and, both of mine were Sunday. Yeah. No, one was Saturday, one was Sunday, but still. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's a weird flow at this show, but we had a good time. I mean, that was exciting for me because I've been using them. The investment was largely for the marketing purposes. It happens right. big, and I really think it changed my display for the better. It's a huge yeah. thing. So to me, the cost of the posters was was built into the making of the display. But the fact that now I've started to move a few, and people are responding to them, and responding to them flat, right? and uh, responding to the to the brightness of them. 
Um, I think that's great. Yeah. Like I've said, I mean, if I sold one poster a show, it's that's fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so that I I was super happy about it. So then, as reasonable folks, we very quickly <laughs> took down our display. Right. Took down our displays, and of course, we shared one vehicle. Oh God, so, that was fun. Yeah, we had to break we had to break down our displays. Go and get your stuff out to the. To your vehicle, yeah. Then come back, get mine, figure out how to Jenga. We took photos of this. Yes, we once did. again, you know, everything in this show for me has been about Jenga. Yeah, so really. We managed to get me on top of yours, and then get back here, and then very reasonably uh, have a cup of tea <laughs> and, uh, and get, get some rest for our long drive to follow. Right. Mm-hmm. If by that you mean go out. Mm. Until what two two thirty? You revealed it, um, but what a super fun evening! It was fun. Yeah, we got together with my buddy John and his and and Ryan, and uh, they they live in this area, but they're from all over, and they work yep. in the comics industry and design stuff. And he does like they both do lettering and design stuff and enamel pins for Wicked Critter. She's got a line of like vintage clothing. It's all very Portland, honestly. If it, you think it's about really, it, yeah. Um, but they're super. They carry awesome. Brownstein stories. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, they got little Frenchies. Yeah, and uh, gorgeous. That their house. Their house is beautiful. I love the how all the um, decor and everything. And it's like just totally my aesthetic. Oh, it was lovely. But but we went to McMinimans and had had some food. Had a flight or two. Uh, <laughs> Then went next door to a bar and had some more. You took you took that um, photo of me that with my liquid dinner. You look so it, tired in that be, photo. And to be fair, <laughs> I had I had some solids in there too, and I sipped on those flights in another environment. I would have definitely had all those beers, but yeah. I just wanted to have the tastes of them, which was sufficient. But then yeah. I thought, after we had our dinner at that cool venue. I thought then we're going to go home and have a cup of tea and be reasonable. Right. And then we went to the next venue, right, <laughs> at the outdoor, you know, this outdoor um, sort of beer garden for I don't know a couple more hours. And then we were very reasonable and came home. Yeah, and, and then we went to their house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, uh, and then I picked up like seven hundred pounds of thing books to bring home with me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was interesting, and I was not clued in on this detail. So at the end, we're like, all right, we're going to take off. And we're like, okay, let me go get the dolly. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we have to move a body first, <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, they have a beautiful house, and their decor is great. It's very much like what um, if you went to um, uh, my friend's Wendy Khalil's house. It's very mm, similar. Nice. Very similar in that aesthetic, which is that sort of kind of, kind of, um, uh, you know, Kind of uh, cor- corpse fashion, you know, like yeah, yeah, skull, kind of cabinets of curiosity, cabinets of curiosity, skulls and things in jars and mondo and, posters. Yeah, but at the same time, not um, not not overwrought in its um, in the affectation. Yeah, fun. they had a yeah. lot of fun stuff. As yeah, well. I think it was really beautiful, and the house itself was really well maintained. It was. It's a, that's a, a nice backyard. That's one thing I like about Portland, with the exception of the place we're in right now. They used to have some fun little secret garden type yeah. backyards going on, and they had a water feature, so apparently yeah. they don't have a mosquito problem, as I would expect. <laughs> Because, you know, if I did that well, water feature in mine, it would be, the water wouldn't be water, it would just be mosquitoes. Yeah, well, and flowing yeah. over. <laughs> mosquitoes like standing water, so yeah. I guess it's a little oh, moving. Yeah. But, but yeah, it was super fun. Those guys are awesome. They're the, the varied interests. They love pretty much all the same stuff we do. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were thick as thieves. Now, so, yesterday yep. was the last day of Salt Lake City Comic Con. 
because no, the day before yesterday. I mean, okay, so, oh, yeah, because I don't Saturday. know what day this is. Yeah. Saturday was the last day of that. So this was a... Yeah. You, have you ever done two shows in one weekend? Hell no. It was hard. <laughs> it was. And I doubt we'll ever do it again unless we absolutely have to. I mean, we did good between the two, but neither of the shows are what they would have been if both of us had been working them. But on the other hand... Because you didn't want to lose those revenues, and you we did had both, to. you had yeah. you made bank over if you had just chosen one, right? And so right. far, at least next year, these two shows have been split, right? Which a week is apart. excellent. So that's good. Um, so, what's the next show? You have what three in a row coming up? You know, honestly, I have no idea what I do after next weekend. I saw you tagged Burbank in there, and I yeah, you going to Burbank? Yeah, that's where Monster Palooza is. Oh, next no weekend. kidding. Yeah. So for some reason, I thought that was up north. No, oh, is that sinister? Sinister Creature Cons in Sacramento. Oh, wow. And that's sometime hmm. in October, I okay. think. I don't so, know. <laughs> coming to wherever near you. Yeah, really. <laughs> I, uh, let me actually grab my phone real quick, because the Monster Palooza one's not, not applicable to people listening to this one as opposed to. <laughs> well, I just want to say, you know, for anybody that is, uh, any of our exist, you know, current uh, listeners who follow what we do and that we talk about the convention and uh, you know, production art side of things on this podcast, as well as to any of the new listeners who picked up our card at the show and decided to give this podcast a whirl. We do appreciate that you take the time to listen to us ramble about small press life because, uh, you know, I think it's, um, I think it's been an interesting experience for us and yeah. we certainly, obviously, we have fun doing it. Um, but, uh, you know, we met a lot of, we've met a lot of new people at this show and I met several that were really hot on podcasts, so hopefully we have some new friends and um, yeah. some new five-star minimum reviewing <laughs> friends. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was oh. a great show. Oh, I have Snake River, actually. Snake, Snake River. That's the one in my, my local hometown con um, from the 28th through the 30th. Oh, then right. I have Sinister Creature Con in Sacramento on October 12th. Oh, wow. Then it's insane. You we can come to, crash at my house if you want. We go to Walker Stalker Con. In Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, geez. And then Rhode Island. <laughs> well, my schedule's hazy at this point. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I was supposed my next oh, one... I don't have San Jose on there. Hmm. Well, you will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, my next one was supposed to be uh, Walker Stalker, Heroes and Villains in San Jose, yeah. beginning of December. But once again, there was a schedule change, and now my daughter's ballet recital is on that weekend, therefore I will not attend. I will not is attend it, the ballet is, recital. Is that a, <laughs> how long is the ballet recital, though? What day uh, is it? Well, it's one day, and it's you know, only a couple hours. But there's the, it's her weekend. You know, Tom. you can't. Yeah, I can't be doing the show. Your I'm, kid is nine at least three years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not going to do that. So it's, it's very likely I won't. I mean, do your that divorce show. wouldn't last that long. So but <laughs> the, um, yeah, so very likely I won't be able to go to that. We'll see. We haven't made. Yeah, we'll see. Firm changes, but that's what's happening. And then the next one, which is of my the four shows I'm most excited about during the year that I do. Is Heroes and Villains in Portland again. Portland. And I have to say, I mean, I'm going to do everything I can to go to that show. There are some fam- some family schedule issues that may knock me out again of that. Yeah. But, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping I will. And what was nice, <laughs> it was gratifying, was that people were asking me at the show, will you be coming back for Heroes and Villains? Will I get to see you again? That's How can awesome. I find out what your show schedule is? I mean, what more can I ask? That's your level of loyalty. So... <laughs> 
not your fans, just you. Oh yeah. So yes, I I like to know where you're going to be. Yeah. And then you know we're still on the wait. I'm on the wait list for WonderCon again, so we'll see mm. if that happens. My mother would be overjoyed if I went down south and did a show finally and yeah, whatever. Hang out with her dogs after the show. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay, great. Well, that was our Rose City wrap up, and yeah. uh, we each have like twelve fun. hours of driving, and we still have to we have to press the cars. We have to unpack yours, pack mine, clean this Airbnb, and then drive for twelve hours. Yeah, um, it's gonna be great. Oh yeah, baby. All right, man. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? So here's the thing. This is an ad, an advertisement. Here's the thing. If you're listening to this podcast, very, very likely you've heard another one before it. You might subscribe. You might know our back catalog. But have you actually reviewed us on iTunes? Have you written a review? Have you given us a, a star rating? Something like minimum five stars. Something like that. <laughs> have you gone back and you've listened to the entire catalog? That's, that's what I really want to know. Because there's Robot Kraken listeners and there's... Like extreme robot cracking listeners. That's, that's what I'm speaking to. So I'm encouraging you, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, go back, do the review, do the rating, subscribe, and then go back and listen to some of our earlier recordings. We've got a lot of good stuff there for you. Film reviews, TV reviews, black tomatoes, black tomatoes, discussions about art, discussion about conventions, more movie reviews, and the reason I bring this up is, you may not know this, but there was a slight hiccup. I'm going to blame Apple. But <laughs> our most recent recording, which was done, was done and published in August, didn't somehow make it into the feed. Did you change your name to Apple? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so you may have to go backwards one and find our most recent recording. It was actually supposed to come out in early August, and it launched in uh, the beginning of September. But uh, so most, you may have to force your most of the page was there, just not the, the audio yeah, file. So you may have to force your your uh, your podcast app to of choice to you know manually push that recording because it's a good one. We it, talk about Han Solo. So we talk about Ant Man and the Wasp. We talk about Deadpool. Deadpool. De, Deadpool. Deadpool. Dead, Deadpool 2, and uh, and many other things. So, anyways, to the people that listen to us and subscribe, thank you very much. Uh, but uh, please go back and check that. Find that extra episode. I'm going to say it's a bonus episode. It's a bonus. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah, it's, but it's not. not. It's a regular episode. But go get it anyway. <laughs> and thank you for your support. We do appreciate it. Five stars, minimum. Minimum, minimum. End of ad.